Well, I love the rainy night. I love the rainy night. I love to hear the thunder. Watch the lightning when it lights up the sky. You know it makes me feel good. Well, I love the rainy night. Such a beautiful sight. I love to feel the rain on my face. Taste the rain on my legs. In the moonlight shadows. Showers wash all my cares away. I wake up to a sunny day. Cause I love a rainy night. Yeah, I love a rainy night. Well, I love a rainy night. Well, I love a rainy night. Ooh, ooh. Well, I love a rainy night. I love a rainy night. I love to hear the thunder. Watch the lightning when it lights up the sky. You know it makes me feel good. Well, I love a rainy night. Such a beautiful sight. I love to feel the rain on my face. Taste the rain on my lips. In the moonlight shadows. Put a song in this heart of mine. Put a smile on my face every time. Cause I love a rainy night. Yeah, I love a rainy night Oh, I love a rainy night Well, I love a rainy night Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Dreffin' Friends show. I love a rainy night by Eddie Rabbit. Sorry if it was a bit loud, that song. I just noticed that I put my headphones on. That thing was blasting loud. But what's going to be blasting loud in two days, and the reason I played this song, Los Angeles is going to have perhaps the biggest storm in one day than it has ever had in recorded history. Everything's too loud here. Everything's too loud. I'm sorry if I just blow out your ears. I see what happened. I see what happened. Okay. I think we're better now. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Dreff and Friends show. I am Todd Dandruff Wittellis. I'm your host. And this is being recorded at 8 p.m. on February 15th, 2017. For some reason, the volume all turned way, way up. Right before I played the song, you did it on its own. Don't know how that happened, but I think I've got it fixed now. Calwatt, the co-host, is with me. Hello. 
How you doing, Druff? I'm doing okay, and I'm just telling everybody there's going to be a massive, massive storm in Los Angeles, the L.A. area, uh, between four and eight inches in one day from or uh, on Friday, on Friday, February 17th. And what's weird is the media in Southern California, which usually is very much on these things. Usually, if there's like a half-inch forecast, they say, Stormwatch 2017. This time, they're not doing that. This time, there's barely any coverage. Most people don't know. I've, I've talked to people who, who live right there, and, and they have no idea it's coming. They say, what? Six inches? I didn't know about six inches. Yes. On Friday, if you live in Southern California, you should be aware of this, because you haven't seen anything like this in your lifetime, except perhaps once, which is back in 04. There's going to be between four and eight inches of rain, depending on where you live, in one day, which is a whole lot. So there will be flooding. Uh, there will be problems driving on the roads. There will be death. There will be destruction, unless the storm does not come to pass. But this is not media hype. In fact, it's, it's anti-media hype because there's, there's no media hype about it. There actually should be this time because uh, Southern California is not used to things like this. In fact, in some years, in the past five years, there hasn't been... Six inches of rain in the entire year. And here we're going to get it in one day, and up to eight in some places. So just be very careful. You're looking forward to getting eight inches in one day, Drew? No, I, I, knew, I knew when I was talking about six inches and eight inches, <laughs> I knew it was just a matter of time before you threw in a comment like that. I, could, I wish I could have put a side bet on that. I thought as I, as I was saying, but I was afraid to say it just in case you forgot and weren't going to say something like that. But people, be very, very careful. And I'm, I'm not just saying this uh, yeah, stupidly here. I was gonna. You should. You should get a raft. I should. You know, like get get an inflatable raft and see if you can cruise down the streets in it or something. I mean, you might as well have fun with it. Yeah i I was actually going to take a long drive on Friday night, and that's what first <laughs> brought my attention to this. And I said, "Uh oh, I can't do that." So I'm actually going to drive on Saturday morning, which I, I hate getting up early to drive anywhere, but I'm going to have to. I, I I'm not going to do this. This is going to be scary. So. I have no idea why two days in advance the media is not warning anyone. I think they're too focused on Donald Trump, and they're not noticing that this might be the biggest one day of rain in Southern California history. And if it's not, it's going to be close. Unless it's Trump, don't don't worry. As soon as there's chaos and destruction and death, it'll be all over the news. Yeah, they're going to go, oh, we had no idea this was coming. Oh, my goodness, flooding. No one had time to prepare. And they're, they're going to be the typical looting stories where, you know, people are going to be breaking into corner stores and, and carting off uh, TVs on rafts and shit. Yeah, yeah, and the other thing is it's been like in the low 70s in Southern California this week, and it's been clear or partly cloudy. So it doesn't have the look like a huge storm's coming. It just, it just looks like a nice day that Southern California is famous for. But in two days, it's going to be very different. So that's why I played that opening song, and that's why I'm warning you guys here. Because I know we have a good number of listeners in that area. Not a good day to go to commerce, by the way. <laughs> Unless you plan on staying there for about 24 hours. Wouldn't it be weird if like, there's flooding at commerce, if just the doors burst open and <laughs> water uh, rushes in? I, and... I guarantee you, those guys, there could be water up to their knees. They're going to sit at the tables. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll be complaining the dealer isn't dealing fast enough. Dealer, why you stop oh, dealing? Why you stop dealing? Yeah. Six inches on the ground. No, be, no problem. You keep dealing. You keep Absolutely. dealing. Absolutely. I, I get lucky on this hand. That'll really happen there too. That's I'm not I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> That'll really happen. Uh, it, actually, I, I believe it. 
I mean, I've heard stories about people dying at the table, and they just, you know, <laughs> cart them off and keep going. Why you stop game? Why you stop game? <laughs> just, just you sit out that player. You sit that player. You, you deal game. He dead. He could not play. Okay. You, you sit out. <laughs> sit him out. Put out button. Out button there. Okay. So, I'm going to drive away the few Asian listeners we have. But I, you know, it's, I, I bet even the Asian listeners who listen to this show don't like those type of Asian players. Okay, let's uh, go on here. Uh, we have a free roll tonight at 8.40 p.m., 35 minutes from now. It's a $50 free roll, all thanks to Handicap Me. He said, I will top the free roll up to 50 whatever you need, on the next few weeks. I think he's at five weeks now. Nice. That, that it uh, runs short. If it doesn't run short, he won't uh, do anything. But that's, that's great that he's there for us on the weeks that we don't have money or enough money to cover the free roll. So I told him, hey, I need you this week because so far we have... Zero point zero. Donated to the free roll. We really did. So I said, okay, this is a nice like a little insurance policy to have because otherwise I scramble thinking, oh, God, you know, I don't have any money for the free roll. i got to either solicit it quickly or donate it myself. So Handicap Me is very generous to offer that. I appreciate that. And uh, all 50 is from him. Someone texted me, you know, don't forget my $11 something. Yeah, that'll have to go next week. I have to. I didn't think there was anything, but I'm sure you're probably right. Andruff, I got a little bit of bad news for you. Uh-oh. No sound effects. Ah. Ah. I don't, I don't want to put a, a damper on your, your mood uh, this early on. I'm just tell, letting you know. Okay, I can go on without them. Okay, well, no big we, deal. We, uh, we're back on the regular computer. That could be related to it. Uh, we're back on the regular computer. I had to adjust some things. Though I, I even tried, the way I found that typically fixes this is I, I make a Skype test call before calling you. Then the sound effects tend to work. But uh, No big deal. When there's silence, I'll just assume there's something playing. But, you know, you're going to have to hear some things I play on YouTube later, so I, th- I think you are. No, maybe not. Okay, I guess not. I, you know, I don't, think, I don't think you have to. Never mind. I, I think you can do without it. Okay. So we, we may try one more time. But okay, let me get through the intro first. Uh if you want to call into the show, as usual, same phone number, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. The phone number to call, if you can't get through to that number, like a busy signal, you can call 702-430-1808. That is our Mount Charleston number. It's an old 70s rotary telephone, which sits on top of Mount Charleston, which is a mountain near Las Vegas, forwards to me wherever I go. It's a separate line into the show, 702-430-1808. If you want to text the show before, during, or after the show, I will respond to you, and if you don't tell me not to, I will read your text on the air. That text number is the same as our main phone number, 775-372-8355. The call-to-listen line is the number you can use to listen to the show. It's not a call-in number, meaning you can't speak in an interactive way with us. You're just, you just can listen to us. But it's a great thing to use if you're driving in the hills or the mountains don't have a good connection or you just want an easy way to listen without hassling with any kind of internet or streaming. doesn't use any data. doesn't require a smartphone. doesn't require a computer or the internet. Your, your grandmother who has no computer and nothing but a phone line, nothing but a home phone line could, could call this and listen to the show. That phone number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162. And when the show is not live, that line plays streaming reruns 
of the show. It just picks random episodes from our more than 210 episodes we've done in our almost five-year history of the show, and it runs them as if they're live and then picks another one each time the ones it picks complete. So it does this over and over and over again until we go back live. The call to listen line. You can also go to the radio page of Poker Fraud Alert, the radio tab, and you'll hear the streaming reruns there if we are not live. That's another way to listen to them. If you want to listen to the archives of the show, you can go to iTunes, you can go to Stitcher, you can go to TuneIn. These are all apps you can get on your smartphone. You can go to Google Play. You can also go to the Poker Fraud Alert radio forum, or just click on the MP3 button on the radio page. It'll take you there. You can listen directly to the MP3s of that show. And iPhones can play MP3s natively, meaning you just click on them and it'll play. At least for most people. Someone complained last week it wasn't working for them, but then they said they got it working. So anyway, that's another way to listen to the show. So there's a lot of ways to do it. And if you want some way to listen to the show that we don't provide, then I will consider doing that. Something I'm also considering doing is setting up a text notification service that will text you when Poker Fraud Alert Radio is going to take place that day. Because we've had some complaints, some valid complaints, that the show, even though it's been on the last few Wednesdays, you never know when it is. I have people texting me all the time, is the show today, is the show tomorrow? Like they, they don't know, and it's understandable because we jump around so much. In fact, next week we're jumping around. Next week we're going to be on Thursday, the 23rd. So that's an example of a show that's on a non-standard day. So rather than having to go to the Twitter account, or rather than having to guess... It can text you, but I, I don't have it set up yet, but I think I am going to set it up. I will announce at the time I set it up how to sign up for it, and then you should get automatic texts, which will only be like once a week. You're not going to get junk. It's only going to be you know, once a week when the show is on, or if it changes, maybe more than once a week. But that's, you're only going to get notifications about the show being on, and it will be very few per week, probably one. So. It's not going to harass you. I know the worst thing is to sign up for those text notifications. They're just getting hammered. So I, I won't do that to anybody. And, of course, I, I'm not going to distribute your phone number to anyone. I'm not going to sell it. Nothing like that. I, I could probably make money by selling your phone numbers off to casinos, to online casinos that would uh, then send you gambling-related texts and try to get you to sign up for their shady casino and steal your money. But I would not do that to you. That would be a, it was, it would be a contrary action everything I stand for and the show stands for. So that will be set up soon. I was looking today into doing that, but I just had the idea this afternoon, so I didn't have time to implement it. Uh, Let's see what else we got. Uh, You want to go to the chat room if you're listening live and you have a Flash-enabled device and a Poker Fraud Alert account in good standing. There's a Poker Fraud Alert radio account in good standing. You can... Chat there with other people who are listening to the show live. If you're not listening live, don't bother. There's nobody there. The free roll tonight, as I said, it begins at 8.40 p.m. Pacific time. It has 25 minutes of late registration where you can come in with a full stack. All $50 came from Handicap Me, as I mentioned. 25 for first, 13 for second, 7th for third, 5 for fourth. For the others who donated, uh, I will get to that next week. I, you know what? I, I'm going to change it because I told Trader Ruski I don't want to. I don't want to screw Trader Ruski here. He's done so much for the show here. I I, I will add Trader Ruski's on because he, I, I did tell him it'll be this week, and then I don't want to delay it another week. So I forgot about Trader Ruski's twenty. Uh, we will make it this week. So I'm going to change it to uh, thirty-five, uh, seventeen, 
I hate doing this on the fly. It's such a pain in the ass. What do we have? 23 left? Thir- oh, sorry. 17 left. 35, 17, 10, and 7. 35, 17, 10, and 7 are the... Or, sorry, 11 and 7. There we go. 35, 17, 11, and 7 are the prizes for the free roll, which is now $70. So thank you, Trader Ruski. And then we will get on to our agenda. I have, to, I have to note this down, or honestly, I'm going to forget by the time we uh, finish the show, and then I will pay people, people the wrong amount of money. Go to PokerFraudAlert.com slash FreeRoll, PokerFraudAlert.com slash FreeRoll, all lowercase, exactly as it sounds, to read the rules. If you don't know the rules and you don't follow the rules for winning the free money, then you will not get the free money. Fair warning. Okay, the agenda for this evening. I'm going to talk about a few personal things first. We already talked about the floods probably coming to Los Angeles on Friday, but I was the victim of a medical billing scam last week. So, the uh, this is the first time it's ever happened to me that I personally have been scammed by a doctor's office or by any healthcare facility. I've had erroneous bills. I've had it where they, uh, there's some kind of billing dispute, but it's not a scam. Uh, for example, a few years ago, I got an MRI. They had me sign a paper that I acknowledge that my insurance is not going to pay the whole thing and I'm going to owe $770 on my own. Do I understand this? I signed yes. Uh, as I'm walking out, I asked the place, hey, uh, by the way, if I didn't have insurance or I chose not to use my insurance, uh, what would be the price? What would be the cash price if I wasn't using insurance? And they told me five hundred fifty dollars. I said, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, here, five hundred fifty dollars. Why should I pay seven seventy with insurance if I could pay five fifty without? I, I said, just forget it. Don't bill to insurance. Just give it to me uh, for the cash price. They said no and refused to back out the insurance. And we had a big fight and finally they backed down after a lot of uh, back and forth. But that wasn't a scam. That was still... What they did technically was legal, just wasn't unethical. What was done to me last week was illegal. And I will tell you about that. We tell you about, I'll tell you about the medical billing scam and how you can prevent medical billing scams and it, it, it could easily happen to you. If it happens to me, me the cheap and cautious Jew who always uh, knows to look for these signs, the guy who runs Poker Fraud Alert Radio, it can happen to you too. But I've learned something from this. Uh, Calwatt, have you ever heard of Bluebird? It rings a bell, but not offhand. Bluebird is American Express's attempt to be kind of like another PayPal. It's a a payment service that's... uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, so a guy who goes by Texas Fugitive, who listens to this show, I believe he's actually in L.A., Texas Fugitive generously donated $20, I think, to last week's free roll. And he did so through Bluebird. And I got a notification to accept the $20 he sent, and I had to create a Bluebird account. So I'm like, okay, I'll create the Bluebird account, claim my 20 bucks. So I claimed my 20 bucks, or I tried to. It turned out that uh, Bluebird feels that I do not qualify, and I'm not allowed to have an account on Bluebird. <laughs> I was rejected for Bluebird So I'll uh, talk a bit about that And uh, Texas Fugitive If you're li- listening please text me I lost your information And uh, <laughs> we'll find another way to send me that $20 uh, Just 
for the record, for everybody listening here, I, I appreciate all the donations to the free roll, and I think it's it's great when people donate. But the only request I have is please don't send me the money in any way that I'm not expecting. So don't send me through any new service I don't have or say I have. Um, because I appreciate it, and uh, but but it's just too hard. It's too much of a pain to sign up. And I went through this long process with Bluebird, and they rejected me. So, so uh, I'm gonna I'm send you a sock full of pennies. <laughs> I'd rather that I could, that I could do, that I could receive. So you know, some people say well, they want to send me Venmo and others. I, I don't have that stuff, and I, I don't want to sign up for it just to receive a few donations. If it became, if it became popular enough, I would. But I, I, right now, that's not a way I want to receive free roll donations. So I'd rather just not receive them than receive than have to sign up for new services. It's just a, a pain. Uh, I signed up for Bluebird because it had already been sent. So I figured I was too Jewish to just let the twenty. Yeah, Ven- Venmo is pretty popular. No, though. I know that's getting more popular. I may have to break down and sign up, but I, at the moment, I don't want to. At the moment, I'm holding out. Much like I held out and not wanted to. I didn't want to get a Facebook account for a while. Until 2009, I finally broke down and got one. And then, within I don't know two weeks, I saw a girl on there that I uh, knew from college. And all right, the way you paused. I know you just didn't didn't just know her. Well, no, I actually did just know her, but then I now I more than know her. That's my mother of my son. So I guess if, ah. I, I guess if I hadn't done that, then my son wouldn't exist, and this relationship wouldn't exist. But because that that sounded like a carnal knew her. Well, it, it no, it wasn't at the time. Though we pretended to, I, I we we faked dating back then to piss someone off, but we did not real date until uh, two thousand nine. So uh, anyway. That's that's the blue. I'll tell you the bluebird story in a second. The uh, the poker and gambling topics. The the one everyone wants to hear, the one everyone has been begging me to cover, is the Brandon Cantu feud with Jason Mercier and Sean Deeb. Basically, uh, Brandon Cantu has been called out as a deadbeat, as owing money and not paying for as much as five years in a Twitter war between him. Jason Mercier and Sean Deeb. Speaking of getting stiffed, I'm going to tell you guys the story without naming the person yet, but that may be coming soon, about how I got stiffed by a Vegas bookie in 2016. And how I finally had enough. I'm going to tell you guys the story, and then if things do not get made right very, very soon... I'm going to tell you who it is. Now, it's, the name's going to mean nothing to you. You're not going to know the person unless you uh, are in the Las Vegas low-limit, uh, no-limit hold'em live scene. But, uh, and he's not even a frequent player. He plays sometimes. It's, it's not a known it, person in poker. But, and if you are, condolences. Yeah. <laughs> but but I'm gonna, that's why the name's not even that important. It's not going to be a shocking reveal. But the story's interesting. And it, it's kind of a cautionary tale. And the reason I thought of this is because another user on Poker Fraud Alert just got scammed in a similar fashion. Uh, not by a Vegas area bookie, but by a bookie in his area. It reminded me. I'm like, you know what? I, I better do something about this. Because this guy still owes me money and he's clearly not going to pay. So I'll, I'll tell you guys the story. And, and I'll tell you guys why I even had a bookie. Why I wasn't just using a site like Bovada to bet. I know bookies around here that just they they think nothing of stiffing people. Yeah, it, it, this is very common. People think that the bookies, you know, not that likely to stiff you. It, people when they think of bookie, they think more like, is he going to break my kneecaps if I don't pay him? They don't think so much. What if he doesn't pay me? But the, the reality, the the real danger with bookies is more that they just don't pay you. Yeah, no, I got a I got a buddy of mine who just crushes the the bookies around here, and he they then just say, well. First of all, they cut him off when they realized that he was kicking their ass. Yeah. 
Um, he, he's a really, really smart guy. He would do the research and he would uh, search out prop bets and the kind of things where he actually would have an edge. Um, and they, you know, they cut him off and then they just didn't pay him. They just said, "Fuck you." What are you going to do? Yeah, no, that's, that's the problem. And by the yeah. way, people, those in the chat room, I just turned Calwatt down because he was a bit loud. If he's too soft now, I, I turned him down in the middle of his uh, statement just there. So if he's too soft now, let me know, and I'll uh, turn him back up. Really, what he sounds like to me, what he sounds like to the listener are two different things. That's why I asked the chat room gotcha. to assist me with that. So anyway, uh, and it's not your fault. It's not, I hit your levels. For some reason, the levels all moved up to the top automatically on their own. I, I said <laughs> everything before the show, and they just jumped up. I don't know what happened there. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that. I'll tell you the story with the bookie stiffing me. It's been going on for months now. A, I, I usually don't like to cover tournament stories. Like, oh, this person won this tournament. Congratulations. There's so many tournaments, so many winners. Someone's got to win each one. So Someone's got to cover the lottery winners. Come yeah, on. so there's no point to discuss those things. But there was something interesting that happened. The, the first female ever won the, a WPT major open event. So I'll tell you who that is. And I'm surprised it took this long with, with some of the really good female players that are out there. Bovada claims to have sold their poker operations, or Bodog, sorry, I, I said Bovada. Bovada already sold their poker operations, but Bodog claims to have sold their poker operations. So now, supposedly, Bodog does not own any poker operations. I'll tell you who supposedly owns it now and whether I believe that any real sale has occurred. Well, here's kind of a battle of the titans. Uh... The WSOP and the IRS are in disagreement as to who can issue tax ID numbers to foreign players so they don't have to pay taxes on WSOP winnings. And uh, this may sound like a boring topic. It probably is, but... uh, I do want to touch on it because if you're a foreign player, and we do have a number of people who listen that are not from the U.S., you need to know this because before, if you were a foreign player from a country with a tax treaty with the U.S., you could safely play at the World Series and no money would be withheld. Now, that probably will not be the case. There's a good chance that they will take 30% from you and you're going to have a hard time getting it back. So you should know this before you decide to come out and play the World Series. But the World Series right now is, is claiming that's not true. The IRS is saying that is true. The World Series is saying, no, it's not true. So who's right? We're going to figure this out, maybe. Uh, if you had to bet, then not knowing anything else, if you had to bet who you <laughs> thought was going to end up being right. I would have to I, put my money in the IRS pretty big. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, the Nevada poker rooms are, they, they rake money, obviously, from poker games. And being that poker is not at all the main money maker for casinos. They make far more on other forms of gambling. Poker's kind of just shoved to the back. In fact, some casinos don't even have poker rooms. So you would think that the rake taken in Nevada poker rooms, it couldn't be that much. Well, you'll be surprised when I tell you how much money was raked from live poker games in Nevada in 2016. And it will make you understand why most poker players lose. The rake takes a massive chunk out of the poker economy. Oh, it's ridiculous. Remind me to talk about some of the home games we have here. Oh, that's even worse. (laughs) Oh, it's fucking horrendous. And you got people going there that think they can actually beat it long term. And, and, I mean, the the unicorns can, but it's ridiculous. Uh, Fantasy Draft, which is one of the 
alternative fantasy sites, if you don't want to play on FanDuel or DraftKings, they were going to buy a site called Fantasy Aces that has since gone under, stole everybody's money. Fantasy Draft obviously decided, hey, we're not going to buy you guys anymore because uh, we don't want this trouble. Uh, They have decided, even though they're not purchasing Fantasy Aces, that they're going to somewhat make it right for Fantasy Aces players, which is not their responsibility, but they are choosing to do so anyway. But wait, before you believe that they're really assuming all the liabilities they're going to pay you, there is a little bit of a catch for some people. I did an analysis on their promise to pay people, which still has to be approved, I think, by regulators. But uh, I'll tell you uh, how to claim the money and uh, whether you're going to get all of your money back, some of your money back, or only a small percentage of your money back. A New York gambling ring, which was busted back in December, some information has come out that has unearthed some celebrity client names. So we'll tell you about some of the celebrities that were gambling with this uh, service. In fact, the website is still up for the service, even though it's defunct now. Uh, if you're a blackjack player, either a card counter or somebody who just likes a good basic strategy game, you've probably noticed around Vegas that the games mostly suck now. It's not like uh, in the somewhat recent past where most strip casinos had pretty good games. Now most games suck really badly. You find a lot of 6-5 to five pay- payment games, meaning when you get a blackjack, you only get paid 6-5 to five instead of 3-2, to two, which is terrible. So a gambling aficionado named John Mahaffey, we've talked about him before. I think he runs uspoker.com, which is like an affiliate site. But he does some good articles about poker and gambling. And he did a, a nice article about the best remaining blackjack games in Vegas. So I'll tell you... Where the best blackjack games are at the $3, $5, $10, $25, $50, and $100 minimum bet levels. This is, of course, subject to change, but that's the way it is right now. And it'll probably stay fairly similar to this for at least a few months. Maybe longer. Finally, let's say you owe someone money or someone owes you money. The, the quickest way and the most reliable way to get the money from them to where you know they can't take it back or try any shenanigans is for them to put cash in your bank account. Once someone puts pe- cash in your bank account, it can't be taken back. At some banks, after like for an hour, they have a right to come back and claim it was a mistake, but even that's kind of tough. But a- after about an hour, then it, it's set in stone, and you've got the money. That's, that's what I've always done for people who I don't know that owe me money that, or that have bought something for me or whatever. And I demand payment first. I'm not going to take a check or, or any kind of electronic transfer. Those can always be reversed. PayPal especially can be reversed. I demand cash into my bank account. But it's not as easy as it used to be. Some banks don't allow you to do that. Some require the person to show ID. I'm going to give you a list, a partial list I have at the moment of banks, major banks that is, that either accept, don't accept, or partially accept cash put into other people's bank accounts. Your own bank account is a different story, but I'm talking about other people's bank accounts, either for you paying them or them paying you. It's a useful thing to know in the poker and gambling world where often people buy pieces of each other, owe money to each other, whatever. So I'm going to go over that. Uh, Just one asterisk here, in case the FBI is listening or anybody else is listening that uh, might want to hold me responsible for this information I'm giving out. This is being given out for legal purposes only. It will only be to assist those who are paying off legal debts to one another, uh, not to assist anyone in laundering money or anything like that. So 
That's the reason I'm giving out that information on the show, not to promote any kind of illegal activity. Does that sound like a good disclaimer? Good luck. <laughs> okay, well, if, I guess if the FBI comes and gets me, and I'm, uh, yeah, there will be no show for a while. And uh, you guys can appreciate the sacrifice I, I put down here. But anyway, let's, let's get going here. Uh, I, I want to tell you guys about quickly first about the next show. February 23rd at 7.45 p.m. It'll be on Thursday, not on Wednesday. Simply put, on Wednesday, uh, I'm just not going to be available. So Thursday will have to be the day. So everybody keep that in mind. Don't ask me, is there a show on Wednesday? There's not going to be. It's going to be on Thursday. But it will be on Thursday at 7.45 p.m. We will have a free roll. Everything else will be normal. Now, do you have flood insurance, Truff? No. And I, in fact, I'm actually going to go get some uh, some sandbags. I'm gonna be for real. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm concerned. I actually am concerned. I, it may be for not, but I'm a, a little concerned for reasons I don't want to get into. So, all right. Yeah, it, it's. Uh, this is unlike anything that's been seen in a long time. It, it really is, and you know, this could end up petering out and only be a two and a half inch storm, in which case it'll be just no big deal. But. It could also be a lot worse than that. These are the type of things that people don't really pay attention to until something really bad happens. So you stocking up on your canned vegetables and stuff? No, too? no, I'm not going to go that far. You know, all the I need to lose buy my, all the toilet paper out of the stores and everything. I, I have enough toilet paper now. As far as the food, I, I need to lose weight anyway. So this might be a good way to do it. <laughs> it's, it's the flood diet. I just can't get get out to buy anything to eat, so I'll just subsist on water and. Uh, Whatever remaining canned goods I have here, I have to eat. Uh, Do you have a, a boat at the uh, the Druff Mansion or the Druff Estate? No, uh, I think I have to bargain though. Maybe that'll work. Okay, so let's see here. I want to tell you guys about the medical scam that I had. This this is so frustrating. Those of you who read the forum know what I'm talking about, but I posted about it there. But is this all started? I have high blood pressure. And a lot of times people like to almost shame those with high cholesterol, high blood pressure, that it's a result of your lifestyle. You, you, you eat too much fat, you eat too much salt, it's, it's your bad diet, it's your lack of exercise. No, it's, it's actually not. With both of those things, with blood pressure and with cholesterol, which I don't have a, I don't have a cholesterol problem, my cholesterol is great, but my, my blood pressure was fairly high, not super high, but fairly high, as a result of uh, heredity. It is something you inherit from your parents, and you can have a horrible diet and good genes, and you're going to have good cholesterol. You can have a great diet and poor genes, and you'll have terrible cholesterol. It, it really, and same with blood pressure. It's, it's, it, in both cases, it's much more based upon genetics than it is your diet or your lifestyle. And that, that makes people uncomfortable because people want to feel like they have control. They want to feel like, I do good things for myself. I have good results. I do bad things for myself. I have bad results. No, not about these two things. These things are mostly... Genetic, so I, I well the, your your diet and exercise is a contributing factor, but though. it's a small contributing factor. That's what yeah in, no no in the yeah, 19, for sure in, in the nineteen eighties they I don't know why it took so long to discover this, but like in the eighties and I think in the nineties there there was a belief that uh, these these were matters of diet and exercise, and that's why there was a, a big cholesterol scare like in the eighties, and everyone stopped eating eggs and. <laughs> It was Do you remember from, that potato chip or that they used Alestra yes, or whatever? Yes, And it caused people to shit yes, themselves? Yes. 
there's a lot of dumb things that happen then. So, but I don't know how the, how they didn't research this and, and figure out like like why didn't they do research groups and say, okay, we're noticing these people with a super high cholesterol, uh, they eat very well, and these other people here who have the low cholesterol, they, they eat very poorly. How is this happening? You would think they would ask, but somehow they didn't back then. But now now right. it's known. Now it's known, even though a lot of average people don't know that it's mostly heredity. So I, I did well with the cholesterol. So I eat a whole ton of high-fat things. I, and, and my cholesterol is great. Last time I took a test, it was 142, total, total cholesterol. Uh, but my blood pressure in the last few years jumped up. After for years being good, just popped up. First time I, I noticed that was at a doctor's visit, and I thought it was a mistake. And then I noticed in the coming days it was not a mistake, and I really had Did it coincide blood. with you having a kid? You know, it kind of did, actually. It, it wasn't that far from it. Well, sort of. It was like three years ago, my son said. Tell you what, I mean, kids are kids are like the Peace Corps, you know, the toughest job you'll ever love. Yeah. But I, I could definitely see something like that raising someone's blood pressure, you know? Yeah. yeah. But anyway, it's uh, I, I, it turns out my brother has high blood pressure. He's even four years younger than me. My parents have it, so it, that's where it came from. So, gotcha. Uh, I, I got some pills. Uh, you know, the Obamacare thing is it's a pain in the ass, and I switched healthcare companies a few, two years ago so like I, I had a prescription for a while it wasn't working very well i just got kind of was too lazy to go back and then the pills expired anyway so or the prescription expired so i for for a while i haven't been taking medication for it and i should have it wasn't like urgent it wasn't super dangerous for the moment but I, I needed to get on them or otherwise it would start to be dangerous for me so i decided that i'm going to do it so i i went and i looked for a healthcare provider Near me, I didn't have any kind of regular doctor. Uh, since I have a PPO, just when I need some specific doctor I need to go to, I look up the specialty and just go to them. I didn't have a regular general physician. They're kind of getting to be somewhat obsolete. If you have a PPO, you don't really need that. But you do need it for a physical. And I just I hadn't had a physical in a few years. So I, I said, okay, I'm going to look up just a doctor's close by and do the most important thing first, get the blood pressure meds. Then if I like the office enough, I'll, I'll get a physical there too. So I, I found one that was close by. I looked up the doctors. You can look up doctors' reviews. And what sucks about the Obamacare plans is that so few doctors take it now that the few that are there tend to be very poorly rated. So, like, you'll see doctors, you'll look them up, and you'll see, like, you know, 2.3 stars rated by 50 people. You're like, oh, crap, okay, I don't want that. Yeah, things that you don't want to skimp on is your doctor and sushi, right? <laughs> yeah. you, you, you don't want, like, low-grade either one of those. But I found... I found an office that had two doctors that seemed to be related, rated well. They didn't have a whole lot of ratings, but they, the ones that were there were good. So I, I went with that place, and I made a mistake. The mistake I made was that I did not try – I did not look up the ratings for the facility itself, only for the doctors working there. Why? Well, because I figured I'm just going for – get a blood pressure prescription. I know I need it. I know what kind I want. I want the same one my brother's getting because it works for him, and you know he's my brother, so obviously we're genetically similar, and we had a very similar blood pressure when you know, ours were high. So I, I, I knew which medication I wanted. Uh, my brother being a doctor told me that's the one I should get. Uh, all I just needed is some, someone to just prescribe it to me. So I, I didn't need the, the greatest doctor or greatest facility to do this. So I didn't put a lot of research into this. Well, that was a bad decision. Because the facility turned out it had awful ratings, and had I seen this, I would not have gone there. So I went there, and at first it seemed okay. Well, I shouldn't say that. At first there was a problem. I made the appointment on Tuesday, last week. On Wednesday, I went for my appointment. I showed up, and uh, they told me, 
Yeah, we're gonna have to, uh, we're gonna have to change which doctor you're gonna see. The one we scheduled you with is uh, leaving this office and going to a different office that we run. So uh, he's not here anymore. <laughs> so I, I said, wait a minute. This isn't like he's sick. What do you mean he's not not here anymore? Like, shouldn't you have known this when you scheduled me yesterday? Like, how, how can you schedule me yesterday for a doctor that is leaving the facility when you only have two of them there? How, how does that one get by? But I, I didn't say that. That's what I was thinking. I, but I, so what I asked him, I said, well, what, what do you mean i got to switch doctors? If it's just switching to the other one, I don't care because both were well-rated. But does this mean I have to come back another time? And the guy said, yes, you have to come back another time. I, I said, no, this is not my fault. I want to be squeezed in with this doctor you have on, facil- on site right now. So the, the guy at front was very – unhappy about this they don't like they, they want to tell you what to do with these offices the front desk staff at medical offices everywhere are pretty much terrible like you everybody who works at the front desk of these medical places is always really bitchy to you this was like a bitchy gay guy by the way so it's a, uh, even he could be bitchy so <laughs> so i had this bitchy gay guy who was uh, and by the way i'm not just saying gay guys are bitchy every person who works at these medical offices usually women they're bitchy too if for some reason they're always like bitchy and and very like they think they run the place so this guy was already not liking me because i didn't want to just come back later because they made the mistake to schedule me with a doctor that's not there anymore so uh he he, they squeezed me in after i uh was refusing to reschedule I saw the doctor. Everything seemed fine. In fact, it seemed better than fine. Uh, they, she listened about the blood pressure things. They took my blood pressure. I was prescribed the medication. Then she, uh, you know, she also did some uh, examining of me. She, she listened to my heart. She listened to my breathing. She took my pulse. Asked me a few questions, and, and so I thought, okay, that's nice. You know, she could have just said, okay, I'm prescribing a goodbye and walked out. At least she, you know, did some cursory exam of me as well. And I thought maybe just to get to know me as a new patient. So I was actually impressed. I said, okay, this is a doctor who did not seem to be rushing me. She seemed to be nice. She seemed to be knowledgeable. So as I'm wa- as she's walking out the door, I said to her, oh, wait, 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 one other thing. Um, you know, I decided I, I like this place. I would like to schedule a physical here for the future, sometime in the near future. She says, okay, we'll do that. So uh, I'll put you down for, for uh, you know, to come in for labs, and, uh, and you, can, you can do the physical. I said, okay, good. So I came to the front, scheduled for the next day, which would be Thursday, this past Thursday. And I, I left happy, and that's why we had a show a week ago on Wednesday. And I said nothing of this exam, because everything, other than this weird thing with scheduling me with a doctor that was no longer at that practice anymore, uh, everything went well. So I, I had no reason to complain. But I did not know what was waiting for me the next day. So I came in the next day at 9 a.m. for my scheduled appointment. And I said, yeah, I just want to make sure that she said she's you know, scheduling labs for me. I just want to make sure you guys understand the labs are part of a physical. So please don't just bill them as regular labs. Because Obamacare plans give you, which is what I have, they give you one totally covered physical per year, meaning it would be zero out of pocket for me. And that means any labs they do associated with that physical would not cost me any money. The insurance would pay the whole thing. But if it's not associated with the physical, then I, just get, I have to pay my normal uh, percentage uh, for lab work. So I, I wanted to make sure they coded that right. So I, I, I they seemed very confused at the front desk. They, first, they didn't know what I was talking about. Finally, they at first, they, first they said it's a, they are going to just bill it as regular labs. Finally, they said, oh yeah, 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 we're, we're, we're going to bill it as part of the physical. But for that to be done, you need to actually see the doctor first and have the physical. I said, okay, that's reasonable. So I said, so what, when should I come back for this? 
And they said, oh, no, no, we can do this right now. So I said, oh, great. Let's do it right now. So they, they told me to sit down, and in, in a short time, they're going to call me in and do my physical and then draw my blood for the, for the lab. And I, I had been, uh, already, I already fasted for this because they told me the day before to fast for the blood test, so I already done that. So still, everything seemed good. They called me in, and then I see the, the nurses get the stuff to draw my blood. And as she's doing it, I said, I'm just curious here. Um, I thought they told me they needed to do the physical first before drawing my blood. I mean, I don't really care which order you do it in, but I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, why are we doing the blood draw first when they told me that's not the way they do it here? And that's when the bomb was dropped on me. The nurse said, you've already had your physical. Now, I don't think that I, I'm prone to blackouts. I don't think that I, I have short-term memory problems. Though you might think that because I had to note down the $20 uh, donation that Trader Ruski made to me last week and I forgot about. But I really don't. So I knew I had not had a physical and forgotten about it in the past day. So I said, no, you must be mistaken. I didn't have a physical. And she said, yes, you did. I said, when? She said, yesterday. I said, no, 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 that was my blood pressure visit. She said, well, we have it down, you have a physical. I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go talk to them in the front about this. They drew my blood at this point. So I go to the front and I go, okay, uh, you guys, I think you have this confused. I didn't have a physical yet. You just told me to sit down and we're going to do one right now. And so then a, uh, that, that gay guy in the front says to me, oh, well, well, we just coded it as a physical for yesterday. We just did that right now as a favor to you because we know you don't like wasting your time here. That is medical fraud. That is medical fraud. You cannot go and backcode things. Visits you were not there. They can't put down I had a physical when I didn't have one, which of course they'll get paid for. And uh, so he's saying, yeah, we just coded yesterday as a, as a physical after the fact because uh, we're trying to do you a favor so you can get out of here faster. I said, I, I don't really want that favor. So they're like, well, they, uh, you, you kept saying you, you, know, you, uh, you know, when you were here the first time, you didn't want to come back. You know, you seem like you don't want to waste a lot of time. So we, we thought that's what you wanted. So I'm like, oh, or whatever. And so I just kind of walked out and I was like, what do I do about this? So on the drive home, I thought about it. And I said, you know, th- this is a scam. They are billing a physical, of which I only get one per year, meaning I won't be able to have a real physical until 2018 now because they're wasting my physical on this phony thing they did here, and all I'm going to get is lab tests. So that's not fair. That's not fair to me. It's not fair to the insurance. The, the, the office is scamming me here. But I thought maybe maybe they really believe they're doing me a favor. Now, it's still illegal, but you know maybe they think they're just bending the rules to do me a favor, and, uh, and this is what I want, and they benefit from it too. So I gave them the benefit of the doubt, got home and called them and said, you know what, guys, I know you think you're doing me a favor, but I really want the physical. I don't want you to just claim I had it so I can get free lab work. I really want to have the physical associated with this lab work. Please let me come back in and do the rest of the physical with the doctor. So they put me on hold, told me I need to talk to the nurse, put the nurse on, and the nurse just was browbeating me into believing, trying to believe, make me believe, I wasn't believing it, that I really had the physical the day before. She... She claimed that what I did before, the little examination the doctor did constitutes a physical. And I said, you can't do that. You can't go back to previous medical exams and, and try to fish out what you believe is a physical there and claim I had it that day and double bill it that way, especially when I get one per year. 
So I, I, I said, that had I known that's what a physical would entail here, I would not get it here. I would have gotten it somewhere else where they really do a full physical. So even if you want to claim you did everything a physical has done for here, I, I would not have wanted this here. You can't do a physical without my permission or knowledge, what, what you did. She would not believe that. We, had, we kept arguing and arguing. And she eventually told me that it looks like things aren't working out here between you and this office. Sounds like I was being broken up with. Uh, you know, you, should, oh. you shouldn't come back here and... Uh, um, and and uh, I'm going to get off this call. And I said, you know, I, I, I'm going to report this. I'm going to report to the authorities that uh, this is medical billing fraud, and I'm going to report everything. You guys going to get in trouble. Just go ahead. Go to whatever authorities you think you need to go to. I'm hanging up now. Goodbye. And hung up on me. Hmm. So I said, okay, well, yeah, this is some idiot nurse and, and idiot front desk employees. Maybe I get to the management there. They're going to realize that this is BS and uh, put a stop to this. Uh, something else, by the way, they tried to tell me they were going to do. They, they had asked me a few questions while I was there you know, on th- Wednesday during the blood pressure thing. and She, she had asked me a few questions about uh, the, my stomach. Do I, do I have constipation? And I said, no, my stomach hurts sometimes, but I don't ever have constipation. So where's your stomach hurt? I pointed to her. She said, okay, and that was it. She said they were about to bill that as a GI exam, too, like double bill it. But that when I mentioned the physical thing, they're actually doing me a favor and taking the GI thing off and, and putting a physical instead. So it saves me money. Isn't that nice of them? And that's, that's another common scam, by the way, which I'll get to shortly. So I, I contacted the management. This is like a chain of like five different offices in the area. So I contacted the management. Uh, I spoke to the operations manager of all five offices. And he seemed nice. He seemed reasonable. But uh, and, and what I was demanding at that point, I said, what I want back is I, the labs you ran, there's no way to build these without screwing me in some way. Because I thought these labs I'm getting are free labs for me because it was supposed to be part of a physical. The problem is if you build them in normal labs, then I had to pay. And if you build them as part of a physical, then I don't get the physical. So either way, I'm screwed. So please just don't build the labs. Please just give me the lab results for free because of all the screw-ups you guys did here. And, and, and we'll, you know, we'll just all move on. Fortunately, it's not going to cost anyone a lot of money. In fact, they probably have a relationship with a lab enough to where they can probably get these themselves without having to pay the lab anything. Um, he, he said he would think about this and, he, and, and investigate this and call me back. Well, I didn't hear from him. I called him back. Uh, he told me that he looked into everything and that they've decided they are going to bill it as a physical. So... I asked him, how can you do that? I didn't have one. What we did legally constitutes as a physical, he said. I said, but I, what date are you going to bill it for? He said, Thursday. I said, I didn't even see a doctor on Thursday. So, Lord, we'll, do a, we'll bill it Wednesday then. You saw a doctor on Wednesday. He said, yes, for blood pressure, not for a physical. We, we did enough between Wednesday and Thursday to constitute a physical. I said, you can't force me into a physical I don't want. You can't, you can't just decide you're giving me my annual physical when I don't know and then bill it that way. That's something the, the patient chooses to have. You don't force it on him. I asked the insurance. They agreed with me. So... He just kept saying it's a valid physical, but here's my offer to you, he said. Come back. Come back to our facility, and we will complete the physical for you in a very thorough manner. <laughs> and I said, you've got to be kidding me. After they told me they don't want to see my face again there ever again, that I'm going to come in and trust them to do a good job with my physical. It's gonna be, that's going to be the most uncomfortable and, and awkward visit that I don't trust ever. I'm, like, I'm, I'm not doing that. He says, okay, well, go to one of our other offices where they don't know you. I go, well, that's like 20 miles away. I said, well, but it's a great office. I said, I'm not driving 20 miles each direction just because you guys messed up like this. Just give me my labs. Don't charge me for them. Let's just be done with this. 
And he wouldn't agree. He says, we're billing it as a physical. So then I started threatening all these things to him. Lawsuits, regulatory complaints, insurance complaints. Uh, I told him even if I win a lawsuit or win the insurance complaint or the regulatory complaint, that I will make a website, SEO their office name, and make it come up as the first result when people fit, search for them with the, you know, with the result of my complaint, which is totally legal to do. You, you can't make websites trashing a, per- a person or a business with things that are untrue or even speculation that they can claim isn't true and sue you. But if you put up something that's true, like the insurance company ruled in my favor, the court ruled in my favor, you, you can totally put that up there because it's the truth. There's the, the, the perfect defense to libel or slander is the truth. If you can prove it's the truth, then they cannot win. So I, I told them I'd do that. I told them a lot of things I'd do. I told them I'm not the type who goes away. But he got a little bit scared and said, okay, I'm going to look into this further. I talked to him on Monday. The decision stands. We are still billing it as a physical, he said. He could not explain to me why. He could not explain to me how I got my physical. He just kept repeating nonsense to me. It was clear he, he This guy was not stupid. It was clear he knew exactly what happened. It was clear he knew I was telling the truth. It was clear he knew I, I was forced, you know, that they, after the fact, decided I did the physical without my knowledge and billed me for it anyway. And he just, the place is shady, has a lot of terrible reviews. The place is a scam. He knew it and just uh, decided, screw this guy. We're, we're going to bill it this way because we get paid a few hundred bucks in the insurance. And we're not, we're not, we're not unbilling it. They probably, they, they probably already billed it at this point. So I had to make an insurance complaint. They've assigned an investigator who's going to listen to both sides and make a decision of uh, whether this is a valid billing or not. Unfortunately, if it's ruled a valid billing, I will lose my physical for the year 2018, 2017, and they will get paid for it, which is disgusting. Uh, I can also make complaints to uh, state regulators. I can make, I can sue them if I want in small claims court or even in uh, municipal court if I want. But uh, it, it's very frustrating. It's not over a lot of money, obviously, but it's very, very frustrating. Because the, this is an outright scam. They know it. And, and you look, even on, on Thursday, I was just begging to come down and let them have it finished. And they just nastily told me, don't ever show your face here again. We, we don't want to see you. It's not working out. I'm not going back to that office. So, unfortunately, this, this is something you guys have to watch out for. And, and first of all, any place you go to, read reviews of both the doctors and the facility, and if you see anything resembling a scam, any any allegations of scamming or, or deceptive billing practices, even if you see some other five star reviews along with it, any anything like that, run the other way. Do not go to an office that is accused of any kind of deceptive billing practices. Okay, number and there were some reviews like that in the, for this office. Uh, number two, if anything starts to seem weird at, at an office, don't do it. Uh, if you start having to argue about things right right off the bat. Uh, just leave, because you're going to have problems later. Number three, no matter how minor the procedure or, or the visit is, still always look up these reviews, because don't just say like what I did of, oh, it's only a blood pressure visit, who cares? It's only a physical, who cares? You see what's happening here. I should have cared. I should have done more research on this and, and never set foot in the place. And had I just Googled the name of the facility, I would have never set foot in the place. And... So it's it's uh, it's very frustrating, and and always ask questions along the way. Don't ever do get anything done until you you get a full answer from them. And and oh and you know if necessary, pull out your cell phone and put it on on the record mode 
and record anything secretly. Because people are always holding on to their phones. Don't want to be suspicious of anything. Don't like hold it up in their face, but you know, kind of lay it on the t- on the table and, and record things if anything is going on where you think they may admit something that's incriminating, because that will be very strong for you later, both to get them to do the right thing and in court if necessary, or for regulators. So it, there's a lot of shady medical billing offices out there, a lot of bi- offices that really try to screw you. Uh, you can go up the chain of command there and speak to the man, the office manager. If it's, if it's a chain, go to the district manager or the operations manager or, or even the CEO. But often the corruption goes all the way to the top, and that's what I'm finding with this one, that the COO, I got his information. He just I keep being told he'll call me. He never does, so I'm sure he knows what's going on. He may have even made the decision. So I'm going to challenge this. I, I don't, I don't want to be screwed here. I don't want to be cheated, and this was definitely fraud. You cannot go back and decide the patient has had a physical when he didn't know it. And, and one other thing I want to say to you, if, if anything happens like this to you where the office acts weird in a billing thing, if you're being billed for something you didn't know you were getting, if you're being billed for a service you did not know they were giving you, always call your insurance and complain because sometimes they will, they will always have to investigate it and sometimes they will rule in your favor. Uh, what I was mentioning to you before with the GI exam, that's a common, a common scam. It actually happened to my mom five years ago with the exact same thing with a stomach thing where she was at a doctor for a, a checkup. He asked her, is there anything else that's wrong? You know, can, you, can you tell us anything that might be hurting you ever? You know, do you have any other complaints of anything that ever might be hurting you? Like totally just baiting her to say something. She said, well, my stomach hurts occasionally. He's like, oh, really? Where's it hurt? And he, she points to it. Let me f- touch there. That feels okay to me. Well, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this. Okay, well, visit over. Goodbye. And then she gets a bill for both a physical and some kind of expensive GI exam. And the office was insisting to her this is totally legal because she, quote, complained of stomach pains. Well, yeah, the doctor baited her into, into, into saying it. So you may think when your doctor's asking you questions that you should always tell the truth. You should, you should always uh, answer or otherwise you're being either an asshole or cheating yourself out of uh, proper medical advice or both. But one thing you can do to combat that is they ask you a question, say, okay, well, I, I'd like to answer you, but is this, is this included in the physical or are you going to code this as another, uh, um, as another purpose for the visit? Because I only want to pay for the physical, nothing else. So is this included in the physical or is this going to be something separate? Then they have to answer you at that point. And um, of course they can lie to you, but uh, you may even want to say, I'm afraid to answer these questions because I've heard of these uh, times where it gets double-billed in some way. You know, can you promise me this is not going to happen? So this really sucks. And th- the fact that that can even happen, that they can bill you just because the doctor asks you a question, is anything else hurting you, you tell them what it is, and that, that can become a second thing to bill. This is why the healthcare reforms we've had in this country are useless. This is why... Or, or the one, or should I say, shouldn't say useless, but like Obamacare, it solved one problem, it created some others, and it didn't address our biggest problems. And our biggest problems is the billing system is a huge mess. It's a gigantic mess, and even the smartest of consumers keep getting screwed, like myself. I consider myself a very smart consumer. I keep getting, I keep running into situations where unexpected bills happen, or, or if it's not me, someone in my family or someone who's close to me has some kind of incident with a, a, an office where I have to help them. So. Yeah, I don't want to waste too much time on this show but uh, about this, but just just be very careful. And if, if uh, ever you see anything billed that you didn't expect, first call the office, first complain, refuse to pay them another dollar, and then, and then call your insurance and complain, and even go to state regulators if necessary. 
So that's uh, it. Really sucks, and the the state of healthcare in this country really sucks, and I'm very frustrated with it. So, uh, have you ever had this type of thing happen to you, Calwat? Well, not not like that, Ruff. But as you know, we've got a, a medical condition going on with me right now, You're which is that I took uh, some Nyquil just before the show. Are you getting tired already? Not yet, but uh, you know, if I start saying dumb shit, well, dumber than usual anyway. Uh, if I start saying dumb shit or I pass out, you know what happened? Yeah, you know, uh, Calwa told me this earlier this afternoon that he had uh, was it a cold? Yeah, just some kind of, you know, my kid's trying to kill me. Okay, so so he he's going to take NyQuil. I said, uh-oh. Because I know if I take NyQuil, within 20 minutes, I'm completely out. That's one of the few things that makes me, like, really drowsy. Other things that are said to make you drowsy, like, like they say, don't take Vicodin and drive. Well, I can take Vicodin and I can go drive 300 miles and be totally alert. It doesn't affect me that way. It affects other people that way. It does not affect me that way. A lot of things that are said to make other people drowsy or confused doesn't happen to me. But NyQuil... When I take that, that's serious business. I, 20 minutes, I'm exhausted. So mm. I definitely would never take that before driving or doing this show. And as soon as Calwatch said he was going to take it, I said, well, we're going to get like 20 minutes out of him, and that's going to be that. But I guess it affects different people differently. So you said you've, uh, you don't get knocked out by Nyquil like I do. Uh, not too badly. Uh, I, I did at a, at a buddy of mine in college. Uh, he was uh, in the Marine Corps. And one of the things he would do is he would take Nyquil and uh, see if he could beat off before he passed out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of like a race. <laughs> that's, yeah, it is kind of like a race. The thing is, that makes you tired also. So that's that's like a one-two punch of making you tired. Yeah. But I, it's fine. I take NyQuil when I have a cold and have trouble sleeping, but not so much to relieve the cold symptoms. But almost like it almost acts like a sleeping pill, where right, it, it just uh, forces me asleep. Well, work. and that's the other thing about it is that it does decongest you to the point where you actually can sleep. Because that's that's one of the worst things when you're sick is if you can't sleep. You know, because that's what your body needs more than anything else to heal you, um, and it, it can help out with that. Yeah, you know? that's where I have the problem. I, have, I usually don't have trouble falling asleep, but when I have a cold, I do have trouble falling asleep because of all the conditions. Or staying asleep and getting quality sleep. Tac- yeah, that can happen too. So that's that's where yeah. it's very useful. I'll take the NyQuil, and I'll be out in 20 minutes and sleep for a long time. Yeah. So, okay, if if, uh, if CalWatch disappears, we'll know why, and we'll... Give him we need space. to get Trader in here for some backup. You well, know? He was texting me earlier about the $20. He's welcome to come. Uh, oh, this is from uh, Willing to Die on Twitter. This is Willing Number 2 Die. And we've actually had him on the show before when the, the Rio double-checked someone in his room. And then the person stole stuff out of his room, his iPad, some cash. And then the Rio tried to not compensate him. Like They, they, they got the guy to admit he stole stuff. But then the guy like didn't give back everything he stole, and the Rio was going to believe the other guy. And and only mm. after a lot of pressure, partially through this show, that uh, the Rio backed down and gave him the rest on their own. But they were really looking to screw him there. So he he became a fan of this show at that point, and he, I guess he's listening now. He said he's he has he lives in the L.A. area, and he said that he has a concert at the at the Forum, which is in Inglewood. The Lakers used to play there. On Friday night, and he might just eat them. He said, "I don't want to do a three-hour, sixty-mile drive." Yeah, I mean that's uh, that would be tough. That would be a tough one for me if I had concert tickets I paid for, and I would have to eat them because of the weather. So I'd like I'd be afraid to drive in the terrible rain. But at the same time, I the, the Jewish side of me just couldn't see eating them. He should try selling them to some sucker who's willing to buy them and drive in the, that terrible rain. That's what he should try doing. I don't know how expensive they are. If they're fairly cheap tickets, then I could see just eating them. That would be a tough one for me. I don't know what I would do in that spot. 
but yeah, I, I, I could see where it's probably not worth it. Yeah, that's, of all things, Friday night. You know, this is the Friday night of a holiday weekend. This President's Day weekend coming up, so people are going to be on the road. That's that's a scary thing. Okay, so let's let's go to the poker and gambling topics. Here, here's a topic I'm sure everybody has been waiting for. And uh, yeah, Snow Track saying DrFraudAlert.com coming soon. Uh, Flipper Fair saying take this on Doug Benson's new show, The High Court. <laughs> so. I, I don't know. I think people are, are, are antsy waiting for the topic that they all want to hear about. Last week we had a topic everyone wanted to hear about, and that was Nolan Dalla. And uh, that one got a good reaction. Everyone loved that topic. Got that a, was fun, and it was good to hear that Nolan was having some fun listening to yeah. you know, Yeah, it was. You know what was funny? Apparently Nolan and his friends were, were angry that I, I kept uh, saying he was drunk. but And you kept saying like. Why he was he, loaded. Come on. This is an act. This is you know. You shouldn't say that. You, you sound like a you, know, you sound like a fool when he said. <laughs> he, he said he was drunk. What do you mean I sound like a fool? He's if he comes out and says I'm drunk. Here's here's the the Cuban uh, liquor I'm drinking. I, I I don't sound stupid for saying he's drunk. I mean I understand that he was playing this up. I understand that there's a reason this is being recorded. It wasn't a third party recording this. He recorded right. himself doing this. So obviously he was acting outrageous on purpose. And I know he likes to do that. He likes to make YouTube videos where he 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 acts out, and you're supposed to think what a crazy guy. But there, yeah, I, I, that doesn't mean he's also not drunk. <laughs> Listen, man, I, I was in a fraternity in college. I consider my I've got like a doctorate in drunk people. He was either completely shit-faced or he's an incredible actor. Yeah, I was thinking that. I was thinking if he was faking being drunk there, he did a fantastic job. So, right. so Nolan, really, if, I, if, if this was totally an act, totally an act and you were sober and, and pulled this one off, you should, you should send this as an audition video to Hollywood. I think you could get a job playing a drunk yeah. guy because yeah. that, uh, that would have been amazing acting. I agree. So... Uh, Brandon Cantu, he, uh, he came into prominence about 10, 11 years ago, maybe even 12 years ago. He, he won some tournaments, and he became an AP-sponsored pro before they had all their problems. Absolute poker I'm talking about. And he was, uh, he was known for his very aggressive and wild and unpredictable style of play. They, they called him Any Two Cantu. And he also he can be very frustrating to play against in a tournament because if you have a style where you want to just kind of slowly chip up and, and try to get your money in good all the time and, and pre- be pretty sure about the spots you get into, you're not going to like playing against him because you'll have something like, you know, top pair and he'll check raise you all in on the turn when you have a pretty, you know, he has a big stack, you have a big stack. He, he check raises you all in on the turn. And that, it's very frustrating because half the time he's completely full of crap and half the time he's got something big, and you don't know. So if, if you call it and, and, and he's got a monster and your top pair is crushed or drawing dead, then you feel like an idiot. You've just shot off your big stack, and you're done. And if you, if you call it and win because he has nothing, then you feel like a genius. But it, it's, it's easier said than done to just say, okay, it's Brandon Cantu. I'm going to snap this off. I once had this with him at the World Series, right? I had King-10. The board came 10 high. I bet the flop. He, he check-called. The turn, I bet. He check raised me all in. We both had big stacks, so I actually mm-hmm. let it go. I let it go. I said, uh, you know, the be- the money in the pot wasn't big enough to. I, I just, but then the very like two hands later, like an idiot, he shoved pre flop 
Or no, he, you know, he, he shoved on, the, on a low flop against uh, an old man with pocket queens that was never laying it down. And he had just absolute crap. He had nothing. No pair, no draw on some low board, and the old man like, doubled off him a, a, a pretty decent-sized pot. So I'm like, shit, <laughs> he probably did this to me too. But, but who knows? He could have really had some. So anyway, that's, that's how he accumulates chips is when he's running well. Uh, he, he's getting you to call him, and, and if he's not, and, and a lot of times people fold to him anyway when he has the worst hand. So, yes, he, he shoots off stacks sometimes this way, but he's also been successful in tournaments by by this style, and he's been doing this uh, since he was quite young back in 2005 when he started playing. However, players like this, they rarely have such aggressiveness and recklessness only attached through their tournament poker play style. If they could confine it to that, then that would be great. Then they could just be the, the wild gambler in tournaments that uh, they're aggressive and crazy enough to where it works out, and everywhere else they're conservative in life. That would be great, but unfortunately it's never like that. It, it infects the rest of their lives. In fact, sometimes what makes them this way is the fact that they're naturally very crazy and irresponsible with money. And that is definitely Brandon Cantu. Brandon Cantu has gone busto many times. He, he has spent wildly. He was a, a huge lover of strip clubs, spending tons of money at strip clubs. He even bought a, like a some kind of weird subscription to one I had heard about, where they you know he like buys some like unlimited uh, VIP service over there at some Vegas, smaller Vegas strip club I had heard about some years ago. He's someone who is seemingly never going to have a stable financial existence, and and just seems to shoot off whatever he has, even though he is a successful tournament player. Something crazy is going on in the chat here. Is this someone like entering? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, this happens it's sometimes. Driving everyone insane. It is a bug. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix that. Yeah, this is a own Madisau. I don't believe you know he's not doing this on purpose, but this happens sometimes where someone kind of gets stuck in an infinite loop, and uh, they just keep entering, leaving, and uh, I have to. I think he's gone. I think it stopped. Looks good. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, then I have to ban the person for 24 hours, and then when they come back next time, it'll be fine. Apologies to own Mattisau, but that's, that's what happens when every so often you guys get, uh, one of you gets stuck in this little loop here where it just keeps entering, leaving, entering, leaving. So, never figure out why that happens either. Anyway, uh, getting back to Brandon Cantu, what happens to tournament players who are pretty good tournament players but have a very reckless lifestyle, and frequently go bust. Well, of course, they get staked. Of course, they borrow money. Of course, they uh, you know, they, they start playing on other people's money. And some of them are honorable, and uh, you know they, they enter staking deals and honor them completely, and they don't borrow money from anyone, or those they do, they, they make every effort to pay them back. And other ones, they just keep borrowing every penny they can get and don't pay people or rec- or you know sometimes pay people sometimes don't but they leave a lot of stiffed people in their wake. Chino Reem is one who's very well known for doing that as I'm sure you guys have heard. So Brandon Cantu and he's already had a number of other incidents uh in fact some have had to do with money where there's been uh Arguments in the World Series of Poker hallway, shouting matches, threats. He, he's always in these type of things. And, and also, 
Brandon Cantu, he likes to complain. He always likes to be the victim. Uh, one time when he was in a, uh, a heads-up tournament match with a tournament battle at the end of a tournament with John Aguiar, and they, it was in some foreign venue, and they were closing the casino, so they actually stopped it and then gave like an extra full day in between before they'd come back and finish heads-up. And Cantu was mad that this gave Aguiar a chance to regroup because Cantu was getting the better of him by far. Gave Aguiar a chance to regroup, talk to friends about Cantu's playstyle, how the best combated. Aguiar came back like a different player and destroyed him and, and, and won the tournament. So Cantu did like a, a tearful interview where, where he almost was crying about how he got screwed there. Very, very emotional. So you'd, th- you'd think that somebody who, uh, who recklessly borrows money, doesn't pay it back, and does other shady things, and you know, think someone like that you think would be kind of uh, give off like a gruff and hardened personality. He's the opposite. He kind of comes off as like a whiner, as a victim type, whenever anyone interviews him. So that takes us to today, or actually, shall I say, yesterday, where a Twitter war broke out involving Brandon Cantu and money. So this is what happens. This, this all was thanks to Phil Helmuth, of all things. <laughs> or shall I say, it was, it was the catalyst, Phil Helmuth. It was not the... Uh, it, it was not Helmuth trying to make any of this happen, but nevertheless, it made it happen. So, Brandon Cantu retweeted on February 13th, two days ago, Nice study and practice poker attorneys tr- trip for Brandon Cantu and I, 32 hours in, second induced to seven no limit for me, and big chip lead and horse for him. So this is, I guess he does some kind of training thing with Phil Helmuth. Uh, or I, I think so. I'm not sure. But I, I think that's what he's trying to say. And uh, whatever it is, it was Phil Helmuth bragging that the two of them were doing well. So he said, study, you know, nice study and practice poker terms trip for me and Can- Brandon Cantu. I'm not entirely sure why he was saying that, but it's not important. So this kicked off... The Twitter shitstorm. It sounds pretty innocent, but this got someone mad. There's a person named Daniel Weinman. Daniel Weinman, I've never heard of him before. He's at NotOnTilt09, or 09, on Twitter. He says back to Phil Helmuth and Brandon Cantu on Twitter, maybe if he wins, he could settle our five-year-old 50K open fi- open-faced Chinese debt. So he's saying, hey, I, I hope Brandon wins. He owes me 50000 and he's owed it for five years for open face. So then Sean D responded back. If he pays, it's like winning a tournament you didn't even buy in for. <laughs> <laughs> so then Brandon Cantu gets into the fray. He says to Sean Deeb, yes, I owe you money and I intend to pay. Shame on you for going public. Thought you had more class than that, Sean Deeb. <laughs> Wait a minute. Shame on you for going public with it. Thought you had more class. What? What? So Sean Deeb seeing that he owes money to other people too, and finally comments on it. And somehow Sean Deeb's the one with no class. So Sean. Deeb's yeah, I think paying people back is a little, or not paying people back is a little. Less classy. You yeah, know? I, I love it when the person who owes the money acts like they're the victim when they're called out. That's not, that's not how it works. Now, like if it's someone who 
who's calling you out for a debt that both people have forgotten about or that it's, it's only been a few days. or If it's only there's an innocent explanation, fine. But, but not when someone's been on you for years to pay them and you have been stiffing them and then they finally send something publicly. You, you should be happy you've gotten away with it this long without having you called out publicly. So then Sean Deeves said back, he waited five years. That shows more class than I would have waited. So then that's referring to the Daniel Weinman who's owed 50K by Brandon Cantu, allegedly. Then Cantu says back, you go off on people for owing money. We know you owed money and were slow to pay. I hate a garden variety hypocrite. And then put hashtag hippo Sean. He's calling uh, hippo, H-I-P-P-O Sean. So I think he's trying to say, you know, in both ways insult him. Hippo like he's fat. And hippo like hypocrite. Uh, that's eight I mean, that's clever in sort of a seventh grade kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then hippo Sean says back, uh, "Who did I slow pay?" Very interested in that one. And uh, then I. Th- so then Daniel Weinman is confirming multiple hi- slow rolls from hippo Sean. That slow rolls, not slow pl- slow pay. I, I think is a joke. Anyway, so that that was the start of it, but it it, it that's definitely not the end. So then. Uh, so then Cantu wrote a new tweet to Sean Deeb. Now, keep in mind, Mercier is not involved yet, but it's, it's going to become more about Mercier soon. He says to Sean Deeb, let me get this straight. For the record, you're saying that when you went broke 10 years ago, you owed no one money? And uh, then Sean Deeb says back, please sh- share the story when I owed someone. And so... Uh, there, Sean Deeb said, I, I never went broke 10 years ago, never borrowed from anyone. You have me confused with someone. I think that might be possible. Sean Deeb, actually, his family owns uh, a restaurant. I think it's a chain of restaurants called Ted's Fish Fry. In fact, that was his name on UB was Ted's Fish Fry. And uh, I, I think his family has enough money to where his family could probably back him if uh, if he went broke. So. And, and by the way, what a great name. For an online poker name. That, that's why I, I didn't realize at first. I, I thought he was really just joking like, this is Ted's Fish Fry, he's frying fish. It probably was the joke too, but I didn't know his family really does own Ted's Fish Fry. What a great name. So so I, I think I believe Sean Deeb, and because Cantu can't name the person and no one's come forward saying Sean Deeb owed the money, so he probably didn't owe anybody money. Even if he did go broke, he probably, you know, maybe it was just his family he owed money and or who backed him. I, I don't know. It, but I don't believe Cantu's accusation. I think he was just assuming it. He heard Sean Deeb went busto 10 years ago. And was like, okay, well, he must have done the same scumbag stuff I did. Like, he's, he's probably assuming more people are like him than they really are. Right. So uh, so then Cantu uh, tweets out, That explains your holier-than-thou than attitude. Too bad you use it publicly. Hashtag hippo Sean. Hashtag Sean is perfect. <laughs> hashtag Sean is holier-than-thou. So then, so Sean says back, still waiting for the person I slow paid. Let's talk about the three-handed OFC game, Open Face Chinese game, that you vouched for someone and they stiffed me. So that's a new thing now, that the, he vouched for a third party and, and the third party stiffed him and, and Cantu just didn't do anything to, to pay Sean. Uh, Cantu says, Sean, you think you need to fit in by being mean to everyone. He put mean in all caps. It's your, your awkward way of fitting in. It backfired. Everyone hates you. That's that's a weird thing to say back. Uh, this so he's trying to make Sean look like, hey, look, you're an asshole. This is your persona. You you do this to fit in here. Now you're being mean to me. So this is this is what you're doing. Nobody likes you. 
and this is your gimmick, so now you're using it on me, it's backfiring. Well, I, there's some credibility that Sean Deeb is not a very you know, nice guy to deal with. In fact, there's even a, a parody Twitter account called Mean Sean Deeb. So there's obviously a reason for that. Uh, so, but still, th- that's not what this is about. Cantu is admitting he owes money to Sean Deeb. He's not denying he owes money to this other guy who started the whole thing, so I'm sure that's true, too. Uh, and th- sometimes it's it's right to be mean. Sometimes it's correct. This is one of those times if he hasn't been paying Sean and other people, if he's borrowing money and stiffing everyone. So sometimes it's correct to be mean. You can't be nice all the time. So Sean Deeb says back, I don't care if I'm liked. Mean Sean Deeb will be making some appearances about you, still waiting for you to back up your comments. And Sean says, so then uh, Cantu says, Sean, I'm glad we agree on one thing. You are the most unpopular poker player in the world because you're so mean, in all caps. <laughs> this sounds like a Taylor Swift song or something. Oh, my God. It sounds like a... Because you're so mean. You're so mean to me. Why? I just owe you a lot of money. I owe other people money. I owe a lot of people I mean, money. It really does sound like grade school bullshit to me. Yeah, you know? like, like what do you mean? So it's already starting to get weird here about the mean stuff. Like, it's, it's just, this, this isn't meanness. This is unhappiness, rightfully, that, uh, that money's owed. So now we get, we get another character entering this, aside from the various uh, Twitter trolls trying to incite this to get worse, which I'm not going to bother. No, those, but but <laughs> I know it's shocking to you. <laughs> no, but uh, but then uh, let me get to the part where Cantu gets in. Uh, so I guess I guess Jason Mercier either saw this happening or someone told him this was happening, and he's like, hmm, "That's interesting." You know, I I've been owed money too by Brandon Cantu. So I'm not going to go quite as far to enter this fray, thought Jason Mercier. But I, I think this is a good time to text him privately and say, uh, hey, buddy, you owe me too. Before uh, you, know, you better start sending me or I'm going to join this too. So that's basically what he did. Jason Mercier sent a text message to Brandon Cantu saying, you know, basically, you better, owe, you better start paying me immediately what you owe me. It's been so long or otherwise I'm blowing you up as well. So Cantu decided to get ahead of it with a weird cryptic tweet. This is out of nowhere. Mercier had not tweeted to Cantu yet. This was a day ago in the evening. This is at around 10 p.m. yesterday, Pacific time. Brandon Cantu tweets, I owed you 260 uh, Sorry, at Jason Mercier. I owed you $260,000, paid every penny, and you send me a threatening text? Do all poker stars pros shame other players? And he put at poker stars to try to get uh, poker stars' attention like Mercy is doing something wrong. Now, to keep in mind, Mercy did not tweet at him at all yet. This was him just responding publicly to the private, quote, threatening text. So Mercy said, all right, you're going to get public. I'm going to get public too. So he responds back at Brandon Cantu, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm trying to collect from the figure <laughs> you owed me for 3.5 years. You must be high or stupid. So now we've got a new person back and forthing it with Brandon Cantu. And uh, so now that kind of ends the Sean Deep part of this saga. And Brandon Cantu is going after Mercier. So, the, so then Brandon Cantu publishes 
he, you know, he doesn't do a screenshot. He types in uh, what the text message was. Yo, I see tweets. I'm going to reply too unless you start paying me. It's been too long. Insane you haven't paid a dollar. I want 1K by tomorrow. So that, that was the that, – that, so he actually goes and puts the, the text up. Uh, and then he wrote back to Jason Mercy, the last tweet I sent out was your text to me threatening to go public. Do you deny this? Are you stupid? That was Jason – that was Cantu to Jason Mercier. So then Jason Mercier says, you've got some set of balls. I can't believe I was going to give you another free pass. You attacking me publicly is laughable, LOL. You are de- beyond delusional if you think that anything I said in that text is not okay. So th- then the texts got posted. The actual uh, a screenshot of the texts were posted by Mercier to show everybody that it was nothing inappropriate. The text went as follows. And they were, they were put up there on, on Mercier's Twitter. This was sent, uh, I guess, yesterday. This is Jason Mercier. I tried to send you this earlier today. I, yo, I see the tweets. I'm going to reply, too, unless you start paying me. It's been too long, and it's insane you haven't paid a dollar. I want 1K by tomorrow. I think I'm being more than fair. It's been almost four years, and my loan to you is supposed to be three days max. <laughs> wow. That's a bit of a difference, a three-day loan. Wow. Takes, takes three and a half to four years. That's, that's a bit of a slow pay. It's a bit of a, a stretch of the terms. Can take BOA, meaning Bank of America, PayPal, or money in Vegas, or you can hand it off to an agreed upon person. I've been like that too. Like when someone owes me money and they won't pay, I'm like, please, I send it by carrier pitch and just send it some way. I'll find a way to get it. Send me gift vouchers, yeah. whatever the fuck you got. Yeah. <laughs> send me money on lock poker. I'll even take that at this point. You know, it's funny how indignant people can get when they they owe people money. Oh, very much. I've had this before too. The few times I've loaned people and gotten stiffed, like to to get the money out of them, it's always like you have money, I don't. I'm I'm barely making rent. I can barely eat. How dare you ask for the money back? Even though I said I'm giving it back to you in a week. That's the exact story that I've gotten before. Like we we got a a guy, and you know he's a really nice guy. Um, he was kind of uh, the spot in our games, and he always, always shows up with like one buy-in, and then always borrows it. You know, always borrows more. And whenever he actually does cash out money, like everyone's excited, right? Because <laughs> it might get paid back. <laughs> and there was one time that I, I loaned him money at that game, and he actually owed me money before that, and he was cashing out, you know, a decent amount of money. And I said, Andy, you know, you, oh, shit, I said his name. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, pay, pay me back some of what you, you owe me. And he's like, okay, here. And he gave me like half. And I'm like, you have way more than that you're cashing out. Just like pay me back. He's like, no, 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 I, I need this to go to the casino. And he got mad at me for me wanting him to pay me back the money that he had right there that he was like cashing out of the game. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know? Yeah, I, I've had this even worse ride knowing this is coming and the person is claiming they need it so badly and, and, and I'm taking some pity on them but I'm a little afraid that they're going to screw me. Yeah. So, so I tell them, I give them a speech. I say, okay, you've got to understand, I, I know how this can happen. I, I want you to understand that if I'm loaning you the money that I become priority one to pay, pay back, that means you know that no matter what you have to do, you have to start paying me immediately that there's, you know, you have to cut out things in your life that you normally do if, uh, you know, if, uh, no extra things in your life. You've, you've had to uh, cut back on a lot of things you enjoy doing. That, that the priority one is paying me back, 
and that it's never acceptable to pay me zero, that there have to be payments of some type no matter what's going on in your life, and that, uh, right. and that you're not going to be mad if I keep pressuring you for it and expect you to pay me no matter what your life circumstance is. And, and that's a matter of respect, yes. that at least something would be paid. Yeah, and, they, and they, they always are so agreeable that, oh, of course, of course, no, I wouldn't do that. I hate, yeah. when, I hate when people <laughs> do that. I hate when people act that way. No, if you give it to me, you're going to be priority one. I will make sure you get every dime. Uh, you know, No matter what happens, I'm not going to disappear. I'm not going to give you guilt trips. I wouldn't do that. I hate those type of people. Then they right. do it. Every time, like, it's so reliable. I hate giving, loaning anyone any money anymore, no matter what the story. The only one I loan now is, is Ken Scaler because I know at least he pays me back. He's a pain in the yeah. ass sometimes, but at least I know he pays me. Uh, and and everybody else, they 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 sound so sincere and and so understanding and so so that they know where I'm coming from with this. And then when it comes to actually paying me, uh, what you want this? So you really need my money? Okay, I, I guess I can't pay rent this month. I, I guess you want me to give me my rent money? Okay, fine. Here you go. You want my rent money? You want like they, they, that's the attitude you get. Or, well, yeah, they they act like they're doing you a favor. Yeah. By paying you back the money, and they feel, you know, they act like they're entitled to be loaned the money. And they, this guy that I'm talking about was kind of like that uh, wimpy guy from the old Popeye. Oh. You know, I'd gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today or yeah, whatever. Yeah. There, there was one time that uh, another buddy of mine, who's a totally solid guy, you know, whatever, I, I loaned him uh, a little bit of money. And he actually dr- uh, drove over and uh, dropped off the money uh, at, the, at my game, right? And I wasn't I wasn't at home. Uh, I was driving home. I was probably like half hour away. I showed up, and this other guy that I'm talking about had taken the money <laughs> that the other guy dropped off, and took it to play in the game. <laughs> like you got to be kidding me! <laughs> like a half. I, I just got paid back by one guy. A half hour has passed. And this other guy took it upon himself to just take it and borrow it without even like asking me. You got to be fucking kidding me! Jesus. So, so then this is what Cantu says back to that that thing about you know where Mercy is saying basically uh, pay whatever you whatever way you can. I'll take it. He says back, I surpri- I'm surprised you would want to join in the classless attack. Instead, uh, of, I intend on paying you, but I don't have it, and I don't mind attacking you right back. You're not perfect. By the way, pretty fucking funny. I paid you two sixty k when I owed you for about six in about six weeks. Here you're squabbling over this peanut. Good luck. So somehow this quote peanut, the smaller debt. It's not said how much it is, but obviously much smaller than two sixty k. He's saying, hey, look, I owed you two sixty k at one time, and I was so good about paying that. So yeah, this one's gone for three and a half years, but it's so small. How dare you get on my case about this? This is small compared to it. No, uh, Mercier is right. If if it's a peanut, why does it take three and a half years to pay back the peanut? Well. And there are lots of peanuts that are smaller than 260k that are still a decent amount of money. Yeah, right. Yeah, and in fact, they say, um, give me one k by tomorrow. That that sounds like he wants like a, a payment of one k, not even like the whole debt's one k. So. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. He just wanted a you know some kind of a, a token payment from him. That's definitely not the whole amount. But yeah, I mean, it's it's just amazing to me how indignant people get. Like you know, Mercier didn't have to loan him the money. Yeah. He's not under an obligation. The guy did you a favor and act like it. Not only you know? that, he did him a huge favor before. I don't know how he ended up loaning him two sixty k, but he did. That's 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 beyond foolhardy, by the way. Mercier to loan Brandon Cantu two hundred sixty k. You believe me, you're lucky you got that back. But but yeah. you, you loaned him two sixty k for God knows what reason, and and he he paid you back. But the the person who should be lauded here is not uh, not Cantu for paying you back. It should be you for having loaned him that type of money, and he should be kissing your feet 
the fact that right. you've loaned him that money in the past and, and really be working hard to pay you back, not patting himself on the back that on that one he didn't stiff you. It's, uh, yeah. I love how people want to pat on the back that they didn't screw you other times. <laughs> oh, you did what you're supposed to do? Congratulations. I'll get you a trophy. Can you imagine if you, like, if you cheated on your wife and she caught you and you said, you know what? How can you be giving me a hard time about this? I, I, I didn't cheat on you last week. And two weeks ago, I didn't either. So I, I should uh, – all these weeks, I can name to you I didn't cheat on you. How can you be mad about this one? Yeah, let me know how good that goes over. Yeah, so that's that's the way. So the, so Mercier responded back uh, to that one. Uh, not sure how your delusional mind thinks I'm any in any way in the wrong, and that's true. I mean, I, I don't know who's gonna who would think that. So Chino Reem. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe Chino Reem's like what? What? What's Mercier's problem here? What a jerk! Standard. So no, he didn't really say that, but I, maybe that he'd be the only one. So uh, Mercier uh, said to some other person who was asking questions about this, said, uh, I was going to give him another free pass, referring to not saying anything about this publicly. Uh, and he attacked me publicly and sent a tweet to my sponsor, referring to PokerStar. He deserves worse. So basically, Mercier saying the gloves are off now. You tried to embarrass me in front of PokerStars, and, and, and you tried to... Call me out publicly like I'm being the jerk. Now, now I'm just going off on you. Now, now it's too late. So Mercier then tweets to Brandon, go back in your hole, and then when you get there, delete your account. Your 10,000 fake followers won't be upset. So I, I don't know if he really has fake followers. He did get to be a fairly known name in poker. 10,000 isn't a tremendous number of followers so that's probably lots of people actually do have fake followers yeah but through no fault of their own that happens too yeah so yeah so that's that's what's uh someone named steve prager i don't know if he's serious uh, tweeted to jason mercier give me his address mercier i will get it for you for a fee <laughs> <laughs> you know um that's always tempting to do in these cases. The problem is you have to – if you do it and then something bad happens, you could be seen as an accomplice to whatever has right. happened. That's the problem. Even if you say, look, I didn't know what he was going to do. I thought he was just going to go down there and, and demand the money and uh, and the guy would be scared and give it to him. Like I didn't know that you know, <laughs> he's going to break his legs or, or anything like that. Uh, it, it, it can be seen like that you sent the person down there. But uh, – You know, out of sympathetic figures – in the poker world, I mean, just Cantu just has never been one from yeah, my perspective. He's, he's just always been annoying. Yeah, he is. That's a problem. Yeah, I mean, really, you know? Yeah. So that's. So then, uh, so then he decides he's going to go. Try, already seeing that that Mercier was a little concerned that he was tweeting to to, to poker stars, he decides he's going to do this again. He says, "Did you tell me to go back in my hole? You threatened me than this at poker stars. Hire such classy guys." I guarantee Poker Stars is not going to care about this. By the way, the uh, Poker Stars is going to look at this, and at, at worst, they're going to tell Mercier, you know, maybe try to not have this public. But they're, they're not going to say, "Oh right. my God, you're, you're you're being so mean to Cantu. How, how dare you well, demand he pay you after three and a half years? How dare you?" Having having dealt with sponsored poker players for as long as they have, I mean, I'm sure they're used to babysitting and all the dumb shit that goes yes, on. Yes, very. So, yeah. so then. Uh, so then he decides to get a, he's going to go back after Sean Deeb. <laughs> uh, now, Druff, 
a- a- anyone in the poker world seeing this go on, like, who the fuck is going to loan this guy any money yeah, now? Yeah, that's what's so weird. Is he, I don't think he's even self-aware. I don't think he understands how bad he looks here, that, that they're not going to think Sean Deeb is being mean. They're not going to think that Mercier is, is being a jerk or, or, or trying to blackmail him. They're, they're going to think these are guys who are owed money by someone who's serially borrowing money and not paying and who borrows under false pretenses. And, and they're, yeah. they're, they're all just fed up saying, stop, stop stiffing us on your debts. And yeah, this dude comes up to you in the Rio asking you for money or, you know, whatever else he, he's going to ask for. Um, but you're just going to think about this Twitter conversation and be like, no fucking way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no way. So, so he responds to uh, Sean Deeb saying that, you know, when Sean Deeb said, uh, mean Sean Deeb will be making some appearances about him soon. So he says, Sean, I'm glad we agree on one thing. You're the most unpopular poker player in the world because you're so mean. And, uh, Oh no, unpopular! And, and so here, here's how people in the the, the Twitter uh, observers are responding. Someone says back, "Nah, that's you, bro." To B- Brandon Cantu, you're a negative EV and owe everyone money. Yet go to fancy dinners all the time and tweet about it. That's that's another thing is Cantu loves to always show off his flashy lifestyle, which really gets people angry when they're owed money. And that's a, when you owe a lot of people money, you should be living a very Spartan lifestyle and paying every penny you can back to those people and in fact if i was in debt to a lot of people and could not pay that is what i would do i would i would i would not pay my rent money to them i would not uh pay my bottom dollar to them but what i would do is i would live as cheap of a lifestyle as possible and uh and then set aside a certain amount to pay them every week and reliably pay even if it wasn't a large sum of money uh an example is let's say you owe someone ten thousand dollars and you think, okay, well, I can pay them 100 a week. Well, that sounds like you're never going to get it done. Truthfully, if you paid someone 100 a week, you'd get it done in slightly less than two years, which is not a short period of time, but it's, it's, it's reasonable. It's not like 20 years. So you, even with $100 a week, you could pay someone back $10,000 in less than two years. So you can make these efforts. And to save $100 a week is not that difficult unless, uh, you know, unless you're really, really, really poor. But, but other, if you have any kind of money coming in to save 100 a week, there's a lot of things you can, you can cut out in your life that you might enjoy, uh, but you can cut out and, and survive just fine and, and, and come up with 100 a week. So uh, the thing is here that if you want to pay people back, you usually can. Most of these people just don't want to because they, they're, they're selfish and they're lazy and they don't want to go without anything they're used to going with to, in order to make things right with people they owe. They, they'd rather make these people take a back seat unless they hit some kind of huge score. At that point, then they'll pay the people. Otherwise, F them is, is what most of them do. You, you nailed it. I mean, that's all it is. It's just being selfish and lazy. Yeah. That's all it is. So uh, so then Cantu leaves a, a cliffhanger for everybody. We'll discuss, to Sean D. We'll discuss more about your loaning history tomorrow. You say you're completely innocent, always paid everyone immediately. So he's trying to say, like, yeah, wait till tomorrow. <laughs> so Sean D. says, uh, I'm really tired of you stalling, waiting for someone to come forward to complete your story, but there isn't anyone. So, uh, so far, there isn't. No, nobody came forward, and uh, I think I think the, the, we'll discuss it tomorrow. Is can't you hoping someone comes forward <laughs> in between that period of time? So, then comes a little bit more of the story about Mercier, because we still, up to this point, did not know what is this peanut he's talking about. What, what is this whole dispute about? So we find out from Cantu. This was tweeted at uh, less than 24 hours ago. This was at uh, 2.53 a.m. Pacific today. 
February 15th. Jason Mercier loans me 10,000 euros for World Series of Poker Europe main event and then charged me 5,000 euros interest for two weeks late, then threatens me at PokerStars Pride, hashtag Usury Mercier. So there, there is the bombshell he's dropping. The the bombshell he's dropping is he borrowed 10k euros, and that Mercier fined him in some way an additional 5k euros for being two weeks late, and now is quote threatening him. The threatening is to get involved in a Twitter conversation. That's not a threat. <laughs> it's, a threat is I'm going to come down there and kick your ass. I'm going to send someone to kick your ass. I'm going to I'm going to harass your family. Uh, I'm going to yeah. You know, those are real threats. A, a threat I'm going to pay me or I'm going to get involved in a Twitter conversation about you owing money is not a threat. So so Jason Mercier says back, uh, you begged me for the money. I said no because you're scum, is referring to that 10K loan. Then you begged me more and you offered a 5K penalty if you don't pay back in three days. So that's interesting. That's, that's uh, and that, by the way, that's a common tactic that scammers use. Scammers love to make the Offer too good to be true, and it's where you, where you are loan sharking them, but it's their idea that they want to borrow money from you. You go, no, I don't want to do it. Well, what if I pay you this much interest, and what if I pay you these penalties if I don't pay you in time? And you go, well, I, I can't say no to this. Some of you may remember the Brian Mike on Justin Smith saga, the Justin Wade Smith, not the Justin Smith who plays poker. Justin Wadesmith is currently serving a sentence for these type of scams, but uh, uh, this back in, happened 10 years ago, where Justin Wadesmith, who met Mikon in, in a casino, got Mikon to loan him $12,000 with the promise that he'll be paid back 100000 and he pretended to be a, he pretended that his, uh, he was part of the, uh, the Chase Bank fortune, that he was an heir for the owners of Chase Bank, and that, uh, he had some problem with the bank account as soon as he gets released in Vegas that he'll pay Mike on 100000 just to get loaned 12000 and then he did. Well, he did get the loan. He didn't pay Mike on back because it was all a lie. He was broke. He was a, a career scammer who made these types of lies about, having, about being an heir to huge fortunes and that he would pay people back and never did. So when Mike on said his heart sank was after not being paid for about a week and he kept getting on Justin going, where's the money, where's the money? Justin said to him, look, look, I'm having trouble, I'm having trouble. For your trouble, though, if you just give me another three days, then instead of 100000 I'm going to pay you... One million dollars. And that's when Mikon knew he was not getting a penny. Because it was just so outrageous that it went from 12K for 100K to 12K for a million. He knew if he's jumping up to a million, he's just getting nothing. And he was right. He got, he got a little bit out of him through third parties that were... It was, it was scamming Peter to pay Paul, basically, what happened. He got a few thousand bucks back. But other than that, he got nothing. So Cantu here apparently went to Mercier, said, hey, I need 10K euro to enter this uh, World Series of Poker Europe event, which must have taken place in uh, 2000, late 2013, or mid, mid to late 2013. And <laughs> Mercier said, no, I, I can't trust you. And, and Cantu's like, whoa, 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 come on, come on, come on, man. I, I promise I'll pay you. In fact, if I don't pay you in three days, it'll be 15K euro. 
So Mercier said yes, which he shouldn't have. That's, at that point, you know you're dealing with someone who's, who's, uh, who's going to stiff you. He could offer you a million euro. If he can't pay you and won't pay you, then you're, you won't get it. So I'm, I'm surprised Mercier fell for that, but he did. So I, I understand how, from Mercier's point of view, it's not usury if the person is offering that. But I, just a note to the listener. If anyone ever offers you these usurious interest rates to buy, borrow money from you, they're probably scamming you. So you should still say no. And, and people were <laughs> people were pretty uh, pretty shocked by this. And there was a number of responses back. Someone first said, uh, "5k penalty on a 10k loan in three days." I want a bank for just for Brandon can too. Well, that was from X Vertigo. X Vertigo, you, you probably can. I'm sure. I'm sure Cantu will, will be happy to let you bank for him. And Jason Mercy also said, "You begged me for the money." Oh no, I, I already said that. He, he, that was the tweet he made before. Sorry. So. That was, and again, he's still trying to embarrass him in front of poker stars. And Cantu says, how does a, a usury money lender like you even represent poker stars? How does someone like you who attacks broke poker players rep poker stars? So now he's attacking broke poker players. Once who owe money, but he's attacking them. Then he goes off on the perfect life tangent. The perfect life tangent, this is a new one. You know, you know these days, all these people who, who try to claim someone has privilege or someone is uh, someone owes you something because they've got a better situation than you. you they may have been born into it because they're, uh, their race or their, their, their gender or the fact that or their sexual preference. That uh, For that reason, because you, you had an easier time with things, they somehow owe you concessions. And that's, so now Cantu is doing this, but not based upon race or gender or sexual preference, uh, based upon whatever life situation people are in. So he tweeted to Sean Deep. Let's talk about how you've led a perfect life, and it gives you the right to attack all broke poker players and destroy their lives. <laughs> that's just that you know, I, I, here's the thing. Like, and I've had people say that to me before, too. It's like, okay, just because I don't need the money that you owe me, it's a respect thing. If you borrow that money, you should pay the money back. You know? Yeah. It's ridiculous. And in the the person's station in life is not really a factor. You're not entitled to any of this stuff. No, and think of banks. If you go to banks and borrow money and you put up collateral, you don't get to go to the bank and say, this bank has been living a perfect existence. It makes so much money. I shouldn't have to pay back my loan. Don't, wait, don't take my house as collateral. You can't do that. You guys are living a perfect life, and I'm not. They say, F you. You signed paperwork saying that uh, you're taking this loan. Right. Here's a collateral. Well, if you don't pay, we have a right to take the collateral. That's the way it works. You, you know, the life they're leading does not matter. So he's telling Sean Deeb that you're leading the perfect life, and now you're, you think it gives you the right to attack all broke poker players and destroy their lives. So... That Good luck is, with that. This is the way that that Sean Deeb is trying to make people feel sorry for him. That he's broke. That these rich, successful players are attacking him and destroying their lives, be, you know, just because he's broke. And that you should, you should, he's trying class warfare here. Basically, he's saying they're rich, he's poor, they've had great lives, he's had a bad life, and now they're trying to kick him while he's down. So now, now here, here comes the tweet. I, we've been kind of hard on Cantu here, and we've been kind of critical of him and I can I can understand that but I think uh, put on the proper music here though 
Cal walk in here and putting on some sad violins. Because I, I want everybody to understand that Cantu is an emotional guy and he's he's having some trouble here. We need to feel a bit bad for him. He tweeted to Sean Deep, You attacked me viciously. You made me tilt. And you had me crying real tears. <laughs> and you made me quit on the Poker Night in America set in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Hashtag Righteous Sean. Then he tweeted to Jason Mercier right after that. You have 10 million an amazing wife titles and you make usury interest loans and you threaten me and insult me publicly. <laughs> Poker stars pride. <laughs> so, yeah, he's telling them both how they have such <coughs> great lives that he had him crying real tears. Sean Deeb had Brandon Cantu crying real tears and had made him quit on the poker night that was in Pittsburgh, Poker Night in America, because he cried had him crying real tears. Cry me a fucking river. <laughs> so, so then, uh, so uh, let's let's see here. So, let me get to the responses to this. Uh, a person named Voice of Reason on Twitter said back, "I'm curious. Do you owe Sean Deeb any money? Because if you don't, I would bury his ass if I were you. Fight fire with fire." And so he writes back. I don't owe Sean one penny. He's destroying my life because I'm broke and owe his friend money. So this is not clear. I guess it's possible that Sean Deeb was taking up for the other guy who started this whole thing about the 50k. Uh, but but that's but either way, if that's <laughs> if he's taking up for his friend that's legitimately owed 50k, then that's fine too. Uh, so then he's the the Jason Mercier thing about the ten million and the amazing wife is uh, Natasha Barbour. By the way, I, I played with Natasha Barbour in two thousand. Was it fifteen or sixteen? I guess it was. Uh, no, it was two thousand fifteen. It was the one where I finished fortieth at the fifty fifty DraftKings No Limit event. But she was sitting next to me. You know, people people seem to like her. She seems to be popular. She came off as very stuck up when I was playing with her. She uh, she had this look on her face like she was better than everyone there, and she didn't. Uh, she really she she didn't talk to anyone. She just came seemed kind of stuck up. It was one of these like girls in poker who just thinks that they're hot shit and don't, don't need to acknowledge anyone and. Uh, you know, I, I that was the impression I got from her. She wasn't at the table very long, and she busted pretty quickly. But anyway, that's the, she's married to Jason Mercier now. But I, you know, I've heard things nice things about her, so may, maybe this was just a bad day of hers. I don't know. I'm just telling you my impression. So anyway, Ber- Mercier said back, Brandon Cantu, get a life, dude. You offered the penalty, referring to the 5K. Never paid the penalty. Never paid the debt. Stop tweeting. It's going badly for you. That's good point yeah if you make that offer you cannot then criticize someone and he didn't pay for, back the for first taking 10K. you up on it yeah and, I mean, he, give me a break. and he didn't pay back the 10k like it's not like he paid back the 10k euro it's like you know what 
yes, I offer this, but it's taking advantage of me. Look, it's been a week instead of three days. How about you take back the 10k euro? Don't you know? Don't take the. Don't be a hard ass about the 5k. Just don't take it. You know, paying you back. That's not what happened. He hasn't paid anything back. It's been almost four years. He hasn't paid a dime back. So he can't even offer that the five. He can't even claim that Mercier took advantage of him, even if it was his own offer. He can't even claim that because he hasn't paid a penny back. It's ridiculous. So then he writes back to Mercier, then why send threatening texts? You come off as a loan shark. Hashtag usury Mercier. Hashtag loan shark Mercier at PokerStars Pride. I think the one mistake that Mercier made here was by saying that he was trying to harass his sponsor because then all that's going to do is make Cantu do it more. And that's what he's been doing. Every tweet is, a, is something about at PokerStars Pride, at PokerStars, why are you letting this guy rep you over and over and over again? And they, they, so I don't know how PokerStars is going to deal with this, but they, they couldn't be thrilled about this going on here, even if they know he's in the right. It's just because it's just, even if they know that Mercy is correct, you have someone saying he's committing usury, there really was a loan with 10K and a 5K penalty, so like, I can see where PokerStars might be a little unhappy about this, even though Mercier kind of didn't really do anything wrong. But uh, So he shouldn't have said anything about the PokerStars thing. He, should, he, he, he had enough to go after him without having to throw that in and have Cantu do this over and over. So, by the way, nobody on Twitter I've seen once has, has defended Cantu on this. Like, no one's jumped on his side. Not a single person. So... And this is all going on right now as we speak. Um, this is... Uh, by the way, there's also a, an exchange between him and... and this is before the uh, question about whether he owes Sean any money. Uh, he said about Sean, The most hated, cruelest man in poker destroys broke poker players because they aren't as good as him and struggle. Hashtag righteous Sean. And that's that's something very unlike Cantu to say. He usually claims he's like the best in poker. So he's he's trying to say he now he's trying to play the sympathy card that he's just not as good of a player as Sean Deeb, so Sean Deeb is, is trying to destroy him. Sean Deeb says back stick with hashtag hippo Sean. That was a strong hashtag. What wasn't strong is he claims is the is he claims you made you couldn't back up. So he says back to Sean Deeb, you attacked me he tried to say viciously, but he said viscously. <laughs> What, was, was he attacking you with like a like a solid like a a thick liquid or something? I don't understand. <laughs> was he was he dumping uh, slime on him? I don't know. He's attacking him viscously. Uh, made me tilt. Had me crying in real life. Had me. Oh, that's the same thing. It's that same exchange with the crying in real life. Okay. It's hard to read Twitter sometimes. Sometimes out of order. So he 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 writes to. Uh, Mercier, you couldn't look worse. Using your power to threaten regular players, now poker stars might have to fire you. You couldn't shut up. So you see where he's going with. He's really trying to get him in trouble with poker stars in some way. What a dickhead. Yeah, and people aren't going for this either. People are very, like, people are sending him, like, memes of, of uh, Judge Judy shaking her head and stuff like that. The people, like, no one's going for this. No one is, is on Cantu's side or thinks he is behaving in a reasonable fashion. So... He said, "He says to Mercy, all you had to do was shut up, apologize for threatening, text, and insults. Now your ego is going to get you fired from Poker Stars." So, so people are, are not liking this. People are saying, "What are you talking about? He's you know he's not threatening you. What are you talking?" So he's re- he's really trying to scare him and maybe even really get him in trouble. That was three hours ago. 
see if we have anything else since then. Now, that was the last thing he tweeted three hours ago. Let's see if Mercier wrote anything since then. No. So that, that's where we stand right now. That's where we stand. And so I, I can tell you what's going to happen here, approximately. Uh, Cantu's not going to pay anybody. Uh, Mercier is not going to get fired. Maybe Poker Stars will tell him to stop answering. It's possible. Sean Deeb's friend is not going to get paid. Pretty much everything that was before all this started is going to remain. So this is this is going to affect nothing. Really, after all this, nothing's going to be affected. Other than Cantu looking like a fool and nobody loaning him in the future who is aware of this. Yeah, I think he's uh, hurt himself in terms of he's going to run out of options for people to uh, have the privilege of giving him money that he won't pay back. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this Brandon, I don't think Brandon Cantu is aware that he's looking this bad. I, I think he really thinks that, that he really is successfully portraying Sean Deeb as a mean jerk, and that he's successfully portraying Jason Mercier as this rich guy with a perfect life who gives loans only at 50% interest rates after three days and commits usury against broke poker players who are desperate. That's, that's what he's trying to get across, and he really thinks he's getting it across. He really thinks this is the impression people will come away of both Jason Mercier and Sean D. But, but no one's coming away. with like, like Not one person has backed Brandon Cantu publicly on this. Not one person has said he's in the right or partially in the right. I've, I've never seen such a, a Twitter war where there's such overwhelming consensus on one side. So, all I gotta say is Cantu's wife must be very, very patient. Is is, she, is he even still married? I have no idea. Didn't he? Didn't he have a wife and kid? He, he did. At, at some he, point? I don't know if he yeah. had a kid. I know he got married at some point, but I don't know. I don't know if it's still here. You never know with these guys. Like just a lot of them, these degenerate types. The the women eventually can't stand it. Sometimes these women—they're not even necessarily gold diggers, but women who are enjoying the spoils of a high-flying, winning poker player lifestyle. Both the uh, the money, the expenditures, the adulation they get, the parties, the associating with the uh, with other big-time poker players. They get to kind of feel important. Like, hey, I'm, I'm dating a real somebody here. I'm dating somebody who's a, a big-time poker player. People know him. He, he does well. We have a lot of money. We spend a lot of money. I get all the best things. Yeah, we call them lottery ladies. Yeah. <laughs> but when they're broke, then things start to change. Then the, all this goes away. And then there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of no money. Well, yeah, I have no idea whether he's with her or without her. But, I mean, seriously, like, if he whines like this in public, I just I kind of feel bad for her. It's like being Mrs. Helmuth. You know? <laughs> you, you got to just be one hell of a patient woman. You know, uh, oh, oh, I got I'm sorry to uh, do this kind of non sequitur, but uh, someone has mentioned that you should check your PMs. Okay. I'm not supposed to say who it is, but it's supposed to be important. All right, so okay, got that out of the way. Go ahead. Sorry, Drew. Okay, I, I was I've gotten a a rumor from somebody. Uh, this is only a rumor. I can't tell you. I know this for sure, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I was told that Brandon Cantu owes Mark Gregorich a large sum for sports betting, and that mm. it's actually affected Mark's bankroll. Uh, 
Now, Mark Gregorich, for those of you that don't know, this is a very – he's like a, a serious and, and nice and solid guy in poker. Everybody likes him. This is one guy like everyone likes. And when I, when I play with him, he's always been uh, pleasant and polite. He's, he's kind of lived up to the reputation he has. And uh, now Gregorich, he's never someone for social media drama. drama. Like I, I couldn't see Gregorich coming out publicly if this were true. Maybe I could see his friends doing it, but I, he's not the type who's going to come on Twitter and say, "Guess what? You know, Brandon Cantu owes me money." But this this is the rumor that. Uh, do, you, do you think there's like a, a correlation between how much of a douchebag you are and how much attention you seek out on social media? Yeah, well, there, there, there is someone. I mean, that, <laughs> this reminds me a little bit of, of Matt Marafiati, where he used to love to get uh, negative attention on social media. Uh-huh. And uh, but yeah, so Mark Gregorich. The only thing I have to say is that what surprises me is that. Uh, was he really that unaware of Cantu's history? Was he, re- you know, how do you get a big sports betting figure with with Brandon Cantu, and and even, you know, supposedely affecting Mark's bankroll a lot? I mean, I know I don't know for sure, but I, I believe Mark Gregorich is a winning player in in poker. So even if he's making bets with Cantu in sports, and Cantu gets way behind and owes him a ton of money. Uh, it shouldn't really affect his bankroll because, it, provided he didn't lose first to Cantu, then this is just money he should be getting but isn't, but isn't actually taking away from money he has. Now, I'm not defending Cantu in any way, but I'm also wondering, like, how do you allow someone to get this type of figure that has this type of reputation? Because eventually they're just free-rolling you. No matter how much they owe you, if they can't pay and won't pay, then by the figure getting bigger, it's not helping you. You're never going to get it, and you're risking that they will get on a hot run and get even, and and then get out of the figure. So they really are just free-rolling you at that point. There's no point to let them continue to, to bet with you. So, uh, so then Dive Bar Dave in chat is saying, it's old school versus new school. Old school, Gregorich paid, paid back loans. New school, Cantu stiffs people. Well, I wouldn't even say that Cantu is really new school. I mean, Gregorich goes back further than he does, but Cantu goes back to like 05, I think. So this is not a new player who just came on the scene. This guy's been around for 12 years. So, Yeah, but speaking about like old school versus new school, I mean, imagine what the gambling world was like before there was internet or social media or any of this stuff. And I bet you a lot of these guys got away with a lot of shit. Yeah, just because word didn't get around quick enough there that, was, there was you know, they away, were scamming people. But it was a rougher place where, where you actually had to the, – the people who were involved in the gambling world then were a lot more dangerous, where you had to be fearful of a lot of them if you're going to stiff them. Whereas, Wait, you're not worried that Brandon Cantu is going to kick your ass? Yeah, see, that's the thing. It's like a lot of uh, – a, <laughs> well, a lot of these guys who are into this now are kind of just uh, – you know punk degenerates that you're not af- you're not afraid of you're not uh, they're not dangerous seeming people right and, and so um that that allows many to get victimized like all, all the people in this story are not people that you'd picture as ones who are who are physically dangerous or, or likely to physically harm you so that's that's why a lot of them cheat each other where i, I in the old days where, where there were consequences you know the whole story about getting beat up and, and left in the desert or were killed and left in the buried in the desert these were real fears people had to have with some of the characters. Well, that's because it actually happened. Yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah. that's because the gambling world is kind of more of a, back then, the people involved with it were, were more seedy and uh, dangerous than today where it became the domain of, of uh, you know, a lot of the, the math nerds and, uh, and other people who figured out how to beat these games. It became games of, you know, not just using street smarts to, to beat these games, but, but 
a lot of times using carefully honed skills through through study and things like that. You got a lot of different type of people there. A lot of the college young you know, whiz kids that that figured out how to win, and it, it became a very different look that the poker scene had. But but the one thing that didn't change is all the the people who would borrow money and scam money, and, the, and there's a lot of people getting stiffed. It's just a matter of the the, the while the ability to get the word around is much stronger now, the fear of the average person that you would have that you would screw is much less now. So, anyway, a, a lot of things have changed with that. Like, like it's much harder to get away with advantage play or card counting or things like that in Vegas from the t- standpoint where they catch you, but it's a lot less risky now, where back when the mob owned it, you really did have to fear that they'd force you in the back and beat you up for it. So, uh, there was... What we're nowadays that's rarely going to happen. So anyway, I, I hope that's not true. But Mark Rigorich, if it is, uh, I, I'm surprised he let himself get in this situation. I'm surprised he, and I'm especially surprised that it would affect his bankroll to where he would have been counting on that money. So we'll see where this goes. I'm sure we'll have an update next week, but maybe not even that much of one because I have a feeling it's just going to die out because it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to get anywhere. So this is a perfect segue because. I just talked about a sports betting figure that was not paid, supposedly, from Cantu to Greg Rich. And again, that's just a rumor. I don't know if it's true. but uh, I am going to very soon call out a bookie, a Las Vegas-based bookie, who stiffed me in 2016. And... I'm not going to say his name right now, but again, this is a name that's not going to mean anything to any of you. Unless, you know, maybe if you're from Vegas and you play the low limit, uh, you play in the low limit poker scene, you might know him. But other than that, you're not going to know him. So don't feel too deprived that you're not getting his name, because uh, it's not going to mean anything. But I'm going to tell you the story, and then I will reveal his name in the near future if he does not make this amount. Correct. Now, I think that if 10k euros plus the 5k euro penalty is a peanut, then what would this be called? Like like a carob seed? Because this is what he owes me currently is, is very small compared to that. But it's it's the principle of the matter and it's the way the whole thing went down that uh, that really pisses me off. So... I'm going, to t- I'm going to tell you guys what happened here. Um, there was a guy who was referred to me by another poker player. I'm not going to name the person who referred them. They're not involved in this. This is not their fault. They were almost a victim, too. They just happened to not be owed any money at the time that this guy went broke. So I'm not going to blame this person in any way. And they've tried to be helpful. So, again, it's not their fault. I'm convinced of that. But they were betting with a bookie in Vegas. And you may say, why would anyone need a bookie in Vegas? Because, of course, there's sports betting legalized there. Well, if you do sports betting, it's very important to have a large selection of lines. Because you can get a better price on games if you have multiple books in which to bet the games. They're not not all uniform. So if, if, for example, if you're betting on a baseball game, let's say you're betting on the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you, you look at the lines, and you see on, you have four books. You see plus 130, plus 130, plus 135, plus 140. 
why would you ever bet on any of them except for the plus 140? The only reason you could ever do that is if you used up every dollar they'll let you bet at the plus 140, and you still like the bet at plus 135 or maybe plus 130. But, but you'd always bet first on the one that has the best line. So the more books that you have, the, the, you know, the more likely you are to get a good line on each game. Because you, you can pick and choose which book you want to use for which line. And, and it's, so I, I thought this was great because there was this – so I was referred to this book, which I'll explain how it worked in a second, this bookie. So between him and Vo- Bovada, which I was using then, I would check both lines. And whichever one had the better line I would bet on. And often they were different. Now, usually this guy gave better lines than Bovada on baseball, which I was betting at the time. Because I, I was introduced to this guy, I believe, in May. And so I, I had two sets of lines to use. I even w- had the for the NBA. It was toward the, the end of the NBA playoffs, and I had I was able to bet uh, on those as well with with two sets of lines. So that's why I had it going. Did I know there was a risk? Yes, of course I did. Uh, but I felt it wasn't a big risk because it was a settle every week situation. And we've we've described these places before. And I, what I didn't admit at the time was that I actually used one of these places. I, I described them before saying I knew people who bet on these. No, I, I was one who did bet on these. And when I say these, I'm referring to what a lot of bookies have now is that they rent space on a sports betting service, a password-protected a password protected sports betting service where you can't even see anything other than mm-hmm. the front page uh, unless you have a password and username given to you by the bookie. But... Unlike sports betting sites such as Bovada, where they are holding the money and they're, you know, you're depositing with them and cashing out, these services don't deal with the money. They keep track of the money, but you don't ever deposit, you don't ever cash out through them. That stuff is done through the local bookie. But this is more of a record-keeping site and also the site that actually posts the lines up and where yeah, you place the bets. It's, quick, it's QuickBooks for bookies. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. So, so, so of course, they, they pay these sites, which tend to exist in places like Costa Rica. And these sites will kick off a bookie that is known to be a scammer you know, once they get reports of that. But other than that, they don't get involved. They're more just uh, providing the mechanism to place the bets and to keep records of who owes who, but they're not getting involved in the money. Yep. So, so you're trusting the bookie, not the, not the site. So I, I knew all this, but the agreement we had, and usually the way this is, is you have an agreement with a bookie to settle on a certain date. Typical, or a certain day of the week. Typically, the day of the week is Tuesday because it's right after Monday, which you know a lot of people bet on Monday Night Football. So they just, for the whole year, keep it on Tuesday. And if you owe the bookie money, you send him money. If he owes you money, he sends you money. And if it's fairly close to even, like a, let's say I owe him $50 or he owes me $50, typically you won't hassle with sending each other $50. You'll just say, okay, we'll just hold over the figure for next week. So that, that's how it works. And that's how we did it. And for a while, it worked perfectly that we... We do that. Sometimes I would lose, and I'd send him the money. Sometimes he'd win; he'd send me the money. And I do have a paper trail of it. I won't say how or how we did it, but there, I do have a paper trail that I can prove. And I figured, okay, in one week, I'm not betting giant sums of money. In one week, I'm not going to run up a huge total that he owes me. Nor is nor nor am I going to owe him a huge total. Of course, I'm not going to stiff him. But uh, I'm not risking that much. But yes, I'm aware at any point he can either just disappear and stiff me or he could get busted and not be able to pay me because of that. So I knew that, and I took that risk, and I said, look, there's a lot of good lines on here. And a lot of times they're different than Bovada's lines, so it's important to have this, especially in baseball where Bovada often had a – they had a bigger spread on the line. So 
they often had dime spreads on this site, so I could get you know plus one seventy four, plus one sixty four, minus one seventy four on one game, where Bovada would be uh, you know plus one fifty nine, minus one seventy four. They they have, they have a bigger spread along the game, or, or plus one fifty five, minus seventy four. So uh, there was a f- smaller spread there, which is g- good for the player, and sometimes Bovada was better, but usually this site was, and uh, so I liked having it. So it went fine for a while. Well, some of you may remember, if you have followed my baseball betting, which I talked about on this show, I went on a real hot streak in the middle of the baseball season. I'd say it was from probably early June through mid-July, where I was just hitting so many underdog plays. Yeah, plus 170, plus 160, plus 180, plus 140, plus 130. I, I think I won like like 10 out of 13 of those. Uh, or, or ten out of twelve, something like that, and then, and then even not in that ten out of twelve, I was still doing well. And these are underdogs. This is where, even if you split them, you go you go win half, lose half. You're doing very well because you're getting paid more than even money. So to be winning you know, ten out of twelve of them, you're, you're killing it. So I was on a very nice streak there. Well, unfortunately for this guy, who didn't have a very deep bankroll, apparently, this was a very bad thing for him. So, in July, he sent me money on July 12th. I verified it. He said he sent the figure. I said, thanks, because I verified it. He said, by the way, next week I'll be out of service on a rafting trip, so we'll have to roll any figure for two weeks. Uh, I won't have cell access. I gave you 1K more temporary credit that period in case you need it. Good luck at at the World Series. So, what he was referring to is that you have a certain amount of credit on there. See, I, I started out with credit immediately of where I can play with money I have not deposited or paid him yet. And then if I go down, I have to pay him at that point. So he's saying, I'll give you an, an extra thousand in credit because I'm going to be gone for an extra week. So next Tuesday, we're not going to f- settle whatever figure it is. I will be on a rafting trip, and, uh, and so, so I won't have any cell access. There's no way I can pay you. I said... Okay, when will you be leaving in case they start off badly? I was actually thinking, like, may, maybe I'll need more credit. So he said, should have cell reception until noon on Friday. I said, okay, well, I won't be betting until next uh, Major League Baseball game anyway. And then I also noticed he didn't give me the extra 1,000 credit. So I, three days later, I said, hi, I don't see the extra credit there. Well, still no answer. Eleven days passed, nothing. He hasn't come back. He hasn't uh, sent me any money. Uh, at this point, I'm owed twenty-three forty. He owes me two thousand three hundred forty dollars. I'm continuing to do well in the baseball betting. Okay, so we're here on July twenty-sixth, exactly two weeks after he sent me that message on July twelfth. Hasn't contacted me back. Hasn't answered me back. So I said, "Hi, are you back yet? Will the figure be sent today?" Didn't answer. I sent him two question marks, no answer. Next day, I t- texted him. I have to say I'm getting concerned. Please respond ASAP. I have seen that you are within cell reception now and have been f- and have been for several days. It is imperative we get this settled. I'm not the type who just goes away. I need contact ASAP. Now, I'm not going to tell you guys how I-, I knew he was in cell reception. But but I did. I, I was able to. I was able to see this. Okay. But uh, so I was able to see he was no longer with his phone off or, or with zero reception out somewhere rafting. 
I initially believed the rafting trip because I did a little research on him and he was a big time rafter. So this is one of these cases where it turned out somebody lied according to the truth, where they, they take a real thing about their life and modify it. So in this case, he wasn't going on a rafting trip, but he has in the past. That was a good excuse. Might be like me saying I'm going on a skiing trip when I'm really not. I, I do ski. I do go on skiing trips. I just, but if I want to avoid people, I can claim I'm going on one. It'll be believable. So that, that's what he did here. Why, why, why this rafting trip? Well, he owed me 2340 He realized he wasn't going to be able to pay. And he was hoping that in that next week that I would, uh, I would lose even more. I guess, he didn't, I, guess he wasn't, I guess it wasn't 2340 at that point. He owed me some money, realized he couldn't pay, and the only thing he could do is claim he's going on a trip and hoping that by the time he, quote, comes back, I will have lost it back and, and I will never have known. So he was free-rolling me. Because no matter what I won, he wasn't going to be able to pay either. He was just hoping I'd lose it back. And that was the only way to buy time. So that, uh, that, that was the beginning of the problems here. And, uh, and then it became very clear to me that I was being free-rolled. And I, I had to finally have it out with him. So let me get to the discussion we had. Uh, where is it here? Um, I should have had this up here. Okay, here we go. I found it. So I finally confronted him because I, I knew that... Uh, so he, he finally answered me. He answered me because I, I contacted the person who referred me to him. Who, who was very angry because the person who referred me to him had actually lost some to this guy in, in recent weeks and paid this guy promptly. So the guy who had, you know, had referred me sent him angry messages saying, look, I'm pissed for two reasons. Number one, uh, I referred you to someone and it looks like you're stiffing him. And number two, I've been paying you reliably while you've been free-rolling him. What the hell? Like, you know, here, I've been sending you money when I've been losing, and, and instead of paying my friend who you owe, you're just keeping it and stiffing him. That's really pissing me off, said this guy. So this pressured the, the, this bookie then to respond to me. So I get a response to him on July 28th, two days after I first asked what's going on. He says, and it's 16 days after he claims he's going on a BS rafting trip. He says, backer for book has left me hanging with a pile of figures owed. Have been trying to find another financer so I didn't have to scrap everything, but it hasn't happened. What I can realistically do, Todd, is 500 every first of the month until what you're owed is settled starting August 1st. Well, that wasn't good. Uh, first of all, I don't believe this backer crap. I, I think that he was his own backer, and it's, it's, they always love to ba- blame this like third party who they never will name. It's always just backer. Well, tell me who the backer is. I'll come after him. It's always quote backer who stiffs you, but they they can never tell you who that is. So he's basically saying the backer who, who is uh, I was writing the whole thing. The backer was paying. He just ran off. So now I can't pay you either. Sorry. So he was offering what he's going to do is on the first of the month, starting in a few days, August 1st, he's going to pay me 500 a month, and then uh, he'll keep doing that until my 2340 is, is paid off. Well, the reason I didn't like this is because it gives him too much time in between the first payment and the next payment. And knowing, being in these situations before, not with, with bookies, but knowing anyone who's owed me money, they'll usually make the first payment and then sometimes make the second and rarely make the third. So 
the more time you put between the first and second payment, the second and third payments, the more chances they're going to stiff you. You want If they have money at the moment to pay, you want to strike while the iron's hot. You want to get it immediately. You don't want to give them a month in between to, to, to lose it or to believe that enough time has passed and maybe you forgot and they can and, uh, not pay you. So I said this is very disappointing to hear, especially given that I placed two bets on Tuesday, which won, uh, when the usual payment wasn't coming, but I was told that it was, or, but I wasn't told that. Uh, meaning that I was being free-rolled. I could have placed those two elsewhere, referring to Bovada. But let's work from here. Yes, I'd like the 500 on August 1st, but that still leaves me out 1840 and having to wait until September 1st to get that next installment. In my experience in these situations, second installment never comes and person vanishes. Before we get going with that, I need to clearly understand what happened. What's the name of this backer? What agreement did you have with him? Not sure if you know, but I run a site called PokerFraudAlert.com, which has both a forum and radio show, which calls out things like this. As I'm sure you know, reputation is huge in this industry, so I need to be dealt with in good faith and have clear communication from this point forward, and thus we can handle it quietly. So... He says, I understand you're concerned about installment payments, but it would make little sense for me to work on paying it down and then not finish. The consequences are the same. I'm just out more money. So he's trying to say, why would I ever stiff you? Why would I ever pay 500 if I'm not going to pay at all? Well, that's what a lot of people do to buy time. So I said, I'm going to need a better payment plan than that once a month. I've been in the poker for 16 years. I've seen this exact situation occur countless times. Most times it's an initial payment, either due to optimism or to buy time, followed by a disappearance. So settle on the 500 on August 1st. So send the 500 on August 1st, then we'll have a, need a weekly payment, like 150 per week. This way, if I get stiffed, I know much sooner and can proceed accordingly. My friend is also very upset because he steered me to you, plus he lost uh, money to you and, and paid right on time. He says, if you make it harder for me to pay you, it's more likely payments will be missed. If you want to do weekly, I can send 150 on August 1st, and every time Tuesday after, will that work? So he's trying to cut down the first payment to 150 if I want it weekly. I'm saying, no way. Said no, can't do 150 to start. Listen, I'm a veteran with this type of stuff, newer to sports betting, but more, but been part of poker in the Vegas scene for a long time. One of the biggest fallacies is that the more cooperative and understanding a person gets, they get paid quicker. So that, what I'm saying here is that if you are easygoing with someone who owes you money, then they stiff you more. Then they they don't help you're, you. You're basically saying, like out of Goodfellas, fuck you, pay me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I said this appears to you. Your your rent's late. Fuck you, pay me. Exactly. Oh, you didn't have that many people come into the restaurant this week? Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. So I said, but this, this appears to be a recent issue, as you paid me 2500 ish on, on, uh, on, on July 12th. I'm trying to give you a chance to make this right and keeping this quiet. So that's his problem. He had to already pay me 2500 on July 12th, and then uh, two weeks later he owes me another 2340 So I was doing well here, as you can see. This wasn't, wasn't high limits. I was just winning at kind of medium limits and just you know, adding it up because I was just doing well. So he says, I said, I find it likely that I was free-rolled since July 12th, and that angers me, but what's done is done. If I see a good faith effort to pay, I will go away and forget all this once I'm paid off. But I can't take 150 per week off the bat when you offered 500, nor can I wait a month between payments. I've seen that too badly too many times in nearly identical situations. I'm an honest person, and I expect those I deal with to be honest with me. I've never stiffed anyone of a penny in my 16 years in poker. So I got back. Okay, I agree with you. I agree to your terms. So we were both agreed on 500 on August 1st and 150 a week. And I said yes. Now keep in mind, guess where I was having this conversation? Yeah, you'll never guess. I was sitting on a little secluded beach uh, on Lake Tahoe having this conversation. That's where I was. I was sitting there. I thought you were going to say you're on the shitter. No, no, that would be easy to guess. I, I was sitting on a little secluded beach where there's like, you know, there's all these 
little beaches you can climb down to in, the, in Lake Tahoe. It's a huge lake. See, that that actually sounds awful because it sounds like you're in a really nice place. Yes, that, yes. Sounds like a terrible conversation yes, to have. I didn't want to have it, but I was afraid. It, I'm like, I was so glad he finally answered me after two days and after owing me twenty three forty. I was afraid to just like say, hey, I'll, I'm I'm busy right now. Let me talk to you in a few hours. So I wanted to get this really nailed down. So so it was terrible that I was having to do that then. And then, you know, Benjamin's swimming in the Lake Tahoe there, and he's wanting me to come in, and I, I, I couldn't do it. I had to text with this idiot. So, but he agreed. So, uh, what do you think happened from that point? Do you think he paid on August 1st? I think he might. All right. <clears throat> if I had to guess, I'd say he would make, like, one payment, and then you're done. That is what I thought, too. I did get the 500 on August 1st. Shockingly, I started getting the 150s. Hmm. And sometimes he was late. Sometimes he had to you know, skip a week. But I was getting 150, 150, 150, 150. Eventually, it went. Then it got a little slower. Then we started missing a few weeks. But I got a few. A few more. On November 17th, I was down to only being owed 580. So he paid $1,760 out of the 2340. Only owing five eighty left. That, that couldn't be an insurmountable remainder at that point. And you think if you paid that much, I'm, I'm in great shape to get the rest. Because why? Why if you've paid that much and that percentage of the debt, why would you ever stiff the person at that point and basically still be left looking like the same scammer you would be if you stiffed him out of the whole twenty three forty? Nevertheless, that's what happened. Last hmm. thing I received was on November seventeenth, and he uh, he stopped answering me, and. Uh, he sent. He sent on November seventeenth, one hundred fifty cent, five eighty owned. I said, "Got it." He said, "KK." And then, for over a month, nothing from him. On New Year's Eve, I sent him, "Haven't got anything in a while?" Question marks. Doesn't respond. I said, "Please respond. We're so close here. Let's not have this go south." Hello. Nothing. Nothing for the next few days. Interrupt. It sounds like you're doing, you know, you're on the beach texting this guy. New Year's Eve, you're texting this guy. It sounds like he's, he's ruining your life. Yeah, so I, I said, so finally, after reading somebody else on this site, had a very similar experience with the bookie in his area. Not the same guy, not even the same city, but I responded with this. I said, you haven't paid me a dime since November 17th. I've been more than generous with the time allowed. I sent this today, by the way. Uh I was, I'm about to post an expose of the entire situation on my website as well as Twitter, Facebook, and do a segment about it on my radio show. Well, that's what we're doing right now. No one will ever trust you again. My site SEOs very well. I don't want to have to do this. You are $580 away. If you start resuming payments immediately, I will not do this. I'm also aware that you're playing poker locally in Vegas, so clearly you're not so broke to where you can't put 150 in my account every week until this is finally paid off, which would be four weeks. That's all. He's four weeks away with this. So... This is a joke. He he's, re- he's just an underachiever. <laughs> I mean, really, like four weeks, like just get it done. Especially, what was the point of paying this? Uh, the funny thing is he asked me, why would I ever pay you and then stiff you like that in the middle? Well, he did. <laughs> I was right. I, I'm surprised it happened this this late in the game that he got all the way through uh, $1,760 worth before stiffing me on the final five. I, I, yeah, I know. If he's going to stiff you, at least do it, you know, less than halfway through. Yes. So I think he really... I believed, actually don't even really respect him anymore. <laughs> I, I think he believed that he was going to get through this, and then it, things must have really gotten worse for him, and then he just uh, he just couldn't. Maybe he's overwhelmed by a lot of other debts to other people. I'm sure it's not just me. 
and and now he's just shutting down. Uh, apparently, he deactivated his Facebook. He was never a Facebook friend of mine, but I, I saw he had an account and was monitoring it. But that's gone now. But I do have other information on him. He is married, uh, and and he actually has children too. But uh, uh, the next thing I'm going to do, and I hate to have to do this, but I, I am going to be speaking with his wife. I'm going to reach her and ask her about this, and maybe she'll put pressure on him. And uh, you know, the truth is, if they're married, it's, it's going to hurt. It's her debt too. But that'd be a good conversation. Yeah. You should do it on air. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't feel like you know, if somebody's married and they're dodging me, of course I'm going to tell their wife about it if they don't want to pay me. I mean, of course I'll do that. I, I'm, so I. So you're going to break up their marriage? Yeah. Well, I I'm sure. She so knows. every week you're just ruining someone's life. <laughs> You got a you got a woman to quit and they'll probably lose her job at the restaurant. Now this guy's wife is going to leave him. It's a wake of destruction. You have to always turn it around to make me the bad guy. Here. <laughs> Look, I, I, I want to. I, I just want to get paid here. I, I and the, what pisses me off the most about this is how I was free rolled towards the end. He didn't just come to me at some point and say, "Hey, look." I can't take any more bets from you because I'm not going to be able to pay you. He he wanted me to keep betting so maybe I'd get back down to zero if I go on a, on a cold streak instead of a hot streak. Well, sorry to him, I end up getting I, I end up getting uh, some more wins, and then he's really over a barrel. So, uh, but how can you do this in the last 580? How can you not come up with 580? It's been three months. I can't come up with freaking 580 to put an end to this, even with me telling him. And I don't even know if the cell phone is still connected. I I, I haven't tried to call it today. I, I like I said, man, he's an underachiever. I mean, that's just that's just kind of sad. Yeah, how do you get? That's to like that? you run a marathon and you've got like two miles to go, and you're like, eh, yeah, I didn't want to do it anyway. Fuck it. Yeah, and, and of course, my girlfriend's aware of this. She's sitting on you know, Lake Tahoe texting this guy like crazy, and I wanted. To I'm sure she was thrilled. Well, I, I wanted her to understand why why I was doing. It. I didn't want her to think I'm like browsing poker fraud alert and fighting back and forth with uh, with Marty or something. Like I, I wanted, <laughs> I, wa- I wanted her to know why I was. Furiously someone kind of, is wrong on the internet. Yeah, I didn't want to say no. There's someone trolling me on Poker Fraud Alert. I've got to answer. <laughs> they don't answer. They're going to think that everyone's going to think that they're right. Like I, I, I wanted her to understand it wasn't that, and it was a, that I have to respond to this guy who's stiffing me out of money, or otherwise uh, he may have an excuse not to answer me again. So she understood that. But so when I got down, like with a figure got under a thousand dollars, I said, okay, I've got it here. He's going to pay the rest. There's no way he's going to have paid this much. And, and that now run off. It's just he's invested too much in paying me back at this point. Obviously, it meant something to him to pay me back because he knew I had the ability to to make his name public, and and, and it, that was important enough to him to to keep to his terms. So if he's going to go this far, but imagine going this far to five eighty and not paying. And I I thought maybe something. Maybe he's in jail. Maybe he's uh you know just not in Vegas anymore and and, and totally broke. No, he was. He, he I'm sure he was broke, but he was playing one three no limit. Uh, in local card rooms, so it's crazy. Now I, I hear that he has in the last month at least. Uh, I have not received any reports of him being seen. So I, I think maybe he may- maybe Mercier was taking him. <laughs> yeah, and maybe Mercier should go to Mercier for the loan. Yeah, maybe he should go to Mercier, or, or maybe Mark Regrich. That story is true. Maybe start betting with Mark Regrich. He'll uh, get the money back. I I don't know. Like uh, I I just want my five eighty back, and it's pissing me off that that he's. He got this far, and and that I was being free rolled. That's the freaking worst part of it. If I, I would be a little more forgiving, I'd still be pissed if he just ran really bad and all his clients just destroyed him in a short period of time. And he's like, "Wow, everyone got so lucky against me. I didn't expect I'd need this type of bankroll to cover it. Now I'm screwed, and I don't have any way to pay you guys. Sorry, I'm going to make an effort." Like that's at least a little bit understandable, but not not where he goes on a fake rafting trip for two weeks hoping I lose. 
And and what's sad about the fake rafting trip is, had he been honest about it, I would not have placed the, those last two bets. I remember I placed like five hundred dollars on a St. Louis Cardinals for, I think plus one sixty five with with uh, Carlos Martinez pitching in it one, and some other underdog bet for five hundred. So that day I won like a thousand three hundred or something. I think it was something like that. So th- th- that day alone is what moved me from like a thousand dollars being owed to twenty three forty being owed. So. If he had just told me, I would have placed these bets on Bovada at a little bit worse odds and won them, and then he would have owed me much less and I would have been paid off by now. That's just so annoying. Like it, was, I, it was by one day I missed this whole thing. So I, I wonder if he was like, like rail burning my bets. He's going, please lose. Please. Damn it, he's winning again. What the hell? <laughs> he's probably sitting there watching them like I am, with like hoping the other way. Like, please don't. No. Come on, Carlos Martinez. Give up a home run. No. It wins. Oh, shit. That probably did happen. Yeah, he's probably, damn it. We're on Tuesday now. I, I, my, my trip's supposed to be over. Oh. Oh. If, if this money is significant to him, which it obviously is, if he can't even pay you the 150 a month or a week, uh, he probably was sweating your bets. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably like, oh, my life's so bad. This guy's always on the radio claiming how bad he runs, and he, even he's beating me. Oh, it's never ending. He's, he's somehow winning these baseball underdogs. How? How? And the funny thing, if he just, if he just toughed it out a little bit longer, I, did, I didn't do as well. Like, kind of like after, after the, the situation ended with him, then I, my hot streak kind of ended too. So if he had just toughed it out a bit longer, he would have gotten some of the money back. But I, I, he couldn't tough it out. He didn't have the money to pay. And he was only able to stall one week. So, one extra week, that is. So, that's where it stands. Uh, I'm gonna well, look. I mean, you know, Druff, <laughs> a, a lot of the guys that become bookies, it's not like they're giving up their uh, career as a public accountant or anything like that. Like, I'm not, I'm not terribly shocked that he wasn't uh, incredibly... Uh, well covered, if, or as far as his bankroll is yeah, concerned. Yeah, and that's, and that's yeah. the problem. Is is he, apparently he was some kind of like low stakes poker player who was trying to, you know, lives in Vegas, trying to support his his family, right? And and and, and you know, he's not winning enough in poker, or maybe not winning at all. I, I don't know what his poker history was, but if he was killing it, this wouldn't have all happened. And he probably oh, it's hard to it's hard to make a living for a wife and kids playing one three. Yeah, I don't know I if mean. that's what he was playing the whole time. I just know that's what he's seen playing after. But but whatever it was, he, the, the the poker thing wasn't working out for this, and he didn't want to get a real job, so he went to do something that's illegal, where he can go and end up in jail, but uh, to, to to book sports bets, and which which you know with the vig you end up winning in the long run. But the problem with this, if you don't have a big enough client base, which you're usually not going to have, uh, it's not like on Bovada where they get enough action on each side where they're guaranteed to win. Here he's got to fade luck, and unfortunately for him, I was lucky during that period in baseball. And I don't know how many other clients he had, but obviously just the 5,000 or so I won from him in those few weeks was, was a very tough thing for him to take. And maybe he had some other people who got lucky. And and that was it. He wasn't, you know, the VIG doesn't matter if you're losing. And there's not action on both sides. So it's one of those things that, you know, even if, if it's uh, plus EV for you on paper, if you still lose, then you've still lost. So that's that's what was happening to him here. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of the people who get into this bookmaking are doing so out of desperation, and they're not covered well, and they are counting on no one getting hot against them. And then if people do and they can't cover it, then they just disappear. So that's the biggest risk you're, you're dealing with these bookies. And uh, the, the smaller client base they have, the more risk you have. And 
the only recourse you have other than putting out their name and, and trashing them online is, uh, is you can go to the police and, and uh, report them for, for illegal bookmaking, which, which in Nevada they especially take seriously because they're competing with the sports books there. And uh, I, I don't want to go that route yet, but I'm, yeah, I'm considering it, of course, because they're not going to arrest me for having placed these bets. They, they don't ever do that. They don't ever go after the, the victim of these. But this is a illegal sports booking and a scam, and I have a paper trail proving very conclusively that that's what we were doing. So, uh, by the way, I got him kicked off the that website that he was uh, using to take the bets. Well, having solved all of the uh, crime in Las Vegas, I'm sure they will. The police will get right on <laughs> taking up this uh, tracking down. Hey, look, this if, book. He li- if he listens to the show now, it's going to be now he's going to feel emboldened. He's go, oh, that Calwatt guy said <laughs> the Las Vegas police not going to care. So, but you know, I mean, I could be wrong, but they make you know what they they take the the, the illegal bookmaking and that, that's why they went after uh, Brian Mike on, on on the thing with the seals. That wasn't about sports, but uh, right. know, he was running an illegal poker site when they had. But legal, like, yeah, I mean that part of it is certainly true. But this guy sounds really small time. He is, but anyway, I hope this can be resolved. I, I just want him to know this. Is, I, there's nothing he could say to explain to me why he's not paying me five eighty in three months. There, there's no explanation I could take that would be. All right. Why that's so, so book, bookie dude, this is obviously your last warning. This is your last chance to pay me, yes. <laughs> this is your last warning. Yeah. Druff has brought it to light. He has not mentioned your name, but you know that's the next step. Yeah, you need you need to fork over the cash here. You need to fork it over and start making payments to me. Start the 150 again and, and uh, you know pay it for four weeks. You even get to a, a reduction of the fourth week and pay 130 and I'll be such a nice guy I'll let you pay 130 in the fourth week. That's, that's so ridiculous. That's a nice album. The guy is so close. It's so close. How do you get that far? How do you get to 1760 or 2340 and then stop? <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen I that before. I don't know. I've never seen I mean, he must really not have the money. I've never seen that before. With a, 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 I, I could understand like paying, uh, if, if we're talking about 170000 of 250000 I could understand. 80 k is still so much. Uh, it may be hard to come up with. But how do you only pay – how do you pay seventeen sixty out of 2340 how, how do you fall 580 short have, after having gone that far? It doesn't make any sense. I don't care how little you're making. Yeah. I – why isn't he putting in 50 a week or something to at least make me think it's going to get there? Well, you're probably the in, – in that case, you're probably not the only one who isn't getting paid. Oh, I'm sure I'm not. I'm sure there's – You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think probably a number of people ran hot at the same time, and, and he got screwed. So, But I'm sure I contributed a lot to it. I'm sure there was this uh, – I'm sure my, 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 <laughs> underdog, my underdog picking of, of baseball in the early summer was not a good thing for him. So – all right, I, and I, I am going to do this again this year. I was I was encouraged last year by my. Uh, and, and from, you're going to get screwed over again. No, I'm going to do it with a with Bovada or something. Ah, but okay. I'll, I'll say that I or maybe some other book. I haven't decided where. I have a little time, but the I, I like up until a certain point in the baseball season. I, I like these a lot of these underdogs because uh, based on certain factors, because I think they can be good value. I think once it gets too late in the season, they. These don't win very often, and I think at the beginning it's kind of a crapshoot. You kind of uh, um, it's sometimes hard to exactly it's hard to know what you're doing at the beginning. There's, there's so much in baseball that's kind of uh, hard to see what's going on in the first few weeks. But I do kind of, I do like those May, June, July uh, 
underdogs in certain circumstances. So I'll, I'll revisit it. Maybe I just got lucky, too. I mean, I know I got lucky to some degree. But like where I, I'll tell you where I got lucky on those, is that I didn't have many late-inning screw jobs. I had a lot where the team was like ahead 3-2 to two going into the ninth, and the, t- the other team loads the bases, and then I win anyway. Like, I had a lot of those where I was so much on the brink of getting screwed, and it just didn't happen. It, it was similar to my World Series run in the main event in 2010, where I was never, like, running hot and, and just destroying the table, but I was just never busting. Just to, I was never getting bad beat, never getting cooler, and I was just sticking around. So, it, it was kind of similar with baseball, right? I'd, I'd take these small leads in these underdog games, and they just wouldn't give up the lead, and I'd win. And sometimes be very close to giving up the lead, but it would, it would get, get out of it. So, it, it was rather than like good lucky things happening, it was like a lack of bad things happening. That's still run good, though. No, it is. It is. That's it. it yeah. Definitely is. That's why I said I said that about my my World Series thing in 2010. I said I was just because I was not sitting with a mountain of chips doesn't mean I wasn't lucky. I was lucky that bad things didn't happen to me, and when it was urgent for something good to happen, it did. So, I just couldn't get a run going. So anyway, uh, I want to talk about a. Hey, we picked someone up, didn't we? What's happening, guys? Yeah, we did. I, I, I meant to announce that, and then I, I forgot to say it. Uh, Trader Ruski, welcome to the show. Thank you. What's up, Trader Ruski? What's happening, Calwat? How are you? I don't know. I'm getting the, the NyQuil starting to kick in. You might have to tag in. Oh, that's okay. right. This, this, is a good yeah. excuse. this is a good excuse for Calwat to, to drop out now that there's <coughs> a, a substitute online. Not quite yet, but if it's a really boring topic... I'm probably going to pass. Uh, I, I, I better. I, okay, well, I, I think I know what fun it's going to be. It'll probably be the World Series and IRS topic. But, oh, but uh, and Giraffe, I mean, you're going to call. What are you going to say to the guy's wife? I think you're, you know. Well, no, I'm not going. I'm not going to say. Look, I'm not going to say I'm going to come down and break his legs and 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 torture you. I'm going to say. I'm going to say to her. Look, look, you know, this. I'll tell her honestly. The guy. He was bookmaking. He owes me money. I'm gonna, you know, I, I, I could go to the police about this. I, you know, it's gonna be very tough on their family. I, like, I, 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 I can make it clear to her that I'm not gonna just go away and give up, even though it's over 580, and that he he needs to pay up, and that I'm understanding that they're broke, but there's got to be they've got to make some payment plan to me, and that uh, it's it's not much money that they can they can do it. And sometimes just the fact that she even gets a call, she's like, uh, you know, just handle this, you know. <laughs> If he can just deal with and ignore my text messages, it's a lot easier than with his wife's getting calls. And and uh, you know, it's it's different than like like harassing someone's mother or, or sister or something where they don't they're not in their lives actively. But this is his wife who, and, and you know, everything that he owns is technically community property. So, I mean, there's there's tales all the time about people who get divorced and have to convince their new landlord that the all the terrible credit they have is their spouse's fault. And uh, there's all those type of stories. So these, uh, unfortunately, when you're married to someone, it really is for better, for worse. Uh, you know, at the same time, I'm not going to, you know, I won't go super hard line on her. I know she had no idea this is happening probably, but at the same time, she can probably place some pressure. And that's what I want. And if he's Jewish, maybe the kids have a bar mitzvah fund you can uh, <laughs> yeah. lean on. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 say, uh, hey, uh, can you get some... The kids aren't quite old enough yet. Could you get a grandparent to pay one of the kids in advance for the bar mitzvah? Well, I think yeah. I think if you do call his wife, I think it's going to go one of two ways. Uh, either it's going to piss him off to the point where he's just going to, if he was already inclined to screw you, he'll just be like, "Fuck that guy! I'm never paying him." You know. And the other way it could go is, you know, uh, it definitely could work the way that you're intending, where. He just does not want for five hundred dollars. He doesn't want to deal with this kind of yes. 
harass that's, me. That's what I'm hoping. And, you and, know? And what, what I've, I'll tell you this. I've given this advice to others, and I have to take my own advice. Otherwise, I'm a big hypocrite. I've said before that when you're dealing with someone who screwed you for a certain amount of money, the thing you first want to do, the natural thing you want to do is keep it quiet for fear you're going to piss them off and they're not going to pay. Okay? And that's what everybody feels they should do. Yep. Otherwise, they're, they're not going to get paid. But every one of these that I've seen in the poker world, the poker and gambling world, where somebody gets called out, I've never seen it once where it hurts their chances to get paid. It, it either ends up neutral where they weren't going to get paid, but, but, uh, the, but it was clear they were not going to get paid and they're still not getting paid, or they get paid. I've never seen it where it really looked like the person was about to pay them and then gets pissed about this and wasn't going to. The few times they've claimed that, uh, upon further examination, the person was totally broke and they weren't going to pay. So it's uh, so I've never seen it once of all these situations where the person is pissed either by being called out or by being repeatedly harassed to pay that that actually makes them say, you know what, I was going to pay you before, but now I'm not going to. And the reason it doesn't work that way is because they know they owe the money. And even for all the indignance they give and the, the, even for all the anger they project at you for bothering them, uh, they, they know deep down they owe you the money and, and what – is registering with them is oh crap this is stressful they don't enjoy it they're not sitting here going ha ha ha, ha I screwed right. them ha, ha 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 I got away with it they they don't think that they think oh my life is so shitty I wish this person would stop bothering me every text you send them they hate they they hate receiving this it's stressful like oh no a text message I met someone I owe oh it is oh I don't want to read this like that that's what happens when they get it uh, yeah they, and you make a good point with that Drew because if that was not true then collection agencies wouldn't exist yes. Yes, that's yeah. right. So that's the whole thing is that they, the people who owe the money don't enjoy owing the money and, and the more of a pain in the ass – whoever's more of a pain in the ass gets paid first. And that's actually benefited me. In many cases, I've been paid back by people who normally don't pay or haven't paid or screwed other people because they felt that I – one, would be persistent. Two, would, would call them out. And three, that uh, I, I had the platform to call them out because I was uh, – prominent on some kind of site where people were reading or listening to so that's so how, do, how does that feel that people are they want to pay to get you out of their life well, so. great I, if, it gets, <laughs> if it gets them to pay i'm thrilled about it actually that, it's, it's like i always think that about a lot of things i always think like you know if something in the poker or gambling world happens where i'm getting screwed in some way i go well, at least i could at least i have a platform to say something about it and a lot of times people or companies are aware of this even the world series is aware of this i know the world series doesn't enjoy when I when I put anything out here that's negative. I know this because I've had conversations about this before. Oh, and I know it too. So so you know that's so they are. They, now I'm, I'm not saying they're, they'll do whatever I say or they kiss my ass. So they don't. But but I'm saying at the same time they they don't want this show to put out negative things. So they and I and I've said to the world series. I've said before. Look, I'm I'm fair about everything, and I'll. I'll uh, I'll call out what is uh, what I feel is wrong, but if, if I feel you guys are being unfairly criticized, I will correct that as well, and I have. I have in the past when the World Series has been criticized unfairly or the Rio has been criticized unfairly. Uh, I have come out with a minority opinion that they're, incorrect, that they're correct, and I tell people why and, and why people should get off their back about certain things that aren't their fault. So... So I, I just you know I want to be fair to everybody and uh, but I like having I do like having the platform to be able to do it so that's that's good and I, so I'm I'm happy I have it because scammers love secrets scammers love where you can't tell anyone that will matter that will know about it so you can complain to your your family and friends but they don't care they this is one good thing with social media with podcasts with uh, forums this gives you a voice and. The, the more presence you have on these things, the more 
the louder of a voice you have, which is important. And you're going to get the PFA army after him, yep. right? <laughs> so, so, okay. So, were you going to say something, Trader Risk? I heard the, like you, no, 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 that's right. Squeaky wheel gets gets the grease. Yeah. That's definitely why the saying is there. Yep. Okay, so I, I want to talk about uh, something else here. And by the way, one other thing I want to mention. If, if you have a bookie that seems to be very dangerous or part of organized crime, then, then it's probably a better idea to just eat it. Because, <laughs> yeah, and I, don't, and, 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 don't fuck with them for 580 Yeah, there are some people who are like that. I determined that this guy is not like that, so that's why I'm, I'm willing to do this. If uh, And I, I did some research into this before deciding how, how much pressure to put. And if, if he was just a regular guy in Vegas, I was going to put pressure. If there is a, if he really was part of some organized crime syndicate or someone who seemed like he would uh, uh, easily commit acts of violence over this and, and had that type of history, uh, then, I mean, you're always taking that chance when you, you harass someone that, that this can happen, but there's people who are much more likely to do it than others. And uh, so I determined this maybe, is... Maybe stop using the term harass. Yeah, well, I mean, harassing in a justified way, as I should say. So start saying, you know, uh, reminding. Yeah, reminding. <laughs> reminding is probably yeah. a better so, word. So if, if I've determined that the person is... Uh, in need of a reminder. Yeah, then, then I do it. So if, if you're dealing with a bookie who seems like he's someone who who, who is very scary and it, it would, would bring some harm to you over some relatively small amount of money, then you probably should just have to eat it and back off if in case, unless you really are taking a... Yeah, if big he's race. named after a city, probably don't fuck with it's like, him. It's like that Big Charlie character I did on here. If, big, you know, if big Charlie owes you money, you probably just let it go. Yeah, let it go. So, anyway. Uh, at the WPT, a historic thing happened, sort of. Uh, I'm surprised, I was surprised when I heard this is the first time, because you don't get many firsts in poker in 2017. Pretty much anything that... Uh, that has been pretty much anything that uh, has happened in poker or can happen in poker has by now with only a few exceptions. But the WPT has its first ever female open title champion in a major event, which I'm surprised. I would have thought I did. See, I don't keep that much track of these tournaments like the WPT, so I don't remember who won what. You know, if someone asked, uh, do you think uh, Vanessa Sells won a WPT title? I'd say, oh, yeah, I bet she did. But no, she didn't. Like, uh, no one, the WPT has not had any female pros win any major open events. And even though uh, Kathy Liebert has the most caches as a female in WPT history, she had never won a major open event. And uh, and they never had their name etched into the Championship Cup. None of that. It was all men. So finally, it has happened. Finally, a, a female has won. I have not heard of her either. Her name is Ima Zajmovic. And she's, she's pretty good looking, too. She's It's hard to tell how old she is. I, I guess early 30s from the picture. But So I, I, I Googled her. Of course, and was flipping through the pictures. So there's a lot of variants. A lot of variants. Okay. Well, um, and but I mean, to me, and, and tell me what you think. I mean, she kind of looked like uh, she could be like a, a Bond villain chick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a. She even has the name for that. You know, yeah, like a, you know, kind of a Slavic. Yeah. Bond villain chick because she's where she's you know. Oh, she's yeah. not. She's not hot like the blonde, like the the Bond girls are, but she's. You know, okay, I, I see what ugly? you're talking about. Okay, I see what you're talking. So I'm, I, I see the variants you're talking about. I, I can, oh yeah, there's some serious so variants. I, I can already tell you what it is. Now I'll tell you the picture that was posted about uh, posted of her uh, poker fraud alert is actually her holding up the championship belt, which looks just like a wrestling belt. 
Yeah, there she didn't look so bad. Yeah, there she looks pretty good. Uh, not like a super hot chick, but definitely poker pretty. Definitely, you know, fairly attractive girl. And, a, a, a Bond villain. Yeah, and and uh, but and there she's obviously not you know heavily made up or anything. She just won an event. And if anything, you think she looks worse than normal because she went through uh, uh, the stress of playing a poker event. Even if you win it, there's a lot of stress to it. So, but if you Google her, there's a, there are a lot of different pictures of her where there is a lot of variance. But I think I've already figured out where the variance is. Uh, Makeup. <laughs> I don't even think it's that. I think it's the angle, and it has to do with her hair too. See, so she has kind of a big nose, not a huge nose, but kind of a big nose. So. Girls who have kind of a big nose, depending on the angle, if she's at the angle where it looks the biggest, then she looks the worst. If it's at an angle where it looks the smallest, then she looks better. See, uh, and, If you and, just Google her name, the second picture of her is, is just not, yeah, not, the one, not the one good like, at like, all. And like the jacket? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. that's what I was going to say next. She's also a girl who needs the long hair to look good. So when she's in a jacket with a hood like this one you're talking about, or other ones where her hair's pulled way back, she doesn't look as yeah. good because she's she's missing the ha- you don't see, either don't see the hair or the hair is pulled back and can't see it. And then if she's at an angle where her nose looks big, then that you got that going on too. Where she looks on the, the- on the plus side though, I don't see any pointy elbows. Right, there's no pointy elbows. That's true, yeah. or, or long bony fingers. That's not there either. But yeah, she, so if she. So some of these other pictures of her, including some candid ones that aren't posed and they just kind of just snapped, uh, she, she looks very cute because her hair is long and down and, and it's at an angle where her nose doesn't look as big. So the truth is she's got the size of a nose where at a bad angle it looks bigger than it really is. At a good angle it looks smaller than it really is. And if her hair is down, that also just kind of reshapes her face and her face looks better. So overall she's not like really hot, but she's, uh, she's decent looking, I'd say, overall. She'll make a lot of sponsorship money. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe. 2017 maybe not, but she's got a shot. Yeah, she does. She's good looking enough to make sponsorship money. Yeah. And uh, as I said, she's not someone who's going to walk by you, uh, you know, in the casino. If, like if you're walking by in the casino, you're not going to turn around and go, whoa, look at her. Like, you're not going to think that. But you're, you're also not going to say, oh, this girl's ugly. Or, oh, you know, like if she sits down at your poker table, you're not going to think this girl's ugly or whatever. Like you're not going to think that. You probably think somewhere between like average and cute, depending on. I, don't know. I mean, there are, there are a couple of shots of her where it, I, I, it looks like she could be giving an angry hand job in some you know yeah. Slavic massage she, bar. There, there are some like hard European look pictures. I see that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> anyway, she she's apparently she either ran well or is good in poker. I don't know much about her, so I'm not going to make judgments about her play. But she did well enough in this event. Played well, well, why not? We're already making judgments about her looks. <laughs> well, but I don't know. I, why, I, why stop there? Well, listen, I'm going to look her up. I'm Fuck her, it. I'm going to look her up on the handed mob. Fine. Fine. I'll look her up on the handed mob. If the, if the handed mob paid their bill this month, you never know with... Uh, oh, right. I remember. With, with, with the GPDL in charge now, it's it's it's, yeah. it's, a, it's gambling, gambling to see if it'll even be up. But, okay, so she's from, she's from Canada, by the way. She's from Quebec. And she is... This is weird. She goes back to 2011, but only recently has won a lot of money. So she, in 2011, she cashed for fifteen fifty six dollars Then she, and she lives in some other, like she played in Barcelona and some other places. So I don't know if she even lived in Canada then. But she, she really didn't do much. It, between 2011, which her first cash, and the end of 2015, she had cashed a grand total of about $7,000 of all those years combined. So that's not uh, – and, and, and in case you think maybe she's entering like $100 buy-in events. No, she was like entering uh, €2,100 events in 2012, for example. So cashing 7000 she must be way down at that point. Uh, so her, then she cashed small at the PCA in 2016 in January. 
the, then she did min cash in the main event of the World Series in 2016, 929th for 15K, but that meant she only made 5,000. But then she broke through in the last few months. November 11th in Montreal, she won $76,000 U.S. And uh, in the uh, main event at the PartyPoker.net uh, WPT Montreal. And then she just won this one. That was fifth place. She got first place here for 183,789 U.S. dollars. I guess she got. I think she got less. I think she, she made some deal because it's a, what it says here. When it says the article are two different things. I think she got like two hundred two thousand Canadian. Let me see again here. She must have made a deal. Says so she took down. Oh no, two sixty one thousand. That's weird. So I don't know what it was. Maybe it's officially two sixty one thousand. She made a deal for less. I don't know. Whatever it is, it shows she made two forty one thousand Canadian. But it, it translates to roughly you know, high one hundreds, maybe two hundred, you know, low two hundred thousands uh, in U.S. dollars in winning this one. But she was the first female to win a major WPT Open event. This yeah, was, good for her. This was a thirty five hundred euro buy-in, so, or, or sorry, thirty five hundred Canadian dollar buy-in. So it translates to two thousand something buy-in. Uh, so, about- Drep, you know how you see uh, the good-looking celebrities. Yeah, and then you see like their mugshot photos where they're you know they were out drinking and got into a car accident or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, they never look good. Yeah, she kind of looks like the uh, Liv Boris mugshot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. But okay, well, anyway, it looks like unless she's running hot here, winning two tournaments doesn't mean much. But she did win uh, you know, fifth place in a in a. In a Thirty-eight fifty Canadian dollar buy-in tournament in November, and uh, this first place in the thirty-five hundred Canadian in uh, February. So, and she and she cashed in the main event in, in July. So, I, I have a feeling she's pretty good. I have a feeling that she could be doing more. I don't know what suddenly caught fire. I wonder if like so. What was going on for those five years from August two thousand eleven to almost July of two thousand sixteen? Was she just entering a lot of tournaments, losing, 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 or was she just entering sporadically and then finally? Then maybe cashed in the main event and decided to enter more. I don't know. It's kind of a weird history here to go five years and cash so little, and then then start hitting things. Usually you have like a lot of small caches in that time, but this is it's kind of like really spread out. So I don't know what to say. Maybe she's a cash player. I don't know. But uh, that is the story. What she said was honestly, I'm really happy that I proved women can do it. The funniest and nicest part of this experience was all the women who came and were so supportive of me. It was amazing. When I started playing poker, there was so much competition between girls. It was hard to be good and be supportive of each other. Now it's evolved so much. It's nice to see I had support from older women, younger women. So I, I, th- I think she's trying to say that every, all the women were catty and jealous of each other before. And that now it's uh, now they've kind of calmed down, maybe because the sponsorship money's dried up. So, uh, and it's interesting she said she got support from older women and younger women. I wonder if before she had experiences like the older women were, were nasty towards her because she was a younger woman. There's, o- there's always that going on. Like I, I've known younger women who've like had an awful time at work with the older women who are jealous of them for, for being pretty or fairly pretty. And the older women like know they don't have that anymore and they, they're just really bitchy towards them. That's like the one advantage they get to have. Mm-hmm. So... So, Drew, let me ask you a question. So, see if you could transport yourself, and you're a hot chick. Huh? Okay. Would you do something like uh, be a royal flush girl? You know, like parade around, 
well, show your tits, do all that stuff? Well, okay, it, so it depends. Uh, now, would I would I jump on all these sponsorships if I was a female poker player? Yes, I take everything, anything except for no, 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 not sponsorship. I'm talking about you know your your job is like a royal well, flush. Okay, so I was going to say that here. If I if if I was not a winning poker player and I and I had this is the only way I had to make money other than having a real job, and if it paid fairly well. And provided it wasn't too degrading, then I would. Like if I if if I had to do anything too degrading or show too much skin, and it, it's still hard to picture from you know, I've, I've never been a hot chick and never will be, so it's it's hard to picture. Well, one can hope. Yeah, no, it's too late. Even if, even if I wanted to be at this point, I couldn't be. Like I, if I decided tomorrow I'm going to be a transsexual and I'm going to do everything I can to be a hot chick, it would not be possible. Like I couldn't be. Yeah. And in fact, for several reasons, one of my big problems, I, I'd be too tall. My feet would be too big. Like there'd be a lot of things just that right right off the bat I, that would be working against me very hard. In, in, uh, it's okay, Drew. There's and, a fetish out there for everything. And, and I'm t- <laughs> and I'm too and I'm too old also. Like it's uh, yeah. it, it's a lot, a lot of be working against me here if I wanted to try to be a hot chick at this point. Because but, I mean, honestly, you know, it seems like real easy money. It is. That's you know. Oh, oh, all I have to do is wake up, be here on time, and look good. Sign me up. Yeah, so, you know? so I, that's why I, I don't hold it against the girls who do this. I, it's it's fine if they want to make. It's like a modeling job, you know. It's as long as you're not. Uh, it's a difference between having to do things that are, are degrading. But if you're if it's just a modeling type job, which this is, uh, then well, I'm not talking about two girls one cop or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm like talking w, about a WPT girl. Sure, like that's that's that's, yeah. that's, that's not a big deal. That's uh, and you know it's. It, the, the the women who criticize the women that do, that do this the, that say they're degrading themselves they're setting back women no they're not they're just jealous because they usually the women criticizing the women who do this are the ones who couldn't do it because they're not they're either too old or not attractive enough to do it so uh, a lot of those women who would criticize it are the ones that couldn't get these jobs if they wanted them and that's why they they would resent that but you know I I don't ever resent anyone for being able to get certain jobs based on their looks or their gender or their age or whatever I, I realize that. There's a certain market and certain advantages one can get based upon some kind of natural situation that someone has lucked into or is into at the moment, uh, and, and that's uh, that's the way it is. And I can't expect I'll get the same thing. I've never. I've now never, here's the real test, though. You have a daughter. You you uh-oh. let's say you end up having another kid. You've got Benjamin's got a sister. We'll call her Lucinda. Okay. <laughs> so let's say Lucinda turns eighteen. And she gets a job, you know, being a royal flush girl, bopping around in a swimsuit. Well, I'll tell you why I wouldn't like that. If it was me, I know I could control myself and not get in with the wrong crowd and not do things that, that would be detrimental or unhealthy for my life. Like, I would be afraid that an 18-year-old girl would lack that type of responsibility. That's why, If I knew for sure, if God himself came down and said, if, you, if she gets this job, all it's going to be is some dudes are going to stare at her, but there's, she's not going to do anything... Uh, that's inappropriate or, or, or get into a lifestyle that's unhealthy or make this uh, a life career and, and, and just decide to not go to college or try to have any kind of serious career, then, then I would say okay. But the problem is that there's, there's too many issues that can happen of, of a daughter doing this. They could, uh, they, they could end up uh, you know, deciding, screw this, I'm not going to get an education, this, I'm just going to model for my life. And then even if they're successful for some, for some time, then they get to 30 and those dry, start to dry up. Uh, then you know, you get into drugs, you get into a lot of things here. So uh, that I, I would be afraid that would lead to a lifestyle I would not want my daughter being into. Whereas for myself, if I were the hot chick, then I could say, okay, I know I can control myself. I know what I, I know myself of what I will do. And uh, 
So there's a lot of times a difference for what you want would do for yourself and what you would want your kid doing. Uh, I, I would even say that, that people have asked me before a more realistic question, and that is, how would you feel if Benjamin, when he's 21, says he wants to be a professional poker player? And and I would say that I'd, I'd actually prefer he didn't. Yeah, I would try and talk my kid out of it. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm saying here, because I I don't know if if he and it's impossible to tell right now when he's six, uh, but I, I don't know if he would have the right temperament for it, the right responsibility for it, the uh, and also I, I don't like I would want him to have some kind of fallback in case it didn't work out or, or you know not uh, already base his life on this at 21. It's not like you start doing this when you're older. Uh, to, to base your life at 21 and not have anything to fall back on, that's what gets a lot of these people in the situations they're in is where they feel like they can't go back and get a job in something else. They've, uh, they, they, it's either play poker or get a minimum wage job. and they, So they, they do whatever they can to stay in action. And I wouldn't want to send him down that path. So th- that's why a lot of times I, I will... Uh, you know, he's just starting to understand, too, about, <laughs> about the, the whole poker. Well, the, the reason why I would talk him out of it is, you know, there, there definitely are... People like yourself and a lot of other people that can do well at it, but it is it is hard to do well at it, um, and it's also hard to not fall into a lot of the bad shit that we yes. talk about here all the time. Yes, yeah. You know? And he's just starting to understand, by the way, some things about uh, like you know he says, you know, when you won your bracelet, you got a whole lot of money or things like yeah. You know, or when you go to the, when you go to the Rio this year, are you going to try to get a whole lot of money and win another bracelet? So he's he's already seeing the the correlation here, and. So, yeah, I don't want him to believe. I try to keep that talk of money away from it, and I try not to. I try to tell. Well, sometimes it happens. Sometimes you don't win money. Sometimes you lose money. Right. So I try to. I try to become aware of the negatives. Now, not not that he can go gamble right now, but. Uh, um, yeah, yeah I, like I don't have a, a a moral problem with it. It's more just you know when you got kids, you want to have uh, an easy life for them, yes. and you know being in the industry that it's it's not always an easy life. Yeah, no, I've seen yeah. a lot of people who've just uh, really gone down a, a shame spiral here in their life because of getting involved in poker and then and then things related to it that uh, they just were unable to handle it. And I yeah, I know. I mean, I know a guy. I literally this week uh, a guy who. Uh, it's got a mutual friend, a friend of mine. He went to the Navy with this guy, and he was a you know po- pro poker player doing whatever. He, he blew his brains out. He's killed wow. himself wow. because he owed a bunch of people money, and he got in way over his head. And you know, well, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's that's really bad. So yeah, I've I've said, and we've seen you know, poker players that have uh, just have died as a result of drug abuse. I've known a few personally that have. Uh, I was actually just thinking because of this story with that bookie who owed me money. I thought, who in poker or gambling that I've known has still owes me money? And there's only a few people I can think of. One of them I'll never get it from because it's a guy who named Scott Dove who developed a bad drug problem and is now dead and has been dead for a number of years. So uh, that's one. He owed me $1,000. I'll never get that money back. Yeah, and it's not to say, again, that I, I think poker is bad or gambling is bad or, or anything like that. Um, and there are definitely are people that can be in that lifestyle their whole life and do extremely well, but it's hard to do. Like it is hard to be one of those outliers that resists all of the various vices that are associated. You know? Yeah, it really is. And sometimes people you expect would not. Sometimes people who seem very responsible that you expect would not fall into that trap. Do you realize you find out they're broke? You find out they ended up with a sports betting or a pit gambling problem. You go, how did this happen? I don't expect this person to have that problem, but you, you never know. And uh, it, it really is a, a 
minority of those that can, over the long term, yeah, uh, succeed this way. So, and you you run into scumbags in all facets of life. So don't get me wrong. I mean, I've known plenty of people in uh, a suit and a tie that are some of the biggest assholes and thieves that I've ever met in my life. Right. Um, I'm just saying that there's as a father. You want things to be as easy for your kids as possible, you know? Yes. And from that perspective, being a pro poker player is hard to do. I would also steer my kids away from being like a, you know, an English lit major. Yeah. <laughs> Just because, like, I don't know what the hell they're going to do with it. Yeah. Well, what, you know? so how would you answer this question about your kids? How would you deal with, like, if you had a daughter? Do you have a daughter? I don't know if you have. You, no, I don't. Okay. I, I know don't. you had kids, but I don't know if you had to. Daughter, okay. If you did, would you would you want her becoming like a WPT girl at eighteen or twenty one or no? Uh, I, I think my my answer would probably be about where yours is. You know, I would I would want to be protective and not have her fall victim to any kind of bad stuff that's in there. If I really thought that she had her head on her shoulders, like okay, you know, go ahead. Yeah. Because at some point you have to let them live their own life as no, well, I know. right? I know it's it, yeah. there is a balance where the if you get too protective, then number one, they may want to rebel, and number two, they won't be ready for dealing with problems on their own. That you, you sometimes uh, sometimes it's better that they have some failures, so they they can learn to deal with them, and that they don't always expect their parents to bail them out of everything. But oh, absolutely. I mean, I always say I've never learned anything from someone telling me good job. You know, you have to screw things up uh, in order to learn. Sometimes, yes, yes, that's definitely true. So. Anyway, uh, congratulations to uh, this uh, Ema Zajmovic, and she. You know, I know the Player of the Year is early here, but she's actually uh, fourth place right now in the WPT Player of the Year standings for for both genders. So that's uh, that's pretty good. So all right, uh, moving on here is one of our few times we ever cop- cover a poker tournament win, where there isn't some kind of side story to it. No, just wait. There might be. Yeah, they're right. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Bovada claim, or sorry, Bodog. He's a same Bovada. Bodog claims that they have sold their poker operations to you know they they sold the U.S. based poker operations. They, they said to Ignition Casino, which is very likely them, but they claim they sold it. But they were openly saying that other than the U.S. market, which Ignition serves, that. Everybody playing on Bodog.com is still the same site. So the non-U.S. players were still playing on Bodog. Well, not anymore in poker. Now they have sold their poker business completely. A statement from Bodog says, After a small hiatus, Bodog is is ready to start making waves in online poker once again. Bodog recently sold their network to a Hong Kong-based consortium called Pei Wang Lo. <laughs> Pei Wang Lo. That's Pei, P-A-Y, W-A-I-N-G, Lo, L-U-O. This almost sounds like a joke. <laughs> Pei Wang Lo. Uh, but we'll, with recent opportunities opening up in the Latin American region, have decided to take the plunge in the region using the software that made Bodog famous in the poker industry for encouraging recreational players rather than sharks. This practice is now the norm in the poker industry, probably referring to Amaya. So, uh, so they're they're ba- they're basically saying here that 
Pei Wang Lo bought the poker operation, but they decided that uh, they're going to use the Bodog software. It's very convenient. It's, it's totally not them, but they're going to use the same software and, and uh, totally operate the same way. But it's not them, everybody. It's just it's, it's Pei Wang Lo. And they're going to have the same business practices, but it's totally not them. It's, it's Pei Wang Lo. Well, it probably is, right? But it's probably just a shell company. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm just I'm being sarcastic with that. But yeah, that's it's, it totally is them, probably. But they so they say uh, Bodog's extension into the Latin America market will see the brand also offer sports betting and casino, as well as being the first and only company to offer a full suite of payment methods, including Bitcoin, for both deposit and withdrawal. Ed. Ponal, a spokesman for the Bodog brand, commented, The Latin American region has long been seen as a growth area for the online gaming industry, but we felt leading with poker was the best point of entry as we've made such a strong name for ourselves in this area. So this is what's so ridiculous. Bodog says, okay, we sold our poker operations to Pei Wang Lo, but, but coincidentally, they're going to expand in Latin America at the exact same time as our other products, sports and casino, are going to expand in Latin America. <laughs> so I think you can read between the lines and see what's happening here. That uh, Pei Wang Lo for an independent company seems very tied in with Bodog still. Uh, so unlike what we reported last week, it turned out that they're not going to expand today, especially February 15th. They're not going to just drop into the Latin American market in mass today that they're actually just starting with Mexico and Brazil. And also it was said that poker would not be offered in Mexico. It actually is. So they're going to play, be able to have everything available in Mexico and Brazil on Bodog starting today, but supposedly even, even started early, a few days ago, I guess it was available too. But Mexico and Brazil are going to be like the test markets. And if this works out, which it probably will, then they will start expanding into those other Latin American markets that they had mentioned before. So, as I mentioned last week, this will probably help the games on the Ignition Poker Room. So you're going to have new players from markets where they weren't there before. And I think that will be a good thing for the Bodog Poker Network, which includes Ignition. And very little information is available about Pei Wang Lo. It's a Hong Kong-based consortium, supposedly. But I, I think it is like some kind of subsidiary. Let's see. I'm gonna. I hadn't googled yet. I'm gonna Google Peg Wang Lo. Let's see if I see much. Um, from any time before recently, and I'm so far I'm not seeing it. Everything's like story about Pei Wang, all about Bodog, Bodog. Like everything's like. Well, I mean, the problem you're gonna have is if they if they really are a Hong Kong based company, when you're searching on the Pinying. Uh, you're probably not going to find a whole lot. You know, you're going to need to get their the actual uh, Chinese characters and search yeah, on that. That's true. Okay. Anyway, I'm not seeing anything other than like seven days ago up there. But yeah, as you said, that doesn't mean anything for sure. But I, I think it's them, much like I think Ignition is them. And there's even some evidence people found when the Ignition sale was announced that uh, they had already registered Ignition Casino before that, and it was this, you know, was, the site was this, some preliminary site design was done by the same people. There's a lot that was really pointing that it was it was Bodog, and even calling up Ignition, it's the exact same phone system. Way too much seems to be similar beyond just selling it. So, uh, I think that uh, this is again some sort of weird thing where they're 
distancing themselves from part of the product for maybe some sort of legal reasons. Bo- Bodog has always been very good with playing the game as far as uh, not getting in trouble. Yeah, it, it, it certainly could be part of the reason, but there are other reasons to do it too, like uh, Google, for instance. Um, it's the the alphabet company is the one that actually owns them now. You know, they restructured things in that manner. And who knows, maybe there are tax advantages or, or some other reason for yeah. them doing it. There's always reasons. Yeah. So whatever it is, uh, pay Wang Lo supposedly owns Bodog. It's not going to matter. The, the sales not going to matter. I'm sure the policies are going to be the same. It, it's not like when Amaya bought poker stars that you immediately saw things that were different. Uh, this, this is something where I think it's going to be the same old Bodog that you've been used to. Yeah, and it's just the technical owner Pei Wang Lo. Who cares? It's not going to matter. So yeah, I think you're right. And, and I'll tell you, Ignition and Bodog have operated in a very similar fashion. The only thing that's a little different is that Ignition's a lot more hardline than Bodog was about playing from banned states like Nevada. And I think that's just because that's part of the reason it was sold. It's because of uh, of, of that whole situation. So uh, these these are they always do these things for a reason. And I will say, since Bodog came into existence they've been very good at dodging being busted or having money seized or anything like that they've been and with the few things that have happened they've bounced back very well so and they're very good at payment processing so this this is just more of maneuvers on their part to stay ahead of the curve with bustings or bustings or tax problems or jurisdiction problems or anything else with uh, with providing these Illegal or semi-illegal gambling services, but I, yeah, I think you're—I think you're probably right. I know. With that, I'm going to have to maneuver myself in the bed before I pass out okay, in this so, chair. So you got, you got ahead of the of the IRS topic. Very good. Okay. Oh, perfect. I'm going to listen to that as I go and, to sleep. And go to sleep. Perfect. That's like a second Nyquil. <laughs> uh, that's, that's like Nyquil number two. Is talking about the IRS. Oh, sweet. this is going to be perfect. Yeah, perfect. You, you don't get the, you don't miss the Cantu topic. You miss the the IRS topic. It's great. Well, Nothing I can do about the time zones, man. I know. So, okay, thank you for joining us, and uh, you know, feel better. I know how it's tough to do these things when you're sick. I've I've, yeah. sk- I've skipped shows myself when I'm sick, and uh, I hope you'll be better next week. You have eight days to recover because we're not going to be on till the 23rd. If I'm not ready, if I'm not feeling better in eight days, I've got bigger problems. Yeah. Well, so these colds can <laughs> these colds can last sometimes. It's not even that's not, a long time. I've I've had I had one last year that was like that. So. Well, good, good luck to you with that, and uh, we will talk to you later. You can are you going to hang up? Or are you going to hang on the line? We're going to do. No, I'll, I'll knock off because I'm going to go okay. upstairs. Gonna All right, a, thanks, guys. See you later, Trader Ruski. Okay, Kyle, I feel better. Okay, thanks, Trader Ruski. You're now you're now the guy here. You're now the uh, the co-host. You've got to got to participate more at least until you knock out. Have you have you had your tea yet? No, not yet. So we're we're good for another hour. This has been the pattern recently is that I have Calwat is he's here just about every week. So he's the, he's the you know, he's here as the main co-host and then you're here for you kind of come in the middle. You're kind of here in the background and then he drops off and you become the main co-host. And then at some point you just disappear and it's just me. That's been the pattern on the show. So, okay. And I'm not criticizing anyone for disappearing. I I understand this is late at night. I understand uh, these two uh, gentlemen have their own businesses and they they work hard at it and they uh, they have to be up. So they, I'm, I'm glad whatever time I can get from them from their uh, participation in the show. So I want to talk about the IRS and the World Series and the little uh, disagreement they have and where this stands at the moment. 
And if, I know we have some foreign listeners. I know if some of the foreign listeners come and play the World Series, some of them have come up and said hello to me at the World Series. So I especially know you guys exist. So th- this is what's going on. Uh, if you're an American, you're pro- you may be unaware of this situation at the World Series if you've played there. If you're an American, you, you go play the World Series. If you cash, no matter how big, uh, you get paid in full. They don't withhold a penny from your winnings. But what they do issue you is a W-2G form, which states what they paid you, and they send it to the IRS, and then the IRS expects you that upcoming April to pay them the taxes you owe. And same with your state taxes if you owe any from your state. So it's up to you, and if you, if you, you, know, if you don't pay your taxes come April, then you have to face whatever consequences there are. And of course, the IRS knows you've won the money because the, the World Series informs them. So that's how it works for Americans. And so there's no withholding. There's never any withholding. You get the money in full. When I won my bracelet in 2005, I got 347000 and some odd dollars. They gave it to me in full. In fact, I could have taken the whole thing in cash. I took about half in cash, by the way. But I could, I could have taken the whole thing if I wanted. And they would have handed me all that cash and not taken a penny out. But if you're not from the U.S., even if you're from Canada or a nearby country, then there is the foreign tax situation. And that is that because the U.S. considers gambling winnings taxable, that they don't like the fact that foreigners can win and then just leave and never pay taxes. They know Americans have to pay taxes because they've got the IRS on their back. The IRS can even throw them in jail for not paying taxes. But a foreigner can go back to their country and the IRS cannot touch them. So what the IRS demands is that over a certain amount of money for foreign players that they withhold 30%, which is pretty steep. (laughs) And uh, there are some countries that have what are known as tax treaties with the United States. And that is a country where the U.S. has a good relations with them and they have agreements to basically not... Uh, to, to respect each other's tax laws. So, for example, in the U.K., gambling winnings are not taxable. I wish it was like that in the U.S., but uh, this is one case where I'm hoping, like where I'm saying I wish U.S. tax law was like a certain country in Europe. That's something I usually would not say. But in this case, the U.K. is definitely superior. So they have a tax treaty with the U.K., which is obviously a very friendly country to the U.S., that those players will not have to pay taxes. If you're in a country without a tax treaty, then you get that 30% taken and there's nothing you can do. So the way that uh, this, this would be done from a paperwork standpoint is that if you are a foreign player, you obviously don't have a U.S. Social Security number. So you have to be issued a individual taxpayer identification number, which is abbreviated ITIN, I-T-I-N. And that casinos were allowed to have their agents issue you an ITIN if you're a foreign player. And then they could do the paperwork right there. And if you're a uh, player from a country with a tax treaty, then they don't take out that 30%. It's all very easy. You don't have to do anything. They just, uh, you know, if your country has a tax treaty, they've done it for you. And you don't get that 30% taken out. 
So it was that way all the way until this year. Sort of. See, in 2015, there is an act passed called the PATH Act. That stands for Protecting Americans from Tax Hikes. And part of the Tax Act, the tax act had to do with preventing money laundering or other crimes having to do with financial, large financial transactions involving foreigners. So among the things that the PATH Act did was made it a lot harder for foreigners to get ITINs issued to them. And it made it to where only IRS agents are allowed to issue them. Well, for whatever reason, the, the casinos didn't get that memo. So in 2016, even though that law was passed in 2015, 2016 they were still, uh, the, the World Series and other casinos were still issuing these ITINs and not withholding anything for countries with tax treaties. So even though that law had been passed, the casinos did not know that, they did not enforce it, and then and, and whoever won, that they were from a country with a tax treaty, they didn't get the 30% taken. So that was that. However, 2017, the IRS has decided, uh-uh, they've had enough, the, casino, the casinos are going to start complying. So it went from a law that was on the books that was not enforced to a law being enforced. The casinos received notification very recently that they have to, that they can no longer issue ITINs to foreign players. That if a foreign player wants to get an ITIN, which they, they would need to not get the tax withheld, that they have to get it from a, an IRS agent and, or an, someone authorized by the IRS. Now, the problem is that an IRS agent or an IRS employee who does this, first of all, there's very few of them that are outside the U.S. Very, very few of them. So you can't just say, okay, if the World Series won't issue it, I'm just going to go to my local IRS agent who can issue this uh, outside my country, uh, outside the U.S. You're not going to find one. So you have to do it in the U.S. And you go, okay, well, maybe just tell all the foreign players when they come to play the World Series, go to an IRS office and have them issue an ITIN and then uh, you have it ready. No. Because now there is a two-month process in getting one issued. So let's say you come to the World Series at the end of May. When it begins, you, you go apply for your ITIN at an IRS office. You will not receive it until the end of July. Well, guess what? Aside from the, main, the final table of the main event, the entire World Series is over by the end of July. Which means, in the meantime, that 30% is going to be taken out. So, now, if you have, an, if you have a valid ITIN that was already issued to you, then you're fine for the moment. Renewing it might be difficult, but uh, at the moment... You're fine. If you have a valid one, they're not going to take it away. But if you don't have a valid one, if it's expired, whatever, if it's you don't have a valid, if you don't have one, then this is supposedly going to be a big problem because you can't just get issued one when you win something at the World Series like you used to be able to. So even if your country has a tax treaty with the U.S., you will not have an ITIN unless the only way you can get it is if you happen to be in the U.S. at least two months before the World Series starts. So I, I suggest if you're in the U.S., Let's say right now, let's say you're from uh, the UK, you don't have an ITIN, you know you're going to play the World Series. I would advise getting one now or applying for one now, and then it will be available within two months, which will be before the World Series. But if you're not going to be in the US, then you've got a problem. So Russ Fox, who uh, is an accountant and writes about uh, gambling issues, 
wrote this blog on February 13th explaining this whole thing. And that was the first time anyone heard about this. I guess the casinos had received this notification, but they didn't say anything about it. It was So it was Russ Fox who was mentioning this being an issue and tweeted this out and also tweeted this out to the World Series account so that they can inform their players to do this. Um, by the way, you may wonder, can you do this by mail? Can you just mail this stuff to the IRS? Well, the problem is you'll have to send them your passport. So that's, so if you can trust that they're going to take your passport and send it back to you and that you won't need your passport during the time this is processed for two months, then I guess you can do that. But I'd feel uncomfortable with this, sending my passport to a foreign country, even if the foreign country for me is the U.S., you know, and ho- hoping they don't lose it and hoping it comes back and, ho- and knowing you won't need it for two months. Like, that's, that's a little bit... Uh, not the best solution. So there isn't a, a good solution, honestly, other than happening to be in the U.S. and going to an IRS office, submitting the required documents, letting them make a passport. You have to bring your passport in, by the way, which you presumably have if you're visiting the U.S. anyway. And then uh, you'll in the mail, you'll receive your ITIN in what they say is eight to sixteen weeks. So I guess it could even be it could even be. Uh, more than two months. It could be up to almost four months. So what if they take the 30%? Is it just gone? What if you what if you have a tax treaty? What if you're in a country with a tax treaty? Can they take that 30% from you just because you don't have an ITIN? Is it just gone? Is there any way to get it back? Well, the answer is yes. The following year, you can file a U.S. tax return and... Uh, Attach a copy of the form that the casino gives you when they take the 30%, which is called the 1042S. You don't have to remember that. That's what they'll give you. And then, uh, you know, the following year you can file a U.S. tax return. That is in April of the following year. So if it, for people who win this year, they'd have to file in April 2018. And at that point, uh, they will send you the money back, provided your country has a tax treaty that exempts the gambling winnings from taxation. But you won't have the 30% in the meantime. You have to wait till April, and then you have to wait till they send you the money. So that's supposedly the situation. That's what Russ Fox, who is an accountant, who is a, an expert in these things, uh, blogged. But he put at the end of his blog an update that he tweeted this to the World Series, and this is what the World Series said back from the main World Series of Poker account at WSOP. It's not clear who wrote this, but someone who works for the World Series wrote this. We will be able to issue ITINs to international players at our event at Rio Vegas. This does not affect the World Series of Poker. Now, I can't imagine how that is. How, how can it be this affects everything except the World Series? The the IRS sees gambling winnings as gambling winnings. There's no such thing as World Series winnings or other gambling winnings. In fact, when I file my taxes, if I had a winning year at the World Series, I must declare those wins. If I had a losing year at the World Series, I can take that money off from money that I have won in cash games and pay fewer taxes legally because this was it's all the same. It's all gambling. Any gambling I do this year, 2017, and lose... I can subtract from any other gambling I do and win. And that's like that every calendar year. So there is no separation. In fact, even if I win in the World Series, I always declare 
buy-ins as something I can deduct for my winnings. Because, uh, you know, if I cash $23,000 in a $10,000 buy-in event, I have not won $23,000. I have won 13000 And for tax reasons, that's very important. So I would put in there World Series buy-in, $10,000 of, of things to deduct from my winnings. Of course, totally legal. Of course, you're supposed to do that. So I can't see how if they're demanding the casinos don't issue ITINs for winning, why the World Series would be exempt from this. And if the IRS is saying that only they can issue them and and nobody else can, they have no right by law to discriminate and allow either the World Series or Caesars Entertainment itself to issue them while nobody else can. They can't even do that by law. They would be breaking the law if they said, we've decided that the World Series of Poker can issue these and nobody else can. They can't do that. Now, Russ Fox said the reason he's publicizing this is that he's hoping that there will be enough pressure on the IRS, uh, such as from the American Gaming Association, to change this law. I also think it's good to publicize this just so people, players that come in know and anyone who has the opportunity to get an ITIN before they come can do it. So keep that in mind if you're a foreign player. Keep that in mind. Now, again, if you have a t- your country has a tax treaty, you will you can get the, the 30% back, but don't expect it until April of next year or later. And again, if you have a, a valid ITIN right now, then don't worry about it. This year will be fine. All right, now, speaking of Las Vegas and, and casinos, I've always talked about how lower limit games can be very hard to beat, even if you're by far the best player because of the rake. The rake is very high at low limit games compared to the size of the pots. And and sometimes it can be deceptive because, you know, it's $5, $6, whatever it is. Uh, how much is that, even at lower limit, like no limit games? You know, you, you, you win a pot that's worth a few hundred dollars. How much is six dollars out of it? It seems like peanuts, and then you throw another you know, few dollars for a tip to the dealer. You think, okay, well, I just won this big pot. It's, it's not going to matter much. Well, it does, it adds up. The problem is that it adds up. Uh, you you really pay a massive amount of rake if you are a regular poker player and you don't realize it. So, Nevada poker rooms, which and if you think of Nevada, there is Las Vegas, of course, the biggest city by far. Then there's Reno which is uh, a medium-sized city, but not uh, not as big as Vegas. Then there's the smaller cities, uh, Carson City, Gardnerfield, Minden, which is one, kind of one area. There, There's the Elko and Eli, which are small towns. There's Laughlin, which is very small, but has some casinos. Uh, am I even missing anything here? Not much. There's Mesquite, which is very small. There's a few little small towns, but it's really, it's really, there's really, really three main areas of Vegas or of, of Nevada. There's, there is uh, Vegas, there's Reno, and then there's Gardnerville, Minden, Carson City, and, and that's pretty much it. I guess you can consider Tahoe part of that market too. So, poker is not really the main way they make money. They make more money on the machines. They make more money on the table games. That's where they make all the money. They, they don't make it from poker. Poker is an afterthought. In fact, many times they just provide poker as something the players want 
just as a kind of a way to get people over there, hoping that if you're playing poker, you'll play other things. Why? Because they're just not raking that much. They're just not making that much per hour at every poker table. They'd much rather use the space for more lucrative gaming products that they have. But despite that, this is going to be a wake-up call to you as far as playing low-limit poker, of which most games are. That's why. Look at all these casinos. There's only a few of them that spread high-limit games. And the, the rake of the high-limit games is not that much higher than the low-limit games. So it's not even like you can say, well, they're disproportionately uh, uh, contributed to the rake. No, they're really not because their rake is not that much higher. So amazingly, the figure, I bet, is a lot higher than you would believe it is. And then why did I lose this? I, I had it up here. Hold on here. Where did that go? Oh, I know what it is. It's, uh, I think it's in the casino in Las Vegas forum of uh, Poker Fraud Alert. There we are. Nevada Poker Rooms in 2016 raked... $1,000,000. No, no, no. Much, more, much, much more than that. Much, much more. They raked $117.8 million in 2016. Most of the rake, oddly enough, I don't know why, came in the month of May. Uh, sorry, not the month. Sorry, month of June, not May. I guess it's because of the World Series. Sixteen point fourteen million in the month of June. Second was uh, July, twelve point thirty three million. So that was probably because of the World Series. But uh, the overall casino revenue in Nevada for two thousand sixteen was $11.26 billion, which is similar to 2015, slightly up from it. So this is still very small. It's about 1% of all the revenue that Nevada casinos had. But still, even being 1%, $117.8 million raked. And there aren't that many Nevada card rooms. There are not that many tables. They don't have that many mega rooms out there. It's not like if you think if you ever been to Commerce in L.A. I mean that's a mega card room with just so many tables. Even there's some other mega card rooms in L.A. too, like the bike, bike, the bicycle club, the bike. You know that's a very big one too. Not as big as Commerce, but pretty damn big. They don't have those in in Nevada. The Bellagio one is fairly big, but nothing like Commerce. The Aria is fairly big. Uh. The win is, I guess, kind of fairly big, but there, there's not any mega room there anywhere in the state. And still, they raked almost $118 million. That came out of your pocket if you played in a Nevada poker room in 2016, as did I. So think of all the players in poker in Nevada and think that collectively $118 million gets just yanked from their wallets. Think of how hard it is to win. Where collectively everyone starts out losing $118 million, Kind of spread out amongst everybody evenly or according to how much they play. And then, and then you've got to come back from that and win by beating the other players. So that's why it's so hard to win consistently at low or low to mid-stakes poker 
in anywhere live because the the rake is so high compared to the stakes you're playing. So if, if you're a low limit player in Vegas, there's I know a number of people out there like that who who've moved to Vegas. They're trying to be low limit grinders. And for a while it seems okay, but then they have their bad months and they start to struggle and they start to borrow. And the reason for this is partially because the rake is so high. So watch out. 118 million there just from Nevada. How many poker rooms are in Nevada? Trader Risky, how many guess how many would you guess there are? Forty two. You're not that far off. I mean, you're kind of far off, but not outrageously far off. 73 in Nevada. How many tables total you think are... Uh, oh, I thought that was for Vegas. My uh, bad. Yeah, you, you probably are right for Vegas. That's, uh, uh, how many tables do you say all of, all of Nevada? In all of Nevada, so 73, say maybe 1,000? Only 661. Wow. So 661 tables generated $118 million of rake. It's amazing. That is amazing. If I whip out the calculator here and do 117.8 million, so 107, let's see, 117. Yeah, not to mention what tips were. Right. That, 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 eats, that eats you up too. So uh, 117.73 million, 0.753 million divided by 661 means each table raked approximately $178,143 on average. So that's that's a lot of money for each table. It's one single table in a hard room. Yeah, and divided by 365. So then what's that? Uh, about $488 a day. Huh. So that's a lot of rake. And keep in mind, these tables are not always operating either. Some, some are sitting idle. Yeah, probably most. Now, if you divide that by another 24... For the hours, that's $20 an hour. So you can see where the ones that are uh, actively running are making a lot more than that because $20 is not very much in an hour. Think of all the hands that pass an hour and all the rake that's paid. So the twenty is the reason it's only $20.33 an hour is because some tables sit idle for a long time when it's not uh, active, and they make zero an hour. So the, this is combined. With, when, the, when they're running, they make a lot more than 20 an hour. When they're not running, they make zero an hour. So it, it breaks out to each one making 20 33 an hour uh, over 24 hours a day. so And that's for each table in the place. So th- this is why it's, it's so hard to win in, uh, in low-limit poker. And even in mid-limit poker, it can be hard. So that's just, just the sobering thing. Uh, FTPGs is saying in chat, I've watched enough live at the bike... That those guys playing just five ten is not so. Truth is, the best option would be offering timed rake. Would be better option if you can afford it. Um, I'm not sure what you mean by that. It is better to have a, a, a time charge than a rake, and that's what pissed me off about commerce. They used to have a time charge at uh, at forty eighty and above, and or sorry, twenty forty and above, and they they changed it to a rake at everything at twenty forty, thirty sixty, and forty eighty. Only sixty-one twenty has a t- and above have a time charge, and those usually do not go. I'm talking about limit hold'em. So, and the same with the associated no limit games also no longer have a time charge there, except the higher limit ones. So, uh, the rake sucks compared to the time charge. They also have the annoying jackpot there now, which not only do I hate those jackpots, but it takes a dollar out of every pot, but it also uh, they don't pay out a hundred percent of what they take in. So, 
That also sucks. I'm going to take a look right now at the Bravo app, which gives you the uh, gives you the list of the tables running at various casinos that use the Bravo system. Commerce is one of them. So right now they have 88 games running, which is a lot less than they used to. They when they were doing better in the old days, they were doing a lot. They had a lot more games running, but they do have two tables of 6120 limit hold'em running right now, surprisingly. But often they have none, and uh, so that's that's where I'd want to be because the the break is so brutal at 4080. It's just not worth playing that thing. Someone's saying they're trying to call in. Uh, let me see. There's someone saying they're trying to call in, and I'm not answering the call. I've seen that in the chat. Seven seven five fraud fifty five is the number. Seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. And I'm not seeing a call. But in the meantime, I'm going to jump to another topic that's not on the schedule. Not a scheduled topic, but I forgot to list it. And that is. That there is an accusation against a player named Neil Strike. It's an appropriate name, I guess. He's uh, striking against people, but uh, a player registered on this site named Shipmunk—not Chipmunk, but Shipmunk—and <laughs> created a thread called "UK Player Neil Strike Scams UK Poker Community for Over 160,000 British Pounds." Neil Strike, a regular in UK and Euro poker circles, has been outed as having scammed 160,000 from other poker players. Scottish poker pro Willie Elliott has written it in detail on his blog. It's been known about for a few months, but it's only recently being made public. This, uh, this blog was dated February 11th. It's titled, Neil Strike is a Grimmer, a Thief, and a Liar. You know this is a European blog of the Grimmer. No one talks about a Grimmer in the US. He's a Grimmer. You're nothing but a grimmer, a thief, and a liar. So I'm going I'm to read you this uh, this poker. Even though this is guy Scottish, I'm, I'm better at doing the English accent, so I'm just going to do the English accent. Neil Strike, a poker player from Newcastle, is a thief, a liar, a grimmer, and a con man. This is from uh, William Elliot. In 2016, he stole over 160,000 pounds from 20 UK poker players. Below is how he stole from me. And then there's pictures of him. He kind of has like a sad sack look to him here. He kind of looks like a sad sack middle-aged guy, this grimmer Neil Strike. As some will know, I was the carer for my disabled brother Gordon as he's lived with me and my partner since 2003 when my mother passed away. My partner? Hmm. His partner. What's the chance that when someone says their partner that it's a straight partner? I mean, it, you can have a heterosexual partner. I mean, I, I actually do. I, I actually have a partner, even though it's it's a, that's a woman. But is that, since we're not married, she's technically a partner. But uh, usually, when people say that they they're referring to a gay partnership. But who cares? It doesn't matter for this story. Uh, Gordon was diagnosed with cancer. In uh, 2015, in March, and uh, we were since we were told that he only lived for three to six months. I stepped away from poker to make sure I could give my brother the best end of the life possible, and I think we managed that. Oh, good for him. That's my commentary there. I uh, fast forward to the 18th of April, 2016, and my brother has surpassed all expectations for how long he'd live, but struggling now, and we're back in the 
palliative care ward at our local hospital. I check my phone and I see a message from Neil Strug asking for a loan. This is the same message he sent at least a dozen people that day and hundreds more over the coming weeks and months. So this, this is how the messages went. Uh, Neil Strug said, hey, will you, will, will you, are you there? And he says, hi, Neil. He says, uh, can I, here, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do the, uh, the voice, the Neil voice I'll do in my voice and the Willie will be in, in the Colonel Fabersham voice. Hey, Willie, are you there? Hi, Neil. Uh, can I ask you something with total discretion, Willie? Uh, sure, bud. Uh, long shot. And I'm only asking you as A, you're discreet, B, you're shrewd, C, you know I headed off with golf and poker a lot last year and I put a chunk to one side. This is a total stab in the dark. You probably can't or even don't want to know, but I'll put it to you anyway. I've just been dropped in it by my funders. Put on 42-day 42 pay, 42 paid invoices for seven days. As a result, it obviously caught me, and I've had a major cash flow problem. I put in a request to get my money from my safe long-term, not-easy-access account. I put it there to stop me punting with it. I won't get it until Monday, the 23rd of May, 2016, so I'm busy trying to gather 10K together to go with the 10K I've got, I've got to get me through my wage commitments till then. I'm happy to stick 2.5K on top. Uh, 2.5K on top. I'll gladly take 5K and put one, uh, 1K on top. Total shot in the dark, but are you interested? Uh, I, I've, paid up to, I pay, I've paid up to go to Monaco too next week, but I'll probably knock it on the head now. If you can't help, can you again discreetly point me in the direction of someone we both know who might be interested in making a few? So, so basically he's offering – Neil Strike is offering this William guy – would you like to make some money? So, so just like with the story we had before with uh, with Mercy and Cantu, uh, here, loan me money and I'll, I'll throw extra money on the top as a thank you for loaning me. So this is what uh, Willie said back. Okay, bud, but uh, what would be easier for me is a 5K pound chunk now and another 5K chunk in two weeks. Would that work for you? I'm not looking to make anything from it. Last thing you need is to be more out of, po- out of pocket, but I'd be in a hole if I didn't get it back. Any chance you could do a screen grab of your withdrawal request, not easy access account, and just reassure me the funds are there on your way to you on uh, May 23rd. So what he's asking here is, you supposedly put this money away so you can't get to it to, to degen it away, and it's coming to you on, on May 23rd. But I want to make sure this account really exists, is what he's saying to Neil Strike. So Neil Strike says back, that would work as the 5K in two weeks I'll use in early to mid-May for my wage commitments. I'd insist on something, giving you something on top, Willie. The safe account is in my mother's name. That's why it's safe. Uh, by the way, my, my girlfriend had a tumor removed last week from her breast, and we're waiting on results to see if it's cancerous or not, as the mammogram was inconclusive, and that's why I haven't asked her to get a quick loan, as I don't want to add her stress levels. This is already a big red flag. Whenever someone has a lot of like really bad life events that are culminating in them needing money, um, that's a sign of a scammer. A scammer likes to... I mean, even Nigerian scammers try this crap, where they try to make you seem like they're really in dire straits and everything's going wrong at once, and you feel bad and want to help them. So the more terrible life events someone's having that you don't know for sure to be true as the reason you need to loan them, the more you should avoid them. Anyway, he goes on. So getting back to your request, it would be hard to get the screenshot... But what I'll do is email you something saying I'm borrowing X amount and promise to pay Y amount back by the end of May 2016. I wouldn't embarrass myself either, Willie, by not paying you back. You know how sensitive I am, too. But the email would cover you for getting paid back if anything were to happen to me in the meantime. So uh, how is that true? How is the email going to cover anything if he doesn't have the money? <laughs> no, I, I, I can't prove I'm really getting this money released to me. But uh, an email saying I owe it to you is just as good. Yeah, yeah, sure. 
So Willie says back, All right, bud, uh, no problem about the screenshot. Uh, what, what's, what's your short code and account number? So he says, send me your email address first. I'll be happy knowing you have something written down. So he gave it. And he says, back, uh, email sent Willie, probably far too formal, but I prefer you have something written down for your protection. Uh, cheers, Neil, sending now. No, cheers to you, Willie. I'd have asked uh, some person they blocked out if necessary, but I'd find I've, I'd have hated myself. Fingers crossed. Results are good next Monday. Thank you again. So uh, this is typical scammer. I feel better if you have something you know, in writing from me. He's, he's overly trying to make himself seem like that he wants to be trusted, that, that he, wants, uh, he wants to give them their assurances. He wants, to, he wants to make sure they make money off the top. He seems like the nicest guy who's, who's so concerned about the other's peace of mind. Again, big red flag of a scammer. Not, not to say the legit person offering things to you uh, is bad, but a legit person would, would be providing you of all the proof that they have money coming. They wouldn't uh, not be able to provide that, but give you everything else that, that, could, that would be meaningless if they screw you, which is what Neil Strike was providing. So this is what uh, Willie goes on to write now in the blog. Uh, Many people who loaned him money described how they felt stupid, gullible, like they had the word mug printed on their head. Mug is a a British term for, like, a fool. Uh, I didn't, didn't, though. I asked for proof he had the means to pay me back. I wanted to see statements or screen grabs in the online accounts. Uh, Neil Strzok had a very successful 2014 and 15 with numerous big caches. And then he showed the Hendon mob where he uh, was doing well in those years in tournaments. Though you still don't know how many, how many he entered, so that doesn't really tell you much. The money Neil claimed to have safe in a long-term savings account, by April 2016, that account was empty. And then he he, uh, he said he redacted parts of it to protect the identity of Neil's partner, who's a victim of Neil's scams and manipulation. Again, we're with a partner. Is this a British term? Turneruski, do you know if this is a British term partner, or do you think these are guys who are, are, are both gay? You know, it's a possibility. But... So how would you you'd refer to your partner as your girlfriend? Yeah, I'd say a girlfriend baby or, mama? or a fiance, baby mama, or something. I just, <laughs> a part, maybe in British, in Britain, a partner can mean either either uh, heterosexual or homosexual. Well, but, yeah, if they have a kid, he might not want to say my girlfriend. Cause yeah. Maybe that's, you know. Maybe, but they both have partners. They, Neil has a partner and he, and he does too. So he says Neil's, right. Neil's partner is also a victim. So. So, but he shows a bank statement that I don't know how he got. He's not even explaining how he got this, but this is a bank statement, uh, probably from the partner who was a victim too, from uh, printed June first, two thousand sixteen, and it's showing a lot of money going out of it over uh, over time here. And that uh, coming into uh, night as of twenty four February, it was down to zero dollars. So there was no money coming. It was, uh, and then uh, it shows on 19th May 2016. It got a whopping 50, 56 pounds of interest, and that was the only money it got between the 24th of February and the 19th of May. So the whole thing about the money coming on the 23rd of May was BS. So, so he says uh, to get around to having to to get around having to provide me the proof I was asking for. Neil claimed the account was in his partner's name, and oh, and she was in the hospital with cancer scare. So, so there you go. Um, this is to this Don Treff idiot that. Um, I know he's talking about me on his radio show now, and he's going to say, oh, these are two homosexuals who are having some sort of a lover's quarrel. No, 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 no. We say partner in the UK to indicate our partner, not a gay partner, but a partner. It could be gay, it could be straight, and then this shows you what a fool you are, Mr. Dandruff. So, okay, I guess we got our answer. Uh, the truth was the account was empty, but Neil, knowing the situation I was going through with my brother, said the one word he knew had gone is sympathy, cancer. So, yeah, the cancer thing is so often used... By scammers, 
So often used by scammers. Scammers love to use the cancer thing. It sounds so bad. Sometimes the scammer himself claims to have cancer. Sometimes the mother has cancer. Sometimes their wife has cancer. It, it's, and it especially works well, as, as William's pointing out here, on people who also have a relative or a wife going through cancer. Because you, you know how terrible it is. And, and you feel for that person because you're going through it yourself. You're watching someone very close to you dying of cancer. How, how, how could you be too callous and start demanding all kinds of proof from someone who also is uh, with someone having cancer? So uh, he said, he knew I was going through hell with my brother. I'd posted nothing else on my Facebook, but progress updates for how my brother was doing for the past 12 months. I'd posted we were in the hospital with my brother that week. So that's really scummy. He used the cancer thing to manipulate uh, William. Neil wanted 10K pounds from me, which at, the, at that stage he already decided he wasn't paying back to anyone who loaned it to him. He literally asked 100 people. And even after we'd given him 100,000 pounds, he asked 100 more people. Wow. 200 people were asked for 10K, all not knowing the others were being asked. Uh, but to get to me put to part with my cash and give him on my demand for proof, Neil said he couldn't show me the statement for the empty account because his partner had a cancer scare and the account was in her name. He manipulated my dying brother in our situation because he knew I would automatically feel sympathy for him because I knew exactly what it was like to face the prospect of losing someone to cancer. I wasn't going to press him for proof when he and his partner were going through the hell that my brother and I were going through. I relented, and that day, within an hour of him asking, I transferred 5,000 pounds directly to his bank account and told him I would send another 5K within two weeks. He promised he would give me 12,000 back, but I insisted I didn't want anything extra, just the 10,000 pounds that I really couldn't afford to lose. He promised me it was safe. So... Neil Strike said, okay, thanks. I'm overwhelmed with your kindness, to be honest. And William said, no problem, Neil. Later that afternoon, he was sending the same message to dozens of more people. The next day, another load of messages asking for help with the same business cash flow problem went to a dozen more. I sent the second 5,000 pound payment on the 29th of April. He requested I send it to a different account. That seemed suspicious and I briefly considered his Facebook may have been hacked and it may have not have been Neil all along I'd just been speaking to. So I asked it for extra reassurance. I texted his phone to make sure it was him and it was, so I sent the second 5,000 pounds. Two days before and one day after I sent the Neil the second £5,000, he cash for a combined £25,000 at two events in Monaco. Throughout May, Neil continued asking people for loans. He cashed again for five k in the middle of May. So he's saying here, here he's cashing for, for plenty in these tournaments and still not paying anybody back. On Monday the 9th of May, my brother died, peacefully in his sleep at his home, after a weekend of being visited by all his friends and family. His favorite thing, the people he loved and who loved him. We'd been ready for a terrible and frightening end. We had powerful, powerful sedatives at home and been trained to administer them in the event he was dying in pain or distress. Fortunately, this wasn't needed. He had a gentle end and drifted off in his sleep. No pain, no suffering, no distress, no fear. On the 26th of May, Neil asked if he could extend the loan for another four weeks with a mixture of lies and excuses because he hadn't been, you know, remember the 23rd of May, he supposed to get his money. He never did. By the way, I'm looking at a picture of... Uh, William's brother, I, I, I don't know how old he is, but he doesn't look that old. He probably looks about 50 or so. It's pretty sad to die at that age of cancer. But uh, anyway, uh, 30th of June, 
Uh, more excuses and the Brexit vote. Oh, that's terrible for him. He would have been able to pay me and everyone else if he hadn't been if it hadn't been a vote to leave. So he's using the Brexit vote on June thirtieth as an excuse not to pay people. <laughs> Come on. Come on. All through June and July he's been asking getting more and more loans from people and apparently it's all being gambled away. So that's that's what's happening, is that he's got a gambling problem. He's constantly taking loans, even when he's winning at the poker table, he's gambling away other ways. On the 15th of August, my circumstances are getting dire. My brother's funeral cults and a few other things in my personal life have cropped up that have tied up most of my spare cash, around 15k uh, pounds. Uh, something that's still ongoing into 2017, but I hope should be resolved soon. Uh, I qualified for the 50 euro to the Estrella's Barcelona 1k, so as Neil. He tells me he's borrowed 8,000 8, pounds from his mother-in-law to go to Barcelona. He travel, transfers 4,000 pounds to me, 40 percent of what he owes, five months into a four-week loan. I see Neil over there briefly. He's standing with two other people who he's borrowed large sums from. None of us know about each other at this stage. We're, we're very discreet and loyal to him. No wonder we, he looks awkward. So he's two, three people are together. He's borrowed a lot of money from, and he's afraid one's going to say it to the other. But they're all kind of feeling bad for him. So nobody's, and they're all kind of loyal to him at this point. So no one's saying anything yet. No one's like, uh, does he owe you money? This kind of reminds me of something. When I was playing at the World Series uh, last year. Crazy Mike, you know, in Vegas, Crazy Mike, Mike Thorpe, uh, who may still listen to the show, he came up to me and shook my hand. He wasn't in the event, but uh, he said hello. And, uh, you know, angry John Monetti, he was at the table and he says to me, he doesn't owe you money, huh? And I said, no, he doesn't. He goes, yeah, you're probably one of the few. So <laughs> Monetti was sure that he must owe me money if he's coming up to me smiling and shaking my hand. Because uh, he's saying Mike's like pretty much avoiding everyone. <laughs> so, and I had heard about you know, Mike owing tons of money to people prior to that. I didn't say anything about it. I just shook his hand or whatever. But uh, anyway, uh, late in December 2016, once all is revealed, I ask him about the 4K. He then claims it was paid from the 60K that was repaid from a 100K loan that went bad. Once I went public with another... Another debtor contacted me and confirmed he'd loaned Neil 7K just before Barcelona. He thinks my 4K was part of that. So he was robbing Peter to pay Paul. Uh, somehow, I can't help but feel guilty about it, even though I've done nothing wrong. So basically, he felt bad that Neil tricked someone into loaning him 7K just to pay him 4K back. It looks as though my first 5K payment in April was used to repay a loan of 3K that someone gave Neil in March. It looks like he borrowed from new people to pay some old people and to keep a scam going for longer and keep his borrowing from going public, which is a common scam, by the way. In September and October, the excuses kept coming. When a grimmer is exposed, he messages me to reassure me that's not what's happening. So Neil Strike messaged him, I've seen the Renee thing on Facebook. I'm scared, witless. Witless? He's talking about me? Uh, you lose your patience with me. I think I'd actually die of embarrassment. Yeah, I'm sure. On 17th of November, Neil comes clean to me for the first time, started with a load of excuses, but then admits he's gambled away my money and money borrowed from a few named people and caught a couple of others. There's actually £225,000 owed, including interest he promised from 20 different people. A hundred others have contacted me since then, on, since we went public on Facebook, saying that he asked them with a near-identical copied and pasted message about his business and cash flow programs, uh, problems and uh, how he needed them to be discreet. That we'd known him and he'd been embarrassed if this ever came out. So, uh, anyway. Um, 
that's uh, he he goes through a whole long thing about that. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he's basically admitting to it all. Um, on the fifth of December. One of the creditors tries to help Neil. He handles the communication with those of owed, gets us to agree to drop all the interest if Neil promised us and asked if any of us would be willing to accept a smaller amount. A friend then takes control of Neil's finances, gets him a job, and monitors him, ensuring that he gets Gamblers Anonymous, and Neil owes £160,000. So I guess it goes down to £160,000 once they remove the interest that Neil promised in the first place. And someone got him a job and, and was monitoring him. So that's amazing that they actually got the scammer a job. To help themselves get paid back. Uh, going now how, over now how events unfolded, I realized Neil used my brother dying of cancer to get me to stop getting proof of his finances. I challenged him and threatened to expose this. He pleads with me not to. He shows me the statement that he did have money at one time, just not when he borrowed from me, and shows me hospital letters from March in the beginning of April 2nd, uh, weeks before he borrowed from me. He thinks this is proof he didn't lie. He used his own partner's cancer scare, my brother dying of cancer, to hide the fact that he didn't have the means to repay me. That is how low and scummy he is. He has zero morals and has shown no real remorse for the damage he's caused to some of the best people in our community. The other creditor who was helping him persuaded me not to go public, I reluctantly agreed. On the 10th of February 2017, which is now five days ago, uh, the other creditor contacts us to tell us that Neil has stolen £8,000 from him. An element of the job he got him was trusting him with cash. That's a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) This guy scammed uh, 160k plus interest from people. Let's give him a job where, where he has access to cash. I mean, can you be any dumber than that? I don't like blaming the victim, but can you be any dumber than that? The new CFO. <laughs> oh my gosh, He's the new CFO. <laughs> Trusting him with cash. Yeah, we're going to get a job, Neil. You're going to pay us back. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, Neil, your new job is overseeing our cash business, and and, and uh, you're you're not going to steal of it. You're not going to steal it, and you're going to pay us with your salary, right? Oh, sure, yeah, sure. You start tomorrow, Neil. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be watching for cash, right? Yeah. It's almost like a comedy. Like, I can see that in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Neil's like, he's like, he's like, do I have to get a job? Yes, you must get a job. You've got to pay us all back. You've got to pay the bloody debts back to us. And the only way is to get gainful employment. I want to get for you tomorrow. Okay, I guess i got to get a job. Um, what? We're putting you in the casino cage with all the stacks of cash. Your job is to count it. Yeah, just, oh, I'll be, lock up on your way out. I'll be watching. The, is, is there going to be any uh, cameras here? No, no, no. You're just going to be watching the cash. Okay, Neil? Okay. I, I don't want to have to do it, but I guess I have to. Wah, 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 wah. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine? So it says, this is what they read after that about how the element of the job was to trust him with cash. It says after that, this was acknowledged to be a mistake. <laughs> I mean, this, this is like a movie. This is like a comedy. It is assumed Neil has also gambled this cash away. Yeah, I, I wonder if that's a very uh, difficult assumption. Uh, Neil Strike is a scumbag, a con man, a liar, a thief, a grimmer, and a sociopath. He feels no empathy for those he's wronged. He doesn't care about anyone except himself. Even after people he has grimmed give him another chance, he steals from the game and lies about it. Please share this widely and make sure no one gets taken by him again. 
Since going public on Facebook, I've had hundreds of people contacting me, telling me he's trying to get money from them, rather than a problem gambler who gets things to get out of control as he's portrayed it. It seems he set out in a methodical way to get as much money as possible from as many people as possible. The victims are some of the nicest people in poker, the warm-hearted, the kind, the generous. Uh, we don't get... We don't feel that way. We feel like the stupid, the gullible, and the suckers. A guy we trusted, a guy we knew, someone we knew wouldn't steal from his friends. We were wrong. For me personally, it's doubly shit. His timing couldn't have been worse. People have reached out and offered me financial help, and it's been pretty humbling, but that is something about the community we're in. There are so many good people, even in the midst of this shitstorm, with a reputation of all tarnished by this prick's actions. People are kind, caring, and considerate. I didn't need to take anyone's help, but it's reassuring to know it was there. Instead, I'm having to work for a living. A job. I mean, it feels wrong. I feel dirty. But I can look myself in the mirror, unlike Neil Strike. I'm now working in a gay brothel. I'm, I'm spreading my ass cheeks every day for, for gay men in the London area. Uh, my, my rear end hurts at the end of the day, but at least I know I'm doing honest. No, no, he didn't write that. Um, long term, everything looks good. Uh, so no sympathy, please. I'll be fine. Thanks for reading. Please share. Now go away. He really wrote that at the end. So, okay. Uh, look. First of all, I don't think this is necessarily sociopathic. Is, is this guy a scumbag? Yes. Is, is he a piece of shit? Yes. Did he take advantage of some people's situations where you know, they had a relative dying of cancer and then he used the cancer of, of, you know, of his girlfriend? Uh, I guess it's a scare of cancer. To soften that person's heart, yes, he he did everything he could to trick people, and using good-hearted people he knew to trick them into loaning him money, and and did so in a serial sort of manner where he decided I'm going to just obtain as much money as possible from as many people as possible. So I have probably so he thinks he have a, a big bankroll to play with. It's much much nicer to have a 200k bankroll than a 10k bankroll. Yeah, yes, you could start with a 10K bankroll and then borrow from someone else when you lose it. But two things. Uh, first of all, if you borrow from someone you know, one after another after another, then it's easier for the world word to get around because more time passes. If you borrow from a bunch of people at once, uh, then you already have the money. And even if they figure it out at, at this point, uh, then you can just deal with it, but you have the money. So, uh, yes, really shitty, very scammy. But I don't think this was done with no intention to repay anyone. He had a gambling problem. I believe the money's gone. And he determined that he needs a gambling bankroll and he's just going to hit every single person he knows in a short period of time to borrow from them with the same story, all thinking that you know the other does not – each one does not know the other exists and using the relationship he has with these people to get them to keep a secret about it. As I keep saying, scammers love secrets. So that's what he did. Uh, he's a scumbag with a gambling problem who was willing to hurt anyone along the way to enable his gambling to keep going and – these people are not deserving of any sympathy. There is a little difference between that, however, and someone who just enjoys stealing from people. Someone who enjoys the whole thing of scamming people. Uh, Peter DC, uh, a.k.a. Peter Falcone, who we dealt with in this community a few years ago, he is someone I believe really did enjoy stealing from people. He also had a gambling problem, but I also believe he enjoyed scamming people. He enjoyed stealing from people. I don't think from reading this story that Neil Strike enjoyed it. I think he just didn't mind doing it. I think he just didn't have the moral code to where he felt it was wrong. Or even if he did, it was more important to him to steal than quit gambling. So, what's your impression from this story? 
He's a wanker. No. Um, he's a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I mean, you know, she's obviously very sick. I'm sure he had all the intention that he was going to win and pay everybody back. Yeah. But then it goes south and, you know. Yeah. And, and I've always said borrowing under any false pretenses is scammy. It is stealing. And there, there's no way around that. You can't I, – I always hate when people say – even if the people get paid back. I, I, like, let's say you borrow from me claiming that uh, you have the money. It's just your account is locked up at the moment. You just need the money. And, and I give you 10K. And in reality, there is no money. You're broke. And then you go gamble at the casino. You, let's say you go play slot machines. And I'm not talking about like positive EV slot machines. You, you just go play slot machines. You have a slot machine addiction. And lo and behold, mm-hmm. lo and behold, you you actually win. You actually hit um, uh, some kind of big payout, and you walk out of the casino with twenty one thousand dollars when you came in with ten. And you come back to me two days later and say, "Here you go, Todd. Here's your ten thousand. Then I find out about it a few weeks later that even though I have all my money back, that you borrowed ten thousand from me. By the way, why is there water running? Oops, sorry, <laughs> thought I hit mute. Making tea. Okay, oh, tea. I should have known. So, so I, even though I have my ten thousand back, um, I'm still really angry, and you still had stolen from me because you did so. You borrowed under false pretenses. You borrowed claiming that you had money coming to you in a bank account that was locked. I gave it to you. And just because you didn't lose at gambling, just because you did pay me back, does not mean you weren't stealing from me. You just stole and then gave it back to me. That's what it is. It's the same as, as sneaking into my house, stealing money out of my drawer, and then uh, sneaking it back in my drawer next time when you're in my house and, I, and, I, and because you, you didn't lose the money gambling, so you were able to give it back to me before I know. That's it's the same thing. It's still stealing. So I, I always hate the question, did you get it back? If the, if the question is just out of curiosity, how the story ends, that's fine. If the question is... Does that justify it because the person's paid you back? It does not. So uh, definitely Neil Strike was scamming or stealing. He, he was doing that, by the way. He was uh, sending a copy-and-pasted message of a false story of a bank account that's locked up to 200 different people to see how many suckers will loan him 10K pounds and did get a lot loaned to him. I guess uh, eventually he got uh, 160 people, maybe not 160 people, but 160K pounds lo- loaned to him from uh, a whole lot of different people combined. So I mean that's almost like it's really like the Facebook scam where they, you know, they put in oh I'm stuck in, you know, whatever country and I lost my passport, can you send me money? Yeah. But to friends <laughs> or people he knows. Yes, yes. Yeah. Right? Yes. So, yeah, this is uh even if you do get paid back if if you're bar- if the person is Borrowing from you under false pretenses and is only going to pay you back if things go well for them, and you're and you don't know that when you loan it. If you think you're loaning it, you're definitely getting it back because they're just getting money released on a later date. Then you are being lied to, you're being scammed, you're being stolen from. So that's what happened here. And uh, the only thing I disagree with in this blog is I don't think he was sociopathic in the way he was doing it. I think he was getting enjoyment from doing this. Uh, I think it was just a, I, as you said, Trader Ruski, I think that he had this delusional idea that he's just going to win and get it back, and I also think he believed that the consequence of not winning it, he, he knew there was a possibility at the very least he wasn't going to win, uh, and we know it was a much greater chance he was going to lose than win, but but he, he at least knew there was a possibility he wouldn't win. He knew it wasn't a 100% lock he would win, even if no matter how delusional he was. And but he just felt that the risk of losing everyone's money and not paying them back is is worth is worth it to to possibly screw everyone. That he's he's going to risk their money under false pretenses because 
he wants to keep gambling and screw everybody else. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really too bad. Well, he, he, he probably heard our, our show a few, a few weeks ago where the guy went to the home blackjack game, ran it up to 500K. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, he just got the bug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got to get on this, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, this was a pretty bad story. And, you know, if people come to you with, with too many life tragedies at the same time or they are, are too insistent that they're going to pay you some kind of really high interest rate on your loan, these are all huge. These are all big red flags. Uh, want, they want to bend too far over backwards to assure you everything's going to be okay. If if they claim a bank account's locked up and they'll get access to it later, big red flag. If they can't give you any documentation, huge red flag. You know, I, I want to give you another red flag that has nothing to do with money, but it has to do with people not providing proof. Because whenever people uh, have something they can prove. That would make everyone make the other person feel much better and choose not to. It's almost always because they're hiding something. Uh, the classic thing, like in, in a, a chat room, let's say you're talking to some girl, and, and the girl sends you a really hot picture, and you say, "You know, I'm a little concerned. This is a fake picture. I'm a little concerned you stole someone else's picture, and they're claiming it's you. I'm a little concerned. Maybe you're not even a girl. Can you please send me a picture?" Uh, you know, a custom picture of some sort. You know, describe uh, something they should do in the picture, uh, holding up a sign or the day's newspaper, whatever it is. You know, something that indicates it was taken right then by you know by that person. And you ask for that, and they and they get really offended. Oh, I'm not going to send you that. Why should I have to? Why don't you trust me? Why? If you start getting that from them, what that means is they're fake. Why? Because uh, someone real would be happy to show you. Someone real who's, who's uh, you know, who actually does look like that, they're, they're going to bend over backwards to show you because they're proud of this. They're proud of the fact that they're really hot to where you're doubting them and think that they may be fake. They would understand that and they think, wow, I'm, I'm so hot that the person thinks I'm fake. Okay, let me show them and they're going to really be shocked. Uh, you, you don't get all offended. And, and same with when you want to – if you have an account that's locked up to – and that's a classic scam is that I've got an account that's locked up. That's even what Justin Wade Smith did to my account. Uh, so – if you say you've got an account that's locked up, even if you have a, a good backstory to it that sounds like it could be real, as, and you want to borrow money from someone against that account that's locked up, uh, you should be wanting to show that person because you want them to believe you and loan you the money. And if you can't do it for some kind of weird reason, it's because you just can't. But what if they can show you? Well, you know what? Photoshop's not that hard to use for these type of things. I'm not even a great Photoshopper. I'll tell you that. I'm not... Uh, uh, I can do simple things on Photoshop, but I'm not one of these great Photoshoppers. Like some of them in our forum community are excellent, but I'm not one of them. But I can tell you that even I, with my limited Photoshop skills, could Photoshop documents very well. I, I could I could send you a bank statement right now from any bank that I have that shows me that I, that shows I have a million bucks in the account. You have a very hard time determining whether it's fake or real because it's, it's not hard to Photoshop those type of things. Uh, so, even if someone sends you quote proof, you'd have to be very skeptical. What you need to do is you need to be present with them, and have them log into their online banking account in front of you and show you. And even then, be skeptical because what if they really have an account being released on that date, and then they still borrow from a hundred different people? That still doesn't help you. 
But but the truth is, there's very few accounts that are locked up so much that they can't be accessed in some way. Sometimes you'll lose your interest in them if you take them early, but it's rare that there's a bank account that's just held up where you can't touch the money until a certain date. Usually that's a scam when someone tells you that. So beware of these type of things if you have friends that, that tell you that that's what they need, especially someone who you think might not be flush with cash or has gambling problems or... It's just always very suspect. So, uh, just watch out. Anyway, let me uh, go to the next topic. That was our bonus topic. I meant to put it. Yeah, in. I mean, it's really just be prepared to lose it. Yes. If you're going to give, if you're going to lend money to somebody without an agreement, if it's a significant amount, you just have to think to yourself: if I don't get paid back, you know, lesson learned. Yeah, seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. I see. I see some people uh, still talking about calling in. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try my own number here with my cell phone. I'm gonna call the radio show seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. Let's see if I get a call because I hate when people say they're trying to call and and it's not answering because it makes me think there's some issue with the phones. But then whenever I see this and try it, almost every time the call really comes through. So we're gonna see here. If it comes through, I hear it ringing. Let's see if it's popping up. Ha! Huh. For once they're right. For once they're right. No wonder we're not getting any calls. We're having an issue with the phones. Let me see if I can fix that. I'm going to produce the show during the show. And. Uh, let me see if I can fix that. I apologize, guys. I guess the phone is uh, is having some problems, but I, I might be able to fix it. In the meantime, let's take a Skype call, which does work, from Matt the Rat. Hello. This is the leader of the syndicate. We have infiltrated Matt the Rat's house and eliminated him. He ratted out too many syndicate members, and he left us no choice. He was hard to track because last week your podcast said he lived in Kelowna. That threw us off track. Well, uh, no. I, what do you have to say? I, what I have to say is, first of all, you, you, you're, uh, th- this voice you're using is, is uh, whoever you are in the syndicate, this voice you're using is is failing. By, by the way, I see the calls. Here, let me get another call for a second. Uh, I, I, is, this, is this you, bad guy? Yeah, it's me. I'll shut up. Yeah, so are you, were you calling the call to listen line, by the way? Not the call. Are you, no, fuck you. I called the 775 line. You never answered, no. man. So you better change that phone number and quit changing the no. main line. Okay, so hold on, hold on. So, so, what the hell? What the <laughs> fuck was that? What the hell was that? That's, that's the syndicate. So, okay, syndicate who, who took over uh, Matt the Rat. I, yeah, I said you lived in Kelowna. Am I wrong about that uh, syndicate? Did I say that Matt lived there when he, he does not? That's correct. Do you know where Matt lives? In a town called Lake. Well, I know where... Unfortunately. I, the only thing I know about Matt the Razzy brings ketchup chips and shit. Yeah, he does. He does do that. But hold on, back. Let's have him answer. Where does he live, uh, Syndicate? Langley, BC. Oh, Langley. Uh, okay. Actually, so. he lives near a guy named uh, Limitless. Okay. I, wonder, I think he's a member of your community. I, I wonder who lives in Kelowna. I knew somebody lived in Kelowna. I just don't remember who it is. Langley makes sense though. Okay, so sorry about that, uh, Syndicate. And uh, you know the so so bad guy. Did you call the Mount Charleston line? Is that how you got through? You know, here's the bad thing about this show anymore. 
Like, I have a thing I want to talk about, and then I forget because you don't answer the fucking phone. Well, no, there's a problem with the phone. Which, li- which line? But you got through now. Which line were you calling? I called 775, then I called the 702. Okay, so, I mean, so, so you're on the Mount Charleston right now. The 702 is what you're calling right now. That's what I'm trying to find. Right. Okay, so that's what I'm trying to find. That's the only one you answer, bro. Well, no, I'm trying to fix it. I, there's a problem. I said that last week when I called. If you go back and listen, I'm telling you, I said the same thing. Seven seven five. Judon's been calling. You probably didn't answer his call. You no, don't I'm, get it. I'm not getting anybody's calls on that line. There's a problem with it. So I'm trying to see you as we're on the. Well, you better take that off your main line, bro. Well, I'm, tr- I'm trying to fix it here. I'm trying to see if who's I- the syndicate. Double J. I uh, some syndicate who took over uh, Matt the Rat's line here. Well, it sure it sure the hell sounds like Double J. <laughs> double. Who, who's Double J? Triple J, Double J, whatever. You know who I'm talking about. I, I mean, no, and it's cool that Tim, man, he's a good fucking co-host. I mean, he's a good person on the radio. Have you been drinking the moonshine that you owe us? You're late on your payment. Okay. I cannot understand what the fuck you're saying, something, man. Something about, like know, something, something about drinking moonshine. I don't know. I am drinking my moonshine. Thank you, Syndicate. Okay, I'm, I'm going to try. Anyway, Rose is living, bro. What was that? They almost, yeah, Rose is living. Oh, Rose is living. They almost oh, killed her. That, that, listen, let me tell you something. I got, I got a new scoop, but it's, I mean, it's over with. I mean, she's like in, she's like in like an old person's home, but it's not really an old person's home. It's like where they make you go because your insurance pays for it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, well, they fucking filled her lungs up because they were trying to give her too much liquid with the antibiotics. That's why she was having a jet of heart failure, man. Oh. It was bad, bro. Yeah, it was fucking bullshit. Man. I mean, you know, if she would have croaked, I probably got rich. I'd have, I'd have called uh, Finkelstein. Oh, so you would have had Alvin Finkelstein. They were wrong, bro. For, they, no, they were wrong, for, man. For, it was for, bad. Wrong, no, for real, they're stupid. No, I, I know that happens. I've, I've uh, uh, look. It scares me to to think that one day that I will be in the situation, or perhaps exactly. Me. And no one says anything about it, and then you're yeah. fucked. No, there's a lot. There's a lot of medical errors and malpractice that occurs in hospitals, and, and a lot of times it's, it's a very serious situation where they're, they're yeah, and you have to just trust what they're saying. Thankfully, I, I have someone I always double check with this, and that's my brother, who, who's a very good doctor, and, and he has a lot of knowledge in a lot of areas. And even the, the few areas where he's not very good, where he doesn't have that much knowledge, they tend to be more like non-life-threatening type areas, kind of like like orthopedics and stuff. Where, but 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 the the serious things. Uh, between he and his wife is a, is a doctor too. So between the two of them, there's a lot of a lot of good medical knowledge. And so anytime there's there's some medication suggested or anything that's told to me or, or my parents by, by doctors, then we run it by them and see if it, if it makes sense. And and that's and I really happen. believe you're lucky in that because I think these people just if you're 25 or 95 and you come into the emergency room. With the flu or whatever, they're just chalking up to whatever. Am I right or wrong on that? They don't look. For, listen, my grandma like uh, when she had like a quadruple bypass way back in the day, and I don't want to make this a big fucking thing about Rosa, but I'm just telling you, dude. She when Rosa says she can't fucking breathe, she can't. Her oxygen is usually like 98, man. Like at 95, you understand what I'm saying? With no oxygen on her. Rosa doesn't have any oxygen. She doesn't need anything to walk around with. I mean, she doesn't get around great. I mean, but I mean, she gets around as best you can when you're 95. But her oxygen went all the way down to 84 because these pricks were fucking filling her. I mean, at least if you're gonna fill her some, fill her some motherfucking whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> 
No, I'm, I'm being serious. They didn't even look. Because when she had a blood transfusion before, when she had a bypass, the same shit happened. Like, and yeah. she was telling us, she, when Rosa says she can't breathe, she can't breathe. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm telling you. Rosa never complains, man. That's... Like, she'll be the last one to go to the doctor. Like, if you, even though she knows she's sick, she won't go. So, anyway, it, 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 it thankfully came out good. She did this fucking place. I think she can come home tonight. But, you know, they're going to get their insurance money, and then... No, what, what sucks with... I had to give you an update. I called last no, I'm glad, week, I'm so. glad. I'm glad, you got, I'm glad Rose is doing well, and uh, maybe I still have a chance to come to Pittsburgh and, and have her cook... Uh, you better uh, come to Pittsburgh. What the fuck are you talking about in June? Yeah, well, I can't, I can't come to June. Come, dude. Just come yourself, man. Leave the kids and everybody at home. So wait, what's the purpose of flying all the way to Pittsburgh? I said, I'm flying to have a meal with the Grandma Rosa. No, we're not going to have a meal. Are you fucking kidding? So uh, we can talk about it behind the scenes. Listen, if you come to Pittsburgh, I'll make it worth your while, man. <laughs> Believe me. Look, I, no, I, I'm the, no, no, you're not. You're not going to cheat on your wife or anything, or your girlfriend, or your soon-to-be wife. Yeah, no, I'm not. Listen, I, I, man, I, I, it'll be. Listen, Pittsburgh's funner than you think, man. I mean, it is. <laughs> You can talk them down at the thirty sixty downtown. Okay, well, listen, I, I'll tell you that it is when you're old. It's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation with with uh, going to the doctor because if, if you do, you can get misdiagnosed and, and killed that way. If you don't, then major problems can go undiagnosed and kill you. This is actually what happened to my grandmother on my mother's side. She True she, story. She, she wouldn't go to the doctor. She was so afraid that they're scamming her. Well, the funny thing is that at the end of her life, they actually were scamming her. That's the sad thing. She actually did get scammed. There was a Medicare scam that they hit her with. Wow. And, and my, my mom had the smoking gun proof after my grandma was dead. That wasn't what killed her, but but there was a separate thing. There was a Medicare scam going on. My mom had smoking gun proof, brought it to the brought it to the authorities, and the authorities didn't give a crap. My mom had the smoking freaking gun that they that they falsified tests and everything. They didn't do a damn thing. That's why Medicare fraud is so rampant because unless there's like a major serial offender, they let it go. But anyway, that's a different story for a different time. But my grandmother, she she just never wanted to go to the doctor unless like my mom would would. Force her to basically. Force her to go. And, and, yeah. and my mom lived across the country in, in California, and my grandmother lived in New Jersey and Florida, so it was hard for her to do it. But uh, my she eventually had an issue with, with her leg that, uh, which can happen to forgetting the term for it, but it can happen to old people where they the, the, the circulation dialysis or something. The circulation dialysis. the circulation goes bad in their leg, which yeah, and the leg gets all red and puffs up a little bit. Yeah, and the, oh my god, yeah, is that what it is? And then the problem is the 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 blood doesn't get to the brain right. And then because of the circulation problem, and it starts yeah, causing issues. So, so she went within not nine months. She quickly went from very very sharp to totally out of it, not knowing what was going on in death. Wow. So she she died like just totally out of it. She didn't even, uh, she didn't even know what was going on when she died. And nine months earlier, she was completely uh, sharp and and Fine. so yeah. it was all because of the the. But the, but the problem was she. It took a while because it was it was nine months was fast, but it was still a slow process of uh, going from that to what appeared to be uh, mild signs of senility to to something being clearly wrong. But she did not want to go to the doctor, and and they by the time they she did go and they discovered what was wrong, it was too late, and too late. Uh, and, and she and she was uh, destined to die very soon and did. So that's uh, that's the problem, and you know when I am older and. Right now, I, I I always take the attitude of with medicine. Like, well, Trump, I don't know who would be able to get you to go to the doctor when you get older. Like for real, like, if you if you thought you were all right or something, you're gonna say go fuck yourself. 
Yeah, you know, I, I bet Benjamin will try. He'll try to. Uh, yeah, maybe your son. I could be the only yeah, one. Ben, I, I mean, for real, think about it. You're really stubborn. But, no, Benjamin tells me like when he sees me eating candy or something, he'll he'll tell me, "Don't eat candy. It's not good for you. or You're getting fat." <laughs> good. So, he'll, he'll say he's only six years old. He's saying this to me. So uh, anyway. I'm glad Claire Morosa is okay. Thank you for calling in. Uh, she way, is, and we're not, or, or we're, hopefully, I mean, I think they're going to keep her in there for two. I mean, they don't have to. I mean, the pneumonia is gone. It wasn't even pneumonia. It was what the fuck they gave her, the fluid, that made her have conge- congestive heart failure. That's what it was, man. Yeah, no doubt terrible. about it. It's terrible. Thing. But, uh, you know, I can't sue them now. Fuck. I wish you no, would you, still, you still can. <laughs> no, you still can. I think. You, I, actually, I think she still can sue them for for malpractice. Even if no, sure. Sh- well, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, what, well, we need Finkelstein on the case, thing. I mean, well, like, if, for if, real. if you've got, I'm going to sue listen, them. But I, I'm, I am seriously. Last week at this time when I called you, I was very distraught, man. I thought she was going to go, man, because I could tell she wasn't good. I know my grand. I, now I've seen her the last few days. I know she's good to go. She can come home right now. But they want to make their money, and they're going to do rehab. I mean, come on, man! What the fuck rehab is a ninety-five-year-old doing? They're <laughs> well, going to make her do like arm exercises. Like you ever <laughs> see that whole people exercises? No, that's what she's doing, man. That's what they do, bro. I'm telling you. Well, look, uh, I Rosa walks up and down fucking steps to this day, bro. Listen, listen. If, Her if, bathroom's if, down in the basement. If you there's have, no bathroom, this is a guy, duplex, if, man. If I'm telling you, listen. If you have proof. From from the doctors that have fixed this, my mom does, man. They apologize for it. Okay, well, if, they apologize listen, for you need, it. You need proof, something in writing from the doctors who diagnosed this that it was done wrong, and then you actually can sue them for medical malpractice. And you should get an you can get an attorney who does it on contingency, so they don't charge you anything. Now, I'd love to have Mr. I'd love to have uh, Mr. Finkelstein help you, but he's not uh, licensed to practice in in Pennsylvania. I know I, you would be able to help. <laughs> I mean, maybe you should talk to my mom then. I mean, because that's between you and her. Yeah, if, if she has, I'm just happy Rose is alive. Man, and you know she's gonna come home, I believe, and that's a whole other story because they don't want her to come home here. Because like I told you about the steps, but I think if Rosa leaves this house, you might as well put a gun to her head and shoot her because I think that'll be the end of her. You well, understand? Because she like this is where she wants to be. Well, she can, you know, even she, though it's a piece of shit house, she's been here forever, bro. No, I understand. She that. raised her family I here. Understand and stuff. That, but her but husband died here. I understand. So, but I, th- I think I think Rosa. If she if she really wants to leave now though she can't they can't force her to stay she can just get up and leave right this second she can tell them she can she can she can say no she can't it's not it's not it's not a prison you can always reject treatment you're right it's like an old person it's not an old person but it's like an old but you know they treat you a little bit better than there but if you go to like the other sections of that fucking place. If people don't come visit you and shit they treat you like shit I don't know I know there's a lot of there's a lot of old fucking Old people are in these fucking homes. They treat you like shit if no one comes to visit them. I'm telling you guys this. Well, and also let me, me. let me say this here: in the old people's homes, where they're you know if they're there because they're mentally incompetent and have dementia, then they can actually right. not let you leave for your own safety. But but if you don't have any kind of mental issues and you just want to leave and you're not shown to, you're not documented. Yeah, Rosa doesn't, man. Rosa's smarter than me. Okay, so, I mean, so that's, that's the point. So she, much, she, could le- she could leave because she's not shown to have any kind of uh, dementia problems or anything. Those she are, has no dementia. Those are the only that's ones amazing. that they can legally hold and prevent from leaving because they're, they're deemed mentally incompetent. But, but she's not deemed that. So uh, anyway. That's, that's what she was saying today, brother. She said she wants to go home, man. Okay, but, well, she should go. You know, I mean, they, they're saying she's not strong enough. We, I mean, let me tell you something. I know my grandma, she's 100% strong enough to come home today, but... 
you know, maybe Monday or Monday is a... Because, listen, here's my thing on this. Now, when you go into this fucking place, they make you put a mask on like you're fucking Michael Jackson. <laughs> I, no, like, no, I'll be for real, they do. I mean, I guess they're, they're trying... But these people, these people in these fucking places... I mean, it's not a hospital. They don't give a fuck. I mean, they're, they're dealing with these people all day long. You understand what I'm saying? But one good thing, like you said, if the lady can talk for herself or something and she's not fucking, you know, batshit crazy, they're not going to treat her probably like shit. No, you understand? Yeah, no, I mean, no, but no. I, I think a lot of people in these places get treated bad. They now. do. They do. And, and that's why I, I would be... Because... Uh, yeah, that's why I want to get... And another thing is, why am I putting a not fucking mask on so my grandma's going to get sick again? That's get what the I, fuck out of there. I feel if you, right if, you if you have the ability with whatever your situation is to have your parent or grandparent with you and and, and you know help take care of them that way rather than put them in a in a, in a home the home they're never going to treat them very well they're just a number they're just a money maker there's staff that, that will never happen the there's, 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 sta- there's, there's staff you won't members. let that happen yeah there's staff members who won't treat them well so it's not a good place to Put a lot of times people put them there and, and lie to themselves and believe oh they're going to get good care. You know, right. I, I mean, and sometimes you don't have a choice. Sometimes if, you know if if you're working all day, yeah, because it's too hard. If, if, or, or if you're not the there, if you're not home, you gotta, like gotta, her sister was gone to the wind and she was sharp as a nail. And then all of a sudden she just lost it, man. Like she, yeah, like, she didn't know who the fuck anybody was. Yeah, that's what happened to my grandmother. So, uh, so if, but I'm saying if 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 you are working. And you can't be home all day with with a parent who needs constant care. Then, unless you can have a nurse there that that comes just for your parent, if if you can't afford that, then you do need to put them in a home. But but if you can be there, then you should be because they're not going to get treated that well in these homes. And it, it also can, it can be like a depressing environment. Yeah, remember, listen, Rosa got a pension and she, like she makes like twenty two hundred bucks a month still for all. Rosa was a hard worker, man. Listen, Rosa would never. Listen, Rosa, you talk to Rosa. You think she's lost it? No. No, she's okay. Hell no. She's smarter than me, bro. No, but she's coming back. She's going to be on radio next week. That's my goal, man. Okay, that's next good. Wednesday, I, I hope... hopefully she's somewhere where I can put her on radio and be with her. And and I told her, man, she knows exactly. And she laughed when I told her about the radio. I said, I talked about you on radio. And she likes she likes the radio. It made her laugh. Rosa don't laugh that much, man. Like she doesn't laugh, but she laughs on radio a lot. Yeah, that's good. I mean, we'll, so we'll have her on next week if she. It's a good uh, thing, brother. Yeah, no doubt. Hopefully, and hey, take care of yourself, brother. You better come fucking out here in gym when the Dodgers come, man. <laughs> okay. All right, man. And all you bitches out there, take care of yourselves too, and don't let your fucking old grandma or something go to some bullshit home where they're taking advantage of her. She don't know what the fuck she's doing. Right. Strangle those motherfuckers. Tell them to strangle them. Yeah, I'm going to say something stupid at the end, bro. Okay, okay. very good. Thank you, man. Anyway, you take care of yourself, guy. man. And hey. She's okay. Hey, Trey Aruski, how's that tea coming? Tea's good. Actually, they wanted me to ask you something. Are you gay or not? <laughs> no, he's not gay. I don't think you are, bro. Do you well, take who, care who, of old me? people? Who, me? <laughs> no. Yes. I'm not. No, well, he comes off a little bit. Listen, listen. Hold up. Wait a second. Wait a second. Now I'm not hanging up yet. You come off a little gay on the radio, man, like the way you sound. But that's not a bad thing. You're just very polite. You come off gayer than Gruff. Now you're trying. I should think Gruff was gay. No, come on. You never thought I was gay. (laughs) No, I did, man, because you guys talk so correct. That doesn't make you gay. about his partner. 
Uh, yeah, I'm from the left of that your neighborhood, bro. No, I know, but that doesn't make me gay. No, I, I'll tell you, that, that's something I'm surprised you say that. No one ever thinks that I'm gay. That's one insult I never get. Or I never thought you were gay. You just talked so, you just made me think I was, like, smarter when I listened to you. <laughs> I mean, that's good. But Trader Ruski's got a different kind of voice. He don't have a radio voice. Well, okay. Look, I, I love having Trader Ruski on the show. I don't think he, I don't think he sounds hey, gay. Wait, do you, here, I have a question. I just want one question. It's not about being gay. I don't think Trader Ruski's gay. My question is, do, do, do you know Trader Ruski from before? Is that how he came on radio? No, I, well, I knew him from, uh, yeah, from the, the previous show we had, but not, uh, I didn't know him before. Uh, what previous shows. show? The, the Donk Down Show. What the fuck are you talking about? I was on the Donk Down Show. Now, he was kind of behind the scenes there. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't a, a so figure. He- was he the producer? No, no, no. He just uh, he just uh, helped us get some hats. He just uh, did some nice things for the show. Well, hey, Chad, you keep up the good work, brother. No, he's, brother. A, he's an asset to the show. No doubt about is, it, uh, man. I don't think he's gay. They asked me to ask him out on the chat if you look. Okay, well, no, he's not, he's not gay. I can tell you that. But he does come off a little bit, like, just so polite. I mean, I guess that's what it is. that a... Maybe. Oh, are, 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 are gay people supposed to be He, doesn't, he doesn't come on here going, fuck, ah, fuck Rosa. I mean, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not saying that either. I'm not saying fuck Rosa. I want, I want Rosa to live. No, I'm saying, no, no. He's just very polite, man. He's a very polite no, he's guy. Just, he's just a very nice guy. That's, that's what's going on. Exactly. Hey, not wrong with that, brother. Keep it up. And you guys take care of yourself. God bless. And you better come out here in June, bitch. Okay. You should. You, you better. Should, you know, Dodgers. Well, maybe you should come with him. <laughs> Trouble pay for your fucking ticket. <laughs> How about this? How about this? If I pay for both of you guys' plane ticket, will you come? Uh, then I might come if you if you fork over the money. Okay, both of you guys. <laughs> I, I can't come in June, but I definitely need to be on the East Coast in the next few months. So okay, maybe maybe. maybe How about that? Maybe well, so. then we can figure it out. We don't have to go to. We can go to a pirate game anytime. That's not to be the Dodgers. I'd rather Penguins. They'd rather the Penguins. Okay. Well, well, you well, love the Penguins? Hey, brother, we're going to be in the Stanley Cup, so, I mean, that's a, but you got to come around you, and that's like when it ends. You'll be facing I mean, us. Like, so you can come after Al. I mean, when the Stanley Cup is. But yeah. Anytime you guys want, I'll, I'll PM Jeff, man. I'll pay. I'll Bitcoin you the money. Okay, I, I may have to take him up on this one. Okay, so, all right, bad guy, th- thank no you for doubt. calling. No doubt. You know I'll do it, man. We, I'll do that for you, too. I mean, like, can we come out? Like, come on, man. I love to see you guys down here once, huh? We got we got to move on here, but, th- but thank you for calling. We'll, we'll All right, see if you we guys take care. Okay, move, Father, Detroit, Detroit. Okay. Thank, <laughs> thank you, bad guy. All right, you know, I, I one thing that's tilting to me on this show is when the caller is a different volume than the other than the co-hosts or, or or even the other callers that are calling through Skype or or even through the phones. Like, I have no way to make individual volumes here except for, I can do my volume and and everybody else's volume collectively. So I had to turn Trader Ruski down to make him too soft so bad guy doesn't blow out their ears. So I've just turned you back up Trader Ruski and same with same same with you uh, syndicate. Uh-oh. The, syn- the syndicate just died or something. I just heard a, cl- a crash. Syndicate's still here. Okay, that's good. Okay. So uh, anyway, a bad guy saying he's going to pay for us to come to uh, to Pittsburgh. That's that's crazy. Okay, that, that's uh, I want to talk about fantasy draft. They were going to buy. They're an alternate fantasy sports site that you can use uh, to bet on fantasy sports instead of FanDuel or DraftKings, the two titans in the industry. Fantasy draft, like 
the now defunct Fantasy Aces is, is one of the smaller sites, and they were going to buy Fantasy Aces until it came out that Fantasy Aces was broke and had stolen the player money. They stole $1.3 million worth of player money. So Fantasy Draft back out, backed out. Well, there is a new development in this that makes Fantasy Draft look very good. But just how much are they really doing for everybody? What they claim that they are doing is paying Fantasy Aces balances that they owe the players, that the players are pretty much going to get screwed and not get a dime. The players were collectively owed $1.3 million by Fantasy Aces. Fantasy Draft does not owe that money. They have nothing to do with Fantasy Aces, aside from coming close to purchasing them, but they don't owe it. It's not their debt. They're a competing company. So they have said that for the players and Fantasy Aces that are left high and dry, that they are going to cover it, which sounded great. In fact, I saw someone was tweeting out that we should be retweeting this as one of the rare, generous things being done in the gambling community to make a scam right by you know a third party that didn't have to do with it. So I decided, you know, nothing is ever done for no reason. Everything has some kind of ulterior motive or purpose to it in this poker and gambling world, except when it comes to Trader Ruski. He, he really does do things just to be nice, but there's there's very few Trader Ruskies out there. So I knew Fantasy Draft, there must be some catch in it for them. So I, I decided to analyze this. This is what Fantasy Draft has claimed in their blog. Fantasy Draft has entered into an agreement with the Fantasy Aces bankruptcy trustee to obtain player account and balance information in order to help reimburse missing Fantasy Aces player funds. Missing means stolen. Uh, as members of the Daily Fantasy Sports community committed to doing things the right way, we feel that we need to do our part to protect the lifeblood of the industry, the players. Yeah, bullshit. They're, they, uh, they're not trying to do their part. They're, there's, uh, they're obviously feeling they're going to gain something from this. Uh, through this agreement, we have committed to reimburse Fantasy Aces players up to $1,000 cash to cover missing account balances. This makes 99.6% of the players whole. In addition, to help those with larger balances, we are also going to offer the following. Players with a Fantasy Aces cash account balance with between $1,000 and $5,000, we will give $1,000 cash plus the remaining balance up to 4000 in what's called Fantasy Cash, which I'll get to in a second and explain. Players with over $5,000 balance on Fantasy Aces will give $1,000 cash, $4,000 Fantasy Cash, and a pending bonus for the remainder of your balance. And I'll explain that in a second, too. Upon court approval, we will provide additional details on how Fantasy Aces players can claim their funds on Fantasy Draft. Fantasy Draft is committed to being a responsible citizen of the daily fantasy sports community. That means we will do the things the right way, and your funds will be segregated and protected. We are licensed or registered in all states that have passed daily fantasy sports regulation and are compliant in each. When we say that we put players first, we mean it. Isn't that sweet? So here's really what's happening. It is true. If you have a balance of... A thousand or less, they will just pay you. No strings attached, no play required, no rollover required. You can just say, give me my money, and they will give it to you. They claim this in, that this uh, covers 99.6% of the players, so that almost everybody in the site had a balance of a thousand or less, so they can claim it. I don't know if that figure is correct, but they're claiming they've obtained the account information as part of the bankruptcy thing, and uh, they claim that that's that's what there is. Ninety nine point six percent of the players have balances of a thousand or less. So those players, yes, exactly as it sounds, can just get the money. So that's great. That's great. And if you are one of those players, 
And if you have a thousand or less on there, you will get the money. You don't have to play a dime on fantasy draft, and you've been made whole. Great. And drop. I'm sorry. Did you say how much they were planning to buy them for before they pulled out? Was that Th- number disclosed? That was never disclosed. Never disclosed. So now, what? What if you have more than a thousand? Well, then you get a thousand cash, just like the people who have a thousand or less. But you, you get a thousand cash. And then you get the remainder in what's called fantasy cash. Now, what is fantasy cash? Well, basically, fantasy cash is one-time rollover bonus money, meaning that you have to use that money to enter fantasy tournaments on their site. And whatever you win in these fantasy tournaments, you get those prizes in real money. So let's say, let's say you have $3,500 balance on fantasy aces, or you had that, and then fantasy aces went down. Fantasy draft will right away pay you $1,000, and you don't have to play anything further with that. You can just withdraw it and keep it. The remaining 2500 you will get in fantasy cash, meaning you have to enter $2,500 worth of tournaments with that fantasy cash. And whatever you win is yours to keep. So you're not risking anything, but at the same time, you, you can't just take the 2500 and withdraw it. You have to enter $2,500 worth of tournaments, and then whatever you win in those $2,500 worth of tournaments is what you can withdraw in cash. With no further play required after that, so it's a, it's it's what's known as one times rollover. You play it one time rollover. You play it uh, one time. You have twenty five hundred in fantasy cash. You have to play it through one time on their on their site, and then uh, and then you can withdraw whatever you've you've won. That's still pretty good. It's not as good as, as its direct cash reimbursement, but it's it's still pretty good. However, for those that have more than five thousand, this isn't that great of a deal. Why? Well, you get your first thousand just like everybody else with no play required. Then you get your 4000 in fantasy cash with a one-time rollover. Now, I explained that's not as good as, as direct cash, but at least it's uh, you're not risking anything, and uh, you'll still probably convert it to some decent real money. The problem is after that, you get what's known as a pending bonus. Well, the pending bonus, you first of all, it only presumably kicks in after you've used your fantasy cash. So once you've used up your fan, your four thousand in fantasy cash, then for everything else you have on there, let's say you had you had a seven thousand dollar balance on fantasy aces, so you first thousand dollars you just get in cash. The next four thousand you have to play in fantasy cash in the same way I described to play four thousand worth of tournaments, to, and then you can cash out whatever you get uh, from those. But then the remaining two thousand would be in a what's called a pending bonus, and that the pending bonus would work where you uh, for every. $25 you wager on the site, you get $1 bonus in fantasy cash. Now, this money you're wagering is real money. This is not you're not wagering fantasy cash at this point. You're getting you have to wager real money that you either deposit or still have from from, you know, from the other money they gave you, which you could cash out anytime. So you're you're now wagering real money and only getting $1 bonus for every 25 wagered and then the bonus you get is not even in real cash. It's in fancy cash, meaning you have to roll that over one more time to turn it into real money. So, so basically, you'd have to to get this two thousand dollars in pending bonus. You'd have to wager fifty thousand more in tournaments to convert that two thousand dollars into two thousand dollars fantasy cash, and then play another two thousand worth of tournaments with the fantasy cash to convert it into real money. So that means you'd have to play fifty-two thousand dollars worth of tournaments with that money, and you'd be risking a lot of real money along the way. So this basically sucks. That that bonus is pretty useless. Unless you're already a very active fantasy player and we're going to play this much anyway. Then then it's fine. But if you were not going to play this much volume anyway, 
then you may actually lose. In fact, there's a good chance you will lose real money on the way trying to earn the remainder of that pending bonus. So that's pretty useless, except unless you're a big-time winning player there. Yeah, but those that pro- those are probably just the pros, the point four or ninety percent of them anyway. Yes, yeah, so, the, so the, they probably want to discourage them from even doing it anyway because that hurts their business model, right? Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's probably true. And also, now there may be some whales who just play really big on that. That's what I'm worried about. Like uh, the, the pros, yeah. I know they're gonna they're gonna yeah, but I don't, but they would have had to probably hit something to have. Well, I mean, if they had like ten, that, I you know, are they depositing? Maybe they are. Maybe they are depositing that much to play like a whole lot of things at once. You so. Uh, anyway, they that if you have more than f- five thousand on there, unless you're a very active player who's going to continue being very active on there, then this is not doing you much good. The remainder above the five thousand mark, so this is great. You get fully paid if you have a balance of one k or less. It's pretty good if your balance is between one k and five k, and if it's over five k, a little bit over, it's still pretty good. If it's way over, then this is kind of a fail. But uh, is it better than nothing? Definitely. It's not anywhere near fully making good. But it, but it's uh, it's definitely better than nothing. And with that said, if their numbers are accurate, if they really are making ninety nine point six percent of the players whole, then that's very nice for just about everybody on the site. So that's uh, now. Why are they doing this? Are they are they trying to be good citizens? Are they trying to do the right thing? Are they trying to be nice? No, they they're bringing you to their site. They want you to be happy with them. And say, okay, well, this is where we're going to play now. Wow, I, I get $1,000 uh, cash free and clear and I have to play? Well, the, that's, that's great. I love this place. Okay, this is where I'm going to play from now on. That's, that's what they want you to say. They, they want the, the goodwill they're going to get from this and the new customers they're going to get from this, they're going to be loyal to them. They figure is probably worth whatever they're giving away here. Keep in mind the entire debt there is $1.3 million. And they're not going to have to pay anywhere near $1.3 million because I, I have to imagine a lot of the big balances might be uh, a fair portion of that, so so they uh, there's probably a lot of real micro balances on there. You know, people have seventy dollars, you know, twenty dollars, you know, things like that. Could a lot of balances. So when they say ninety nine point six percent of the players, they don't mean ninety nine point six percent of the fund. They mean ninety nine point six percent of the players. In fact, there's many players that probably have zero, and they probably uh, include that in there too. So, in fact, I bet that's a big chunk of it. But still, I don't think they'd say make them whole if they were zero. Well, it's it said this is what their words are. Their words say, yeah, it makes them whole. I don't know. But yeah. look, I mean, especially if they were about to pay like three million dollars for the company, now they're basically just buying the whole list, probably from the bankruptcy court. Yes, spending one point three million that they'll probably only pay a few hundred thousand of. Yeah. Or maybe half. I mean, it's basically, you know, I mean, it's probably like full tilt or uh, poker stars to full tilt, but probably something in between that and what the guy, what the corrupt guy was going to do before poker stars came. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, uh, it is something like that. And and you're right; it is kind of like buying it without directly buying it. And you know, I, something I just thought of: maybe the 99.6 percent of players. Maybe there's a lot of people with super micro balances, like you know, that they just couldn't play anything. Like they're down to 13 cents. So technically, they're owed 13 cents, right. and, yep. that, and that's a balance. But and they couldn't enter anything for 13 cents, so they just leave it on there. And uh, and then so now, if you want, you can claim your 13 cents. So, but they can they can consider that making you whole. So I, I bet a lot yeah. of them are like that. I'd be very interested to hear what that 99.6 percent is equal to in cash 
And, and I think if it was a, a very large percentage of the 1.3 million, they'd be telling you. I think they say uh, this this includes 99.6 percent of all the balances, and they add up to you know one million of yeah, the 1.3 million, or at million, least you know. over a million dollars. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they say, it, it adds up to to one million of the 1.3 million owed. Uh, we're giving away free and clear here, something like that. But they're not saying that probably because a lot a lot of these 99.6 percent of tiny tiny balances that maybe even just cents, and maybe this, there's a few really big ones that 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 are adding up to a lot of that 1.3 million. So anyway, it's, I'm not going to criticize this as it's not a scam. It's a nice thing that's being done. They may be doing it for somewhat selfish reasons, but that doesn't mean you also can't benefit from it. So uh, if I think it's found money for anyone who had money on that site, that at the very least, everybody gets at least $1,000 free and clear of what, they had on fantasy aces so whatever you had on fantasy aces you either get the whole thing or up to a thousand dollars free and clear where you could never play anything on fantasy draft and just get that money which is great so that's uh that's good that's happening and it's nice when uh, another business steps up and look we have this happening in the non-gambling world in 2008 when there was the financial meltdown and a lot of banks crashed at first, the model was the FDIC was just paying the insurance. Then other banks realized, wait a minute, we can buy some of these distressed banks and it'll come out as a net gain for us. And that's what started happening. And now it's very rare when banks crash for the FDIC to make payments, where in 2008 it was happening. Now, when banks fail, they tend to get bought by, by bigger banks. And that's, that's what's been happening. And again, the bigger banks are not doing this to be good corporate banking citizens are doing it because they believe there's an upside for them financially. So sometimes there can be something that's an upside for the business that happens to help the customer too. This is one of them. So it's, it's good. And I, and I give them props though, for at least giving up to a thousand free and clear rather than making you earn it for yourself, which a lot of times a site like this would do. So I give them props for giving people up to a thousand free or clear that free and clear. That wouldn't always happen. You can you can check the full analysis on the scam scandals and shadiness forum on the Fantasy Aces thread, which is entitled uh, Fa- "Fantasy Sports Trade Association Suspends Membership of Site Fantasy Aces for Not Separating Operating Cash and Player Deposits." That's the thread name on the Scam Scandals and Shadiness forum. A poker fraud alert. You'll find at the end my post about that matter. If you want to see all of this in writing that I just explained to you. Yeah, it would be interesting to see here how much they're risking. Yeah. Because even, you know, it could be that it could be that 80% of the players have less than 100 bucks or 90% of the players. Yeah. You know, and then a certain amount might be able to capitalize on the thousand. And then there's some that are over, you know. Yeah, it could, it could be a surprisingly small percentage of the 1.3 million. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, I want to tell you guys about. Blackjack on the Strip, or not just in Vegas. And this was a an article put together by John Mahaffey, who I believe runs uspoker.com. And you used to have... To, you, there, there was a thing you could pay for from a guy named Stanford Wong who would put together a list called the Current Blackjack News. I don't even know if it still exists. I used to buy it a long time ago. But... The, John Mahaffey went and did the work, and you had to buy anything. This is, uh, and you can see the link to it. It's from his 
website, like online United States Casinos dot com or something. Uh, he's he does a lot of affiliate stuff, John Mahaffey. So he writes good articles, but he also the the reason he's doing this from a financial standpoint is he's hoping you'll click on his affiliate links over there. But but I'll say he he puts out quality articles. He doesn't just put together fluff. So. I like a lot of the stuff he does. He does a lot of good research about gambling in Nevada. And he's a smart guy. He's often finding advantage plays and stuff like that. Uh, So he did a great piece where he is reviewing blackjack games in Las Vegas. So if you want to know where to find the best blackjack you can read this article. and The link is on the in Poker Fraud Alerts Casinos in Las Vegas forum. There's a thread called Best Rules Blackjack Games in Las Vegas at limits of $3,5, dollars $50, So that's what he did. And what do I mean by rules? Well, in blackjack, there's different rules that actually determine what the house edge is. Some rules are you know, favorable for the player, and the more that are apply to the game, the better for the player. So, or sometimes a rule can be good for the player one way, bad another way. So here's, here's a, a huge rule that's been changed in recent years. Traditionally, blackjack would pay you 3 to 2, meaning if you bet $50 and you get a blackjack, you get paid $75 on top of you getting your $50 that you initially bet back. Then they came out with a 6 to 5 game, meaning you would only get $60 on that $50 bet for a blackjack. And that doesn't sound like a huge difference, but it's huge. It really just destroys your chance to even you know come have a fighting shot at winning in blackjack. That's just a killer. You need those good blackjack payouts to to come out ahead. I mean, that doesn't mean you can't have a winning session, but your odds are significantly reduced when you, you play the six to five games. You should never play any six to five game. But unfortunately, the six to five games are becoming more and more common in Vegas. They originated. Harris invented them. They originated because. Harris noticed that a lot of people were trying to go play single deck, believing that single deck is what the pros play. Now, the only reason single deck was played by the pros is because pros could count cards, and when you count cards, it's much more meaningful at single deck than in, in, at uh, six or eight decks. But uh, these players didn't understand that. All they knew is that the pros played single deck, and if they played single deck also, that must be good because that's what the pros do. So Harris, knowing that people believe that, said, hey, why don't we just put together a really terrible single deck game and in fact, even people who think they know how to count cards, let them, will make the game so terrible that they can't beat it. And the way they made it terrible was they made the blackjack 6-5 to five instead of 3-2. to two. And these were very popular. You would not believe how jammed these 6-5 to five single deck tables were at Harris. So they started, when Harris merged with Caesars, they started expanding them to the other Caesars properties. And then other strip casinos caught on, and it's becoming more and more popular because in the old days of Vegas, the only people who went to Vegas, for the most part, were people who were gamblers, people who understood the games they were playing. People weren't going there as much for the entertainment. They weren't taking their families there much. It was, it was more people going strictly to gamble. In the early 90s, there started to be a transformation of Vegas, where Vegas became more of an entertainment destination than just a gambling destination. And then more families started coming, which meant more recreational players who didn't really know what they were doing. They understood basically how to play blackjack, but not what constitutes a good game or a bad game. So when someone doesn't understand what constitutes a good game or a bad game, it's at the casino's advantage to make it a bad game and win more money. So that's when things like 6-5 to five started to proliferate. That's when the rules started to get worse and worse, whereas in the old days, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, they would not offer these bad games because nobody would play them, because the, the typical player was too wise. 
Also, the typical player was not quite as wise as they were believing back then. They, they also gave the, the player too much credit for being more knowledgeable than they were. And there was also somewhat of a revolution in that they realized that all along they've been giving every player too much credit when it's only a small percentage that's really knowledgeable about it. And that a lot of them, even back in the old days, would have played crappy games. Maybe not 6-5, to five, but they, a lot of them would have played it uh, a lot more than they would have imagined. So, but especially since Vegas became more of an entertainment destination... They can especially get away with it. And in fact, they've decided at many casinos they don't even really want the players who are knowledgeable because the edge on them is much less. They'd rather those players don't even really come and that the seats are being occupied by people who are clueless. So, it has gotten tough to find good rules blackjack games in Vegas. Another advantage to having poor rules games for casinos is they don't have to watch them carefully because card counters won't hit those games. Even card counters can't beat the bad games. The edge is just too big for the casino. So that's another reason they can employ idiotic pit staff and idiotic people in the eye of the sky and not worry if they can't detect a card counter. Nor do they have to worry about the how it looks bad when they're ejecting card counters. Because they, they, the casinos, they don't like ejecting card counters and having others see that because they don't like giving other gamblers the impression that they're ejecting winners. So anyway, here is a... I'm going to tell you about the games that are best in Las Vegas, according to John Mahaffey, who I'm sure did great research because he's a smart guy and is typically good at these things. He, d- he published this article two days ago on February 13th. He reviewed them for the $3, $5, $10, $25, $50, and $100 minimum bets. So... He says that uh, in the games he's listing, he's listing that everything from three to twenty-five dollar minimums, they hit on soft seventeen. That they being the dealer, soft seventeen is like an ace and a six. Actually, it, it, that's what it is. And it's an ace and a six, or it could be like ace four two. Anything that's seventeen, where it's, it's involving an, an ace, where it could also be seven. Uh, it's, it, it's better for the player if the dealer does not hit soft seventeen. Odds wise, it is better for you if they stand on on, on soft seventeen. So he's saying that uh, he's not going to even mention whether they hit or stand on soft 17 because all the games he listed that are 25 and below do hit soft 17. And uh, 50 and above, he'll, he'll note which one does and doesn't. So $3 blackjack, $3 minimum blackjack. That is hard to find in Vegas now. Used to be common, but now it's getting hard to find. It's really, really hard to find $3 blackjack where the payouts are good, or forget good, getting a 3-2 to two blackjack. Even that is very hard to find, $3. But... You can find it. Not on the Strip, but if you go to a casino called Arizona Charlie's, you can play a 3-2 to two blackjack game. It's a six-deck shoe. You can double on any two cards, meaning some, some casinos limit you to doubling on 9, 10, or 11. Here you can double on any two cards you want. And you can also double after you split. So let's say you get 8-8, uh, eight, eight, you split them, and then you get a 3 dealt on the first 8. Well, that's 11. You want to double, right? Some places won't let you. This game also lets you do something unusual, and that is re-split aces. That is, if you get two aces, usually you split them, and you get one card each, and that's it. And you can't continue hitting them. And if you get a second ace, you just, you're just you just screwed because you have uh, basically 12, and then you're standing on it. Resplit aces lets you actually split it again. So that's a nice thing to have. He's saying that uh, Arizona Charlie's allows that too. So he said other casinos that offer games that... Uh, also let you double down and, and, and double after splitting are Club Fortune, Jerry's Nugget, and Railroad Pass. So, best one is Arizona Charlie, but also 
Club Fortune, Jerry's Nugget, and Railroad Pass. None of these are on the Strip. Look them up where they are. Railroad Pass is out if you're driving toward uh, Lake Mead, by the way. I'm not sure where Jerry's Nugget or Club Fortune is. And uh, Arizona Charlie's is... Uh, it's on Charleston, I believe. Charleston or Decatur. Something in the direction kind of north-west of the Strip. I've been there before. That's the best $3 games in Vegas. That's it. Other than those, don't bother. If you, other than those four places, don't bother with $3 blackjack. You're going to have a terrible game. Best $5 games in black in Vegas in blackjack. Well, no surprise, Arizona Charlie's also has the best $5 game. And believe it or not, they actually have a reasonable $5 double deck game, which is especially unusual. You can actually double down before and after splitting. And you can resplit aces. Which is pretty amazing. Now, I wonder in that game if they're kicking out card counters. That would be a very... I don't know how far the penetration is, which only matters for card counters. That means how far they deal before they reshuffle. But if they have penetration is even okay there, that could be a very beatable game. I'm not sure if they are on the lookout for card counters. They probably are, because it's still a locals place. It's not high limits. And if you were to come there and really smack them for a few thousand dollars, that would really hurt them. But uh, anyway, that's the best place for $5 blackjack. You can actually play double deck there. And three to two, and double after split. Uh, other station, other places that have three to two blackjack at the five dollar level: Alianta Casino, Boulder Station, Eastside Cannery, El Cortez. Which, by the way, I know will kick you if you're making uh, even playing basic strategy. Basic strategy meaning just the what you learn as the best strategy for blackjack without card counting, which is what most good non non-counters play, so if you're even a basic strategy player, don't go to El Cortez, they'll kick you. Uh, Fiesta, Gold Coast, Joker's Wired, w- Joker's Wild, Orleans, which is uh, not that far from the Strip. It's on uh, not Tropicana, I think. I think that's where it is. Uh, Railroad Pass, Rampart, Santa Fe Station, Suncoast, and Texas Station all offer this game with Double Down and with Double After Split. These are all double-deck games, but you can also find six-deck shoes at, with good rules at Aliante, Downtown Grand, and Rampart. And this includes Surrender and Resplit Aces, which are both good for the player. Notice that every casino I've listed there is not on the Strip. They're all located either in the locals' market or downtown. So keep that in mind. If you want to play on the Strip, you're not going to find any 3 or $5 blackjack games that have decent rules, or even ones that have crappy rules but still 3-2. to two. You won't find any 3-2 to two Blackjack games at $3 or $5 minimum on the strip at all. That's too bad. It's pretty disgraceful, actually. Now, you will find a decent $10 game on the strip. That's at Treasure Island. They have a double deck with a double down before and after splitting for $10 minimum. And they have a six deck game with Surrender and Resplit Aces. Also, the SLS Las Vegas, the former Sahara has six deck games like that for $10. So you want to go to SLS or Treasure Island on the Strip if you consider SLS the Strip, which I really don't, for $10 minimum. Something you card counters may want to know, Treasure Island is an independent casino, so is SLS. So if you want to card count over there, and I don't know how far the penetration is again, but uh, that's a good place to do it because you're not going to get kicked out of a group of casinos. See, I 
I I don't card count in places like Caesars because the last thing I want to do is get kicked out of Caesars and not be forget my losing my seven star, which would also suck. But I I also would not want to lose the World Series for this, so I I would never risk that over there. I also wouldn't do it at the MGM properties and lose all those properties. So you want to risk this type of thing at a casino where it doesn't really matter to you if you come back or not. So Treasure Island is is a good example of that. The best twenty five dollar minimum blackjack in Las Vegas. They get a lot better at this point, and you can find on the strip now decent games. Most MGM properties have $25 minimum six-deck games where you can double down before and after splitting, resplit aces, and surrender. Those are good games. You still uh, They're still hitting soft 17, but other than that, it's a good game. Stratosphere, Luxor, Excalibur, New York, New York, Monte Carlo, Mirage, Circus Circus all have double decks that also have double down before and after splitting. Most of these are MGM properties I named, but uh, notice Caesar's properties are not on this list. <laughs> so Caesar's property blackjack sucks in Vegas. In fact, most most games you're going to play at Caesar's properties in Vegas suck, either machines or blackjack. They're just all kind of crappy. $50 blackjack. Minimum. Now, keep in mind, there's a lot of variants of this, especially if you're card counting and splitting and spreading your bets a lot. When you card count, you tend to spread your bets for like one to six times your basic bet. So, if you're playing fifty dollar blackjack, you'll be going up to like so you'll have some three hundred dollar bets going, and then even more if you have to split or double. So, it's, you can chunk off a lot of money quickly if you're not running well with these. So, Treasure Island, another good one for fifty dollar blackjack. It's on the strip, of course. Uh, there's Actually, two games there that do stand on all 17s. One's a double deck where you can double down before and after splitting. The other's a six deck that has surrender and resplit aces. And if you want to get away from the strip and go all the way south to, you know, way south of the main part of Las Vegas, the M Resort has the same two games for $50 minimum. Now, I. I think there's a good chance that you're going to get kicked out pretty quickly if you're a card counting at these, because there's not many people around. They watch you like a hawk. And when you play at this level, they really watch you closely. It, it's it's just uh, something that's going to get you thrown pretty quickly. So I'd keep that in mind before you go. Say, oh, I'm going to go hit the $50 game. Well, you, you're not going to last long there, probably. Bellagio and MGM Grand will also spread these games for $50, but only during off-peak hours. You're not going to find them on Friday or Saturday night. When it gets busy, they raise them to $100. The first Caesars property on this list shows up. Bally's offers a stand on all 17s six-deck game with double down before and after splitting and surrender at the $50 level. Though I don't think resplit aces. The same game is also spread by Green Valley Ranch, a local's casino in Henderson. So, again... If you're a card counter, I would stay away at all the MGM and Caesars properties. It's just not worth it getting kicked out of those places. They're gonna, if they ban you, you're going to get banned from every single one of their properties. And it's a huge pain in the ass, and, and it's difficult or impossible to reverse. If you just want the best odds, and you're going to do basic strategy, they will not kick you out. You'll be playing still with a house edge against you, and you will lose eventually. But uh, if you're just looking for the best game and play basic strategy, then I, I, you can go play any of these. And in fact, I would encourage playing any of these because then you're not throwing as much money away. Now, if you're going to play $100 minimum, which is uh, can especially encourage variants. The highest I've ever minimum I've ever played is 300 minimum. That was a little bit of a scary game. Uh, 
one, one time I've, I played the 300 game at, at, at Bellagio and I was worried they're going to see me as a counter. And, and my sister was in town and, and my then girlfriend, not the one I'm with now, but uh, I went with both of them to the game and they watched me. I just looked like some guy with two girls on his side. And it was actually a good disguise. They, they, they were not suspecting that I was a counter. I think I even ordered a drink. Like I, I tried to make it look like just the rich guy who showed off to two women. But anyway, the, for a hundred dollars minimum bet, there's a lot of options there. Player that the the they will a lot of places will stand on all seventeen, including double decks. They'll double down before and after splitting, and at six deck shoes, they'll throw in the surrender and resplit aces. This includes Aria, Bellagio, Mandalay Bay, and MGM Grand. And Cosmopolitan even does this at double deck. Unbelievably. You could do surrender, resplit aces, and double and before and after uh, splitting. Just a double deck. Now, I guarantee you, you try that one in the Cosmo, they're going to boot you real fast. The Cosmo has very little tolerance for card counting. So th- that's the best game in Vegas. The double deck game that holds those, that's rule, those rules, that's crazy. So they will they will get to you so fast over there, I guarantee. So don't try to card count that one. They're they're going to get you real fast. Uh, also, with a stand on all seventeen hundred dollar minimum six deck games that have double down on any two cards and after splitting, and surrender any split uh, resplit aces, you can find these at Mandalay Bay, MGM Grand, Tropicana, Cosmo. The Bellagio, Mirage, Venetian, Palazzo, and SLS Las Vegas. So, a lot of good uh, double-deck games and six-deck games at the $100 minimum level. I guess uh, the Cosmo game I was talking about is so great. I guess they also have that in Aria, Bellagio, Mandalay Bay, and MGM Grand. Again, they will get rid of you real fast in those places, though, for doing that. But the Cosmo especially. I know the Cosmo is very hard on card counters. Believe it or not, they never got me. But uh, I, I played a little bit when they first opened. Thought I may have been detecting some heat and got out of there. And then I heard all these card counters were getting banned there. I said, forget it. I'm not I'm not doing that there again. So that's the list. And that's it. That's it right now. This may change in the future, but that's, that's it. Notice the Caesars properties are barely mentioned. Only uh, Bally's for that $50 minimum game is mentioned. But the rest of them pretty much suck. <laughs> so MGM is much better. But again, try it. if you want to play blackjack and card count, try the independent properties. Where if you're ever going to card count before you start, you've got to say to yourself, "If I get kicked out of here, how much will this upset me? If I can never set foot in this place again, will I be really upset? Will I think it's a moderate d- uh, disappointment, or will I not care? If it's anything above a moderate disappointment, don't play. Don't don't card count." So there you go. It's a very nice list that John Mahaffey put together. I appreciate that, and uh, hopefully this will help you. And you may be thinking, okay, I'm not a card counter. I don't give a crap about this list. Why do you waste my time here? You should give a crap. Don't don't play those 6-5 to five games ever. Don't ever play those 6-5 to five games. The house age is so big. Do not do it. Do not do it. Demand 3-2. to two. And, and go to these places that have the better rules. It'll make a big difference. Because it adds up. You play hand after hand after hand. The house edge really adds up quickly. If you've got a bad house edge against you, okay. Let's let's, uh, let's move on here. A New York gambling ring bust back in December 
has resulted recently in some names being released in associated in association with that bust of who were the clients of these gambling rings, uh, really sports betting. And it actually was uh, it, it, it <laughs> revealed some names that you've probably heard of before. Where's that article? I lost, why did I lose that article? I have the article. Let's see where I can find it. That's why I'm hesitating here. Um, here we go. This is from RadarOnline.com. And this is about a site called fourspades.org. It's number four, and then the word spades.org. And if you go there right now, even though the site got busted... Yeah, I think it's still operating. Right now, actually, it's not operating. Right now, it's just hanging. It's not down, but it's just hanging and not loading. But but someone said it was still operating as of a few days ago. I never went to it. But fourspades.org was the site that got busted. And it just came out, the celebrities that were involved in betting with them. This is from... RadarOnline.com It says the takedown of a mafia-run gambling ring in New York City threatens to trap a gaggle of high-profile celebrities who a source claims may have been caught on wiretaps making illegal bets. Thirteen members and associates of the Genovese organized crime family were were nabbed in the December 15th bust. By the way, if your bookie is part of the Genovese organized crime factory, that's who you don't threaten to pay you. That's, that's, don't call their wives. Yeah, don't call don't call their wife and say you better pay me. You, you could, they're going to be uh, sending Big Charlie after you there, and they, it's not going to be good. So, like like uh, who will probably show up at your house will be the, the syndicate. The syndicate still here? Syndicate's not afraid of them. No, the syndicate would be afraid. Okay, the syndicate would stand up to them, but most people wouldn't. So, uh, so one of the people who's collecting the wagers was Vincent, quote, Vinny Talisiero, a longtime Brooklyn bookie who collected wagers from a who's who of Hollywood elite. So I, don't, I wouldn't want Vinny Talisiero, who was part of the Genovese, Genovese organized crime family, coming after me for, for, for calling up his wife and harassing her because he didn't pay me. That, that's probably when I'd back down. But anyway, the, the list of New York City celebrities who are supposedly on this list that, you know, what was happening is there's wiretapping going on. They were listening to the phone conversations when they were placing bets, and they, they caught some people who were involved in this. That were They're not committing any crimes. They're not going to arrest these people, but these were people who were betting on a lot of these games through, through this uh, betting ring. This includes James Conn, Tony Danza, Paul Sorvino, who actually... Uh, Played a mafia boss in, in Goodfellas, and of course uh, James Caan was uh, was in The Godfather. James Caan is supposedly a big gambler. He bets on anything. He'll even bet on which elevator doors open first. Said an insider. Some of the other profi- high profile gamblers include Regis Philbin, Charlie Sheen. That's not a surprise. Uh. Someone who is no longer alive, Law and Order star Jerry Orbach. 
he was apparently a client there. Seinfeld creator Larry David. He should make some uh, episodes of his show about <laughs> about gambling with a New York City ring that gets busted and his name gets out. It'd be a good episode of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, another actor who is no longer alive, who is from the wise guy named Ray Sharkey. James L. Brooks, the producer, is supposedly one of the gamblers. And uh, let's see who else we got here. Ed Ed Weinberger, who created Taxi, which is interesting because uh, Tony Danzo was in Taxi. I wonder if that has to do with it. And a number of other television shows from like the 70s and 80s. I remember Ed Weinberger's name in the credits, like when they, you know, when the, when the show is over, it's usually a sitcom, and then you'd hear like applause at the end, and then they'd run quick credits before doing the whole long scrolling credit with the end song. And it would say, I think, created or produced by Ed Weinberger. And the reason I remember that is because it was Ed period Weinberger. Which I felt was really weird. Like, why isn't it just Ed? Why is it Ed period? Even if, it, it, even if it's short for Edward, why, why is it Ed period? Why not just be a nickname Ed? But it was always Ed period Weinberger. And I always noticed that. So as soon as I saw that name, I'm like, ah, I remember Ed Weinberger when I watched TV in the 80s. But he, he bet too. A lot of these people have got to be pretty old. I know that uh, James L. Brooks is, I looked him up, he's 76. Let's see how old uh, Ed Weinberger is. I've never even seen what he looks like. Let's see. And I, I finally see him. He is going to be 72 this year. I see he's been married for 33 years. I guess with all the gambling, his wife still stayed with him. It's nice. So, the source to Radar Online said they probably caught some of these celebrities on the wiretaps. And they usually place their their bets with Vinny by telephone if they weren't physically in New York to do so. So, it's funny. These guys get all this money from uh, their Hollywood work and then they, uh, they sports bet. Sports betting is not just for uh, degenerates in poker. It's for degenerates in Hollywood, too. And these sites, by the way, uh, these are the type of sites like the ones I was describing where you can rent space on them. And apparently the someone from our site, F and Donkey, says that he knows someone personally who has one of these sites that I'm not sure if it's he's, he's, it's unclear in his message here but I, I think he says that the, for $2,000 you can get one of these sites up in 48 hours or at least you could through the Genovese organized crime family. It's just like one of these you know, they were running these type of sites that, that my bookie in Las Vegas was using. Now my, my bookie was not part of the Genovese crime family but he was renting from one of these sites that that probably was maybe not part of this uh, family, but uh, you know anyone can do it. Like I, if I wanted to, I, I wouldn't do it. But if I wanted to, I could I could contact one of these illegal sites in Costa Rica and say, hey, I want to be an agent for you guys, and if I pay the entry fee to get it open, which which F and Donkey is saying was two K in this case for the Genovese uh, organized crime family, then you could rent space on them too. So that doesn't mean you're part of the family there. And it's not even like you're being an agent for them. You're basically just renting. I think they charge like a per player fee a month. Yes. 
and then you have the call center and the uh, website, and then you just have your, your, you know. Then you answer the money, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, and by the way, Daly, who's a, a very good and experienced sports better on our site, he broke this down for everybody about the legality of uh, of this. He says, it's not illegal to make bets. That's why you shouldn't be afraid. If you were making bets and you were stiffed by a bookie, you shouldn't be afraid to go to authorities. Now, depending on the jurisdiction or, or who you get, you know, you, they may not do anything about it, but they, you shouldn't be afraid they're going to arrest you if you admit you were betting with a bookmaker. That's, it's not illegal to make bets. It's not illegal to run one of these websites, believe it or not. You can always say that they're for entertainment only. So you actually can run a website... Now, once you're actually managing the money of the website, which is actually being used for real money, then they can clamp down on you. But it's uh, just to have a website up with odds that people are placing. Uh, if you can make a reasonable case that you didn't know that people were using it to actually bet real money, believe it or not, it's not technically illegal. However, they could probably make a pretty good case against you that you are that you are aware that people are taking real money bets through your site. And even if you're not the one facilitating the money moving back and forth and they could make a case against you. So before you start one of those sites, you should know that. But the actual act of putting up a website that provides odds where you can uh, uh, gamble fictitious money on it that you're not handling is uh, is technically legal. But again, if, you, if you're using this to enable those who are waging real money, then they can get you. He says, it's semi-illegal to be an agent of a sports book where you pay out and collect from a bunch of customers. Uh, I have to say it's more than semi-illegal. I know a number of people in poker have been busted exactly for doing that. He says it's illegal to run a sports book if you're the guy holding the bets and charging VIG, you're the target. Now, that part's true. Uh, the one who's actually uh, running the book and who's actually charging the VIG on the bets, which is the important thing here. Uh, if you have a direct bet with someone, let's say someone comes to me and says, hey, like we we have friendly bets sometimes, you know. Some fan of the Giants wants to bet against me on a uh, Dod- Giant Dodgers game. We each, you know bet straight up a hundred dollars with each other. That that's not illegal because we're we're not charging each other vig. We're just we're just betting on the results of a game, you know, directly with each other. Uh, it's it's where you say here are the odds of the game, and and I'm taking a small percentage as vig for providing this service, that's where it becomes illegal. Just like running a home game and charging rake is illegal. So that's that's the big thing is charging the VIG. And he's saying if you're the one who's actually holding the money and actually charging VIG on the bets, then you're the target. And what he meant by semi-illegal, I think, for being the agent is that they're looking really looking to get the convictions against the ones who are running the sports books and, and holding the money and charging the VIG. The ones who are just collecting money on behalf of somebody else but not booking the bets... They'll arrest them too, but they will typically cut deals with them with you know in exchange for their cooperation and then give them probation or something. So that's uh, that's what we've seen for the most part. So uh, in my example from earlier, the the bookie who stiffed me for the five eighty, he really is running a sports book because he was the one who was booking the bets, he was charging the vig, he was the one paying me. He wasn't just an agent of somebody else. He was actually paying me. So he's the one who has been owing me, and that's why he's been so slow paying, because he was just a one-man, low-budget operation. So, anyway, it's interesting, all those clients that uh, these guys have. and uh, you know, this, So these celebrities are, again, not at risk for going to prison for this, even if they were on tape 
through a search warrant placing bets. It's just embarrassing for them a little bit. So that has come out. I thought these, some of the names would be interesting. That's why I covered it here. Now let's talk about depositing cash in somebody else's bank account. It always feels a little funny to do that. I, the few times I've done it, it, it's kind of felt weird. You walk into a bank branch. You say, I want to deposit cash. They say, okay, you know, swipe your card. You go, no, 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 no. I, I don't mean my account. I mean somebody else's account. And they always look at you like, like you know, are you some kind of, uh, is this a drug transaction? Is this some kind of money laundering? Is it illegal? They always kind of give you this look. They don't always say it, but it feels a little uncomfortable to do. But over the years, it's become a little more difficult to do this. So I, because poker players owe each other money, let's look at the Sean D, Brandon Cantu, Jason Mercier situation. Like, if Cantu was willing to pay Mercier now, the, the 10,000 pounds, or maybe 15,000 pounds, you want to include that interest, Mercier would want to make it very easy for Cantu to pay him. That's what he was trying to do, saying, I accept this and this and this. But one way that's always good to collect debts from shady people like Cantu would be to just get cash put in your bank account. That way you know he can't take it back if he decides to change his mind. So the problem is that a lot of banks don't let you do this or make it a little more difficult to do. So I decided to start a thread on the casinos in Las Vegas section of Poker Fraud Alert. And feel free to contribute to this if you want to, because I I, I want to collect a big list of this so everybody knows. And I'm not doing this so people can launder money or, or do drug transactions or, or do anything else illegal. This is being done because there are debts in poker, and this is very helpful to know if someone owes you money or if you owe somebody else money. So it's very helpful to know which banks will or will not accept cash deposits into other people's accounts. So again, please don't use any of this information for anything illegal. And anyone who does, this is not my responsibility. I'm begging everybody to please be legal with this. And uh, I'm just putting the information out there. And... It's a useful thing for people to know who owe money, are owed money. There's a lot of loaning, staking, things like that in poker to where people would need to do this over legal transactions. So, uh, what's going on here? I'm hearing my own voice in a funny thing here. What's happening? Syndicate out. Good night. Okay, syndicate's leaving. Somehow the syndicate... I was becoming the syndicate somehow. I was was morphing into them. And then they, uh, they hung up before I morphed into them. That's good. Trader Risk, are you still with us? Yes, but I'm fading fast. Fading fast. Well, we're almost done with the show, believe it or not. The show is uh, it's going to end pretty soon. I think this is the last topic. You, you can drop whenever you want, though. A bank that may open fraudulent accounts for you without your permission, but is still best for cash deposits, is Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo is the bank who does not give a shit. Wells Fargo was one of the last ones to stop you from using your debit card to play online poker. Wells Fargo does not seem to care if you wire money in all the way to this day, I believe, from online poker sites. While other banks are told that they're supposed to close your account if they catch you wiring in online poker money or depositing online poker checks, but while other banks are aggressive about this, Wells Fargo seems to not give a shit, at least last I saw. So that's something you should know, too. Wells Fargo does not give a shit if you have others deposit cash into your account. 
So that's a good place to have people deposit cash. They do not require any ID, and they will allow you to do it. Now, of course, if you deposit more than $10,000, then they will require you to fill out, fill out a cash uh, transaction record form called a CTR, and that's required by law. So yeah, also, if you are doing a lot of smaller transactions that add up to 10000 in a short time, they may require you to do that as required by law. That's known as structuring. In fact, you can go to jail for that, so I wouldn't suggest structuring if I were you. Uh, so for regular cash transactions, let's say you owe someone uh, $2,000 as some sort of poker debt or payback of a loan, you can go into their Wells Fargo, drop two k in their account. They will not show, make you show ID. They will put the 2000 in. Easy. Done and done. Bank of America will allow you as well, but they will make you show ID. So be aware of that. Chase. Chase is a very hard-line bank. They are very quick to close accounts of anyone making online gambling transactions. So don't, don't ever wire online poker money to Chase. Don't ever deposit online poker checks from Chase. Don't use Chase credit cards to deposit to online poker sites because they will close your accounts. And there's no appealing that. So they're very hard line with that, and they're also very hard line with cash deposits into others' accounts. If you have a personal Chase account, they will not let others deposit cash into it. They will say no. No exceptions. They will allow it to business accounts, but the person has to show ID. So if you have a Chase business account, yes, others can deposit cash in there, but they must show their ID. If you have a personal account, then nobody can deposit cash except you. These were things I found from my research, but here is another member named Go Buckos from Pittsburgh, maybe from the residential neighborhood, like Bad Guy. He posted that he posted about a few other banks. U.S. Bank, he says it varies from state to state. He noticed that uh, in Nevada, they will let you deposit cash with no ID required. But in Colorado, they they limited it to $500. He hasn't tried other states, but in those two states, he tried. Colorado, they said 500 maximum. Nevada, they let you do it. No ID and no apparent limit. City National Bank, not to be confused with Citibank. This is just City National Bank. They do allow you to deposit cash with no ID requirement. In First Bank which is, uh, he's talking about in California, Arizona, and and Colorado. He hasn't tried California, Arizona. He did try Colorado and said that it was allowed with no ID requirement. Uh, he's also said that, and he, th- he threw this in there, that if you really want to deposit cash, but you can't do it at the bank you want to do it at, like let's say Chase, he said a simple way to get around it is to, ha- to buy money orders at a check cashing place, a supermarket, a customer service counter, the post office, whatever, that even Chase will take those. You could deposit money orders. Now, the problem is the person may not want to take money orders because money orders can still be reversed. So it's, it's, nothing's as good as cash. But he is mentioning that if, if the person is willing to take a money order, even strict banks like Chase will take money orders. If you are a recipient of a money order, watch out, because there can also be fraudulent ones, which look very legitimate, and then three weeks later, the bank will figure out it's fraudulent and take the money back from you. So, in general, if someone owes you money, unless you really trust them, do not take money orders. Always try to take cash. 
He's also saying certain states may have stricter requirements than others and may supersede the bank policies. So, for example, maybe in some states, I don't know which, but maybe some states will force Wells Fargo to get get ID from you before putting cash in the account, or maybe some won't even let you do it at all, though we don't know if states like this exist. Troy Derisky, do you have any further knowledge on this subject or not? No, I just knew they were cracking down, and I know, I know I, right when it started, I was in Vegas on one of my weekend trips that turned into a month, <laughs> and I and I was trying to go to Chase to pay cash for my, put it in my landlord's account, and I couldn't find, they wouldn't take my cash. Uh, that was like right when it started. Was but, this like in 14 or something, 2014? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, so you said, how, how did a weekend trip turn into a month in Vegas? Well, it was going very well. Okay. <laughs> Were you just staying at the hotel the whole time? Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Okay. I've never, I've never had that before. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I don't ever run well for a month. It's, uh, it's, I, I just don't get that lucky. I, I was amazed. I've said this before on the show. I was amazed back in 2005 when I ran well for two long days in the World Series and won a bracelet. I said, I can't believe I ran well for two days. I can't believe I just ran really well for two days. It's amazing. Yeah. No, <laughs> and I was there for business for the first week and then... Went on a good run. And yeah, well, that's, just, a, that's you know, great. Just decided to work from there. Yeah, so so that's an example, though, of, of something totally legal that you're trying to do where you run into a roadblock, uh, trying to pay your rent. So that, that's why you should know this. That's why, like, like if you are if you know your your landlord has his account at Chase and they go, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll, I, don't have to, I don't have to send a rent check. Now I was dropping it as account in Chase. No, no, you're not going to. Not, not the check, maybe, but not the uh, not the cash. So just just be aware of things like that or if you want people to pay you that way. But but really, you need to be aware of this. And if if the bank you want to do this with is not on this list, then could just call the bank and ask them. Call the bank at the branch that you want this done, and ask, do you allow others to come put cash in here? And the answer is going to be yes or no. Or you, and then if the answer is yes, then say do you require ID, and they'll tell you. They'll, they'll tell you the truth. It's not a secret. I'm not I'm not revealing secret info here. But I, I thought it was good to have a thread on the site that lists this. So people can find this and, and just know, because it's a useful thing to know. I think the public has a right to know. And I agree, Wells Fargo's the best. Yeah, as far as being lax with policies, they definitely well, are. Well, that, you know, it's never lines, they seem to manage people better. I mean, I'm sure it's different branch to branch. But it just seems like every time I go into a Bank of America, there's 20 people in line, two to three tellers open, and five other employees walking around doing something other than helping me. Yep. Well, except for opening accounts without your permission. That's a little, yeah, yeah, little, right. little problem. <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah, you gotta take the with the best. Yeah. Yeah, they, they forged my mom's signature and that's pretty bad. So, alright, uh, I don't know if you want to stick around for this. Another bonus topic. This is uh, posted to Poker Fraud Alert a few hours ago. and And I'm covering it. See how fast I am? I don't know if this person's listening to the radio. They've had an account here for uh, since June 2016. I don't know who they are. They call themselves 651. But uh, this is someone posting about a site called Local Bitcoins, which I've talked about before here. This person said, Local Bitcoins allowing gift card sellers to get away with fraud. And this, there are a lot of scammers in Local Bitcoins. Now, what is Local Bitcoins? Local Bitcoins is a way to buy and sell Bitcoins kind of through a backdoor unofficial method between strangers where local bitcoins provide the escrow 
and you can quickly buy and sell Bitcoin. And if you, there's an advantage on each side. If you want to buy Bitcoin, you're going to pay a premium, but you're going to get them real quickly. That's the only way you can get Bitcoin real quickly. Everywhere else you have to have a waiting period. And selling Bitcoin, and also you can get it anonymously that way. Selling Bitcoin, you get a premium on it. You actually sell it at above value for that reason. How does local Bitcoin make money? Well, of course, they take a commission. And why are they necessary? Well, what they're doing is they're acting as a middleman. And the buyer often is anonymous. You never find out who they are. The seller, depending on what way you pay him, you sometimes have to know who they are because you have to say which, you know, where you're putting the money in the account. But anyway, uh, the problem with local Bitcoin, aside from there being a lot of scammers there, is that technically it's also illegal because trading Bitcoin without a license to trade uh, currencies, the government considers it a currency, is technically illegal. And if you do it a few times, they're not going to come after you. But if you're a, a routine buyer or seller on there, there is a chance the government will come after you and prosecute you. So you, you have to be aware of that. And it's a stupid law. You should be able to buy and sell Bitcoin all you want. I can understand them clamping down on you if you knowingly sell Bitcoin to someone who's going to use it for illegal purposes. But Now, the only person I know who's ever, I don't know him personally, but I know of that have been prosecuted under this is someone who was also, he was a high-volume trader on there, and he was also foolish enough to let the FBI set him up, and when they met him in person, pretending to be a buyer of Bitcoin, the person buying it, said, who was really an FBI agent, said, oh, you know, I'm buying these because I, I, I want to buy a bunch of stolen credit cards from Russians, and uh, they want Bitcoin. And the guy goes, oh, I don't, care, I don't care what you do with them. Here, you know, give me my money. So then the FBI arrested him. But uh, so they, that was the main reason they went after him. I mean, they went after him for all these transactions. But then they, they in order to give the trans the arrest much more teeth, they got him selling Bitcoin knowingly to someone who's going to use them for criminal actions. But the guy actually won in court. He actually uh, beat the conviction. He was not convicted. But uh, still, it's a little bit scary to. Uh, that this could be, they could clamp down on you just for buying and selling your own Bitcoin, even if you didn't do anything illegal with them or even uh, sell them to anyone who said anything about doing anything illegal. But uh, there's different ways people can be paid on local Bitcoin. So basically, let's say you are the one who is, uh, who has the Bitcoin, who wants to sell them. How, How do they pay you? Well, they can come, they can, write you a check or send you PayPal. They can do an EFT or a wire transfer. But these things are all reversible. And of course, Bitcoin is never reversible. So once the person gets away with, with, the, with your Bitcoin, there's nothing you can do about it. So the only real reliable way you can receive payment for your Bitcoin through local Bitcoin is by cashing your account, like the way I just described. Again, this is technically not legal, so that's, that's, that's a problem. But... Uh, People do it for other things, too. They do it for gift cards, which are also risky because the gift cards can be reported stolen and then your gift cards are gone and the person has your Bitcoin and runs off. So if you get stiffed in any way on local Bitcoin, so the way it works is on local Bitcoins, they act as escrow and the person who is selling the Bitcoin is the last one to say that the transaction is okay. So the buyer... I'm going to take a call, but the caller has to hold your caller. Hang on a second. So the buyer says uh, first, okay, I, uh, 
I've put in the money now. I, I've I've done my part. Then the seller has of the Bitcoin has to say, okay, I received what the buyer sent me. And then at that point, uh, the Bitcoins that the, that the seller has already put in escrow are released. Once the seller says, I've received payment, then they get released. The problem is when there's sort of, some sort of scam where the, buyer, where the seller thinks they've been paid and they really haven't been because they've been paid in some sort of fraudulent way. Caller, what, what's going on? Who is this? Caller. Hey, what's up? What's up, superstar? Oh, is this Marty? Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. I've only tried to call you like eleven times. Thanks a lot for picking up. Well, we had a finally problem. we had a problem with the phone earlier. It was not personal towards you. We oh, you had a you had a problem with the phone. Marty, what the, kind of problem? It, it, the calls weren't coming through. I had to fix it. Oh, really? Okay, that's a good story. No, I didn't take bad guys' calls either for that reason. We didn't. We took no calls in the first half of the show because the, the phone was broken. But I fi- I fixed it. Okay. Okay, so Marty, what do you want to say before I, I finish about local Bitcoin? What do you, what do you want to tell us? <laughs> what a warm welcome. Hey, Todd, how you doing? Well, you, you, you aren't starting off very friendly with me. It's already sort of hostile. Well, I mean, after, after calling 11 times and posting twice in your radio thread and you finally pick up. But if I was avoiding uh, you, I wouldn't answer at all. I'm, tell, I'm telling you I wasn't uh, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt your monologue. I mean, uh, I know you're uh, pretty busy uh, talking about very important things. Okay, but wh- okay, so, so go ahead and tell us what you're calling about. That kind of sounds like an ultimatum. No, when someone calls, that's what I, I ask them. Why are you calling? So we can talk about whatever you're talking about. You know, on, honestly, I never listened to your show. I wasn't listening now. What were you talking about? I was talking some about kind of uh, some kind of mundane uh, poker fraud. I don't know. What are you talking about? I was talking. I'm, about, I'm joining. I was talking about local Bitcoin and, and some scam that's going on there. But go, I, I'm pausing the topic. Go ahead and tell us what you learned. Uh, about. Fascinating. All right, I've heard enough. I've heard enough. I, I, I was going to give him a chance, but I, I can't. He's, he's just starting off too hostile. Too hostile. I'm sure he's drunk too. That's another problem. So otherwise, it's just a matter of time before I have to hang up because I it, this is I tr- I tried to be cordial here, even even with the hostility of the beginning, and even with that, he thought I was being hostile back. So I I can't win there. there there's no way to take a call like that and have it go well. So, you know, he said he's going to be leaving on... He has a job right now, Marty. He's on ships. I guess he manages the kitchen there. He's on merchant ships, so he manages the kitchen, and I guess he gets paid pretty well. And that, and that's good for him. And he's he's posted some pictures of his trips, and he's posted detailed reports about what it's like to live on those ships. And that, that's all very good. That's all very interesting. And I'm not being sarcastic. It's good stuff that everybody enjoys reading on the forum, and we enjoy the pictures, and I enjoy the threads. And that Marty we like. That Marty is, is universally liked. The problem is when we get the, like, the hostile drunk Marty. And that, that's what turns off people. And he doesn't get that. So tonight we got the hostile drunk Marty. See, I, the problem is he got spun up. Because, he was probably drinking and got spun up because he thought I was ignoring his calls and trying to avoid him. And I explained to him we had a problem with the phone for the first half of the show, and I fixed the problem. Well, bad guy called the Mount Charleston line. 
that was working. So I, I, while I was on that call, I went through the first phone line and found there was an issue that was not allowing the calls to get through to the radio show. So I fixed the issue, which is, you know, it's tough to fix these things during the show. It's tough to host the show and fix something technical during the show. But I actually did. That's why he got through. If I was looking to ignore his calls, then I would have just ignored them the entire show. It wouldn't make any sense to not take them earlier and then take them near the end. Anyway, going back to local Bitcoin. Where scams can take place is where the seller says, okay, everything looks good, releases the Bitcoin from escrow, and then later discovers they've been scammed in some way. So this is a story from a user named 651 on Poker Fraud Alert. He said, I recently bought $700 in Amazon gift cards from a, quote, reputable seller on local Bitcoins, which is already a mistake. You never want to buy anything that can be reversed, and gift cards can always be reversed. That's a, that's a first problem here. I don't care how reputable they are, because you never know, one, if this is like a, a, a scam, a confidence scam where you have confidence because they have a good rep, and then one day they just screw everyone, or if the account is hacked. There's so many different ways. You don't want anything ever, you don't want to be paid in any way that can ever be reversed, and gift cards can be reversed. But I, I don't want to give a hard time to the 651 person, because I, I never want to give a hard time to the person who's scammed. I'm just telling you guys that. On any type of trade like this involving Bitcoin, you always want to get cash. Otherwise, don't do it. So he says the, the seller's name on local Bitcoins is Danielle Tucker, which I, I bet is a fake name. I bet it's not even a female. In fact, a lot of times when there is a female name associated with things like this, you should run away because it's usually a male choosing a female name to seem less threatening because you just you think, okay, I, I can't picture a girl scamming me, even though there are plenty of female scammers, so it's a stupid thing to think. But guys just are less intimidated. They just think, oh, you know, a girl's, a girl's not going to scam me. I'm, I'm more afraid of a guy scamming me. So that's when there's a, a name like Danielle Tucker selling Bitcoin, you should already be aware that it's probably a scam in some way. It says, the cards worked fine. I ordered some stuff and everything was good. And then what happens... Three days later, my Amazon account was closed and my money and orders were canceled. Because they were probably reported stolen. Let's read on. I've been asking local Bitcoin support to ask the seller of the gift cards to provide proof of where he or she bought them. They're basically putting it all on me to provide proof and won't do anything about it. It is perfect for the scammers and local Bitcoin because Amazon has a policy of keeping quiet and keeping customers in the dark. They sent me the same email six times now calling, after calling several times, tweeting Amazon for help and trying to have them send an email to say that gift card number whatever was invalid and we closed your account for this reason. Amazon will not give me any details. I will provide images of the email and other details of the local Bitcoin seller, Danielle Tucker, who is selling around 250 to 500 Bitcoin worth of Amazon gift cards as well as other gift cards per year, which of course... At today's prices, the $250,000 to $500,000. So now it's possible that uh, this is Danielle Tucker's scam, is that uh, Danielle Tucker was doing legitimate transactions and then one day decided to go rogue and rip off everybody. I've seen that before on eBay. It's also possible Danielle Tucker was hacked. Probably not. And it's also possible that Danielle Tucker was receiving these gift cards through some sort of shady means, was receiving them at a discount because they were stolen. And that Daniel Tucker's source of the stolen gift cards provided Daniel with gift cards that were caught quickly as stolen. 
and therefore the person that Danielle sold them to got screwed. So Amazon gift cards are often used in conjunction with scams. So never buy things like this. This is exactly what can happen. So he got on February 3rd, 2017, an email. Hello, we've closed your account and canceled all outstanding orders. We took these actions because you have submitted invalid gift cards as payment for Amazon orders. Uh, so he's showing that Danielle Tucker has traded between 250 and 500 Bitcoins with more than 500 confirmed trades with 353 different people, has 99% positive feedback. So it shows you, you can't trust. Again, it is very possible that Danielle Tucker was not looking to scam people, but was receiving these gift cards at a discount from someone who was stealing them and then doesn't want to make it right. What I'm not understanding from this, and I'm going to have to ask the person, the 651 person who posted it, is have they tried to contact Danielle Tucker? But you can do that. If Danielle Tucker just isn't answering them, then that's a very bad sign. That shows that Danielle Tucker either meant to scam them or trying to wash their hands of someone they know is scammed. So, I've had a bad experience. I've had some bad experiences with local Bitcoin. And I had... I had it where people were doing shady things on there and I provided the proof. I never actually got fully scammed because I I was uh, wise to things. But I I had attempted scams pulled on me where I I could... I had the smoking gun proof of attempted scams and I presented them to support and they did nothing. The person just kept on keeping on over there and scammed more people. So even though I never lost any money, uh, I easily could have... And they didn't care. And I had every proof, every bit of proof they needed. So the truth is, local Bitcoin, which does not run out of the U.S., does not give a shit. They will let you get scammed, and they're they're not going to do much about it. Especially someone that is scamming you that has good feedback otherwise. So that's what they don't want to do. They don't want to shut down someone who is a frequent trader because they get their commission and they don't want to shut down those people. So they just assume anybody with pretty good feedback, uh, even if the, you present all the evidence in the world that they're a scammer, they're going to let it go until that person is uh, chronically scamming a lot of people. So that's another big problem with local Bitcoin. It's full of scammers. That's why I say, if you're going to use it, do not, do not, do not accept anything for your Bitcoin except cash in your bank account. And when they say they put cash in your bank account, do not just believe them because they may be putting a check in there that's no good and pretending that it's cash. You need to call up the branch where they deposited it and ask, was this money put in here? You know, you can check online in your account if money's in your account, but you need to ask the branch, was cash actually put in? And if they do not say yes, then do not release the Bitcoin. Otherwise, you can get screwed. And you will get screwed if you're not careful. You have to be very savvy to not get screwed on a site like Local Bitcoin. There are many scams that can be pulled on you like this one. Anything that you get in exchange for Bitcoin, I don't care if it's through Local Bitcoin or some other third-party site that facilitates transactions between people, or if people you know directly that you don't know that well that might be possibly scamming you. The important thing to ask yourself is what I am receiving in exchange for my Bitcoin, 
Is it possible that such a thing could be canceled or reversed? So think about it. Can cash be canceled or reversed? No. If cash is in your bank account or handed to you in person, there is no way to reverse it. So that is safe. Can a gift card be canceled or reversed? Of course it can be. It can be reported stolen. Can a wire transfer be reversed? Yes, it can. It can be reported as fraudulent. Can a, an electronic fund transfer be reversed? Yes, it can be reco- reported as fraudulent. Can a check be reversed? Of course, it can be canceled. It can be stopped. Can a PayPal transaction be reversed? Very, very easily. It can be reported as fraudulent. So, really just about anything except for cash handed to you in person or cash that is put into your bank account can be reversed. You're probably best off having the cash put in your bank account because then you don't have to worry about counterfeit either. If someone puts cash in your bank account, it's not the physical cash is not in your bank account. So it's on the bank. If they stupidly accept counterfeit money, then... Uh, it's going to be blended in with all the other money. They're not going to be able to take it back from you unless they can definitely trace that cash that came as the deposit to you. And usually they will only catch that at the time because if they don't catch it at the time, they don't know who it came from. They mix it all with all the other cash. And if they catch it at the time, then they just won't process the transaction. So that's the safest way. Second safe is to get the cash in person. Anything else is not safe at all. That goes for any kind of debt. Where they anything else has a possibility to be reversed. A moneyed order. Money order can easily be reversed. It can be reported as stolen. It can be falsified. It can be counterfeited. So my heart goes out to you, six five one. Fortunately there's only seven hundred dollars. But I, I agree that local Bitcoin is unlikely to take action. But I, I would contact this uh, Daniel Tucker. I would leave them bad feedback, which you probably have already. Trader Risk, are you still with us? Got to always wait to make sure he has enough time to respond. Trader Risk, are you still with us? It looks like he has finally gone into tea dreamland. Actually, before I start the end of music, which is just about to do. I loaded it, I hit play, and then I stopped it. Let me take a look at the chat room. It's going to be nice to just drop Trader Ruski because you know, I don't want to wake him up with anything. Philosopher in the chat said the gone rogue scam is practically possible to avoid Practically impossible to avoid. I I disagree. It is impossible to avoid because if you take certain precautions, like making them pay cash to you, then they they can't scam you. Now on eBay, it actually is impossible to avoid, but they will cover scams like that. Like eBay will guarantee the transaction, so you don't have to worry as much. It's a pain in the ass, but. They will gan- they will cover it for you. Yeah, he says on eBay. He meant eBay. Yeah, he's that's true. And I almost was a victim of one of the gone rogue scams where someone attempted to buy something from me 
had a long time excellent record on there. But I was smart enough to look at all their recent transactions and the transactions they had made over the last few days were all very bad. And I said, uh oh. Or maybe it was the last week, something like that. It went from everything was good to everything was bad. So obviously I did not complete it and I reported it as fraudulent. He's saying it's such a stupid decision to go rogue when you've had such cred build up. Um, yeah, I always thought that too, though I think sometimes they're just desperate for immediate money and just make dumb decisions. Or that uh, it can be so lucrative if you can fool that many people together, it can actually be worth it. Or the account could be hacked too. That's another thing that happens. Hacked or fished in some way. Uh, philosopher says in the one story Dreff told the bank had a hard time even verifying there was indeed cash from what I remember what you have to do to have the bank verify that it was actually cash instead of something else you have to have them speak to the teller who received it and ask them if they specifically remember receiving cash to your account you need to call soon. You can't call days later. They're not going to remember it. But if you call in like an hour after it was done, you can say, hey, can you ask the tellers if they remember? Like you know, if I called in and said, hey, my name's Todd Wattellis. Can you ask the tellers that are working right now if one of them received a uh, $1,200 deposit to my account all in cash from a third party? That's pretty memorable. There, there aren't that many third-party cash deposits. So they'll go to the few tellers that are there at the moment. One will say, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then say, yeah, the teller told us that, yes, they remember it. There's, there's no official way to do it, and sometimes they'll think it's a little bit weird. But if you explain to them, hey, I'm selling something over the Internet. I don't really know this person. This is the way they're paying me. I don't want to ship the stuff without them knowing. You don't even have to mention Bitcoin. You know, you can just uh, – whatever it is you're selling. It, you know, that's what I'm saying here. It's not just about Bitcoin. Whatever it is, someone who owes you money, someone who's buying something for you from you over the Internet, whatever it is, Bitcoin, whatever it is they're buying. You can call the bank and ask them the specific branch where they deposited, not the main 800 number, but the, the branch itself. You call them and ask them, was there cash deposited into my account? Can you have this teller tell me you know, what it is? So that's, that's the only way you can do it, to be sure about it. Otherwise, it doesn't necessarily say online for most banks if it was a cash transaction or a check or a money where you don't know. It's just this is deposit. That can be anything. And philosopher is saying, saying, he's saying, why isn't it marked cash on their computers? I always thought that was so stupid, too. I never understood why you have to go through these heroics. But all banks are like this. I don't know why it doesn't just say cash deposit such and such. That would be so simple. But they, they just don't have, or you could even just call up, why can't you just call up the 800 number and ask, was it a cash deposit? But believe it or not, there's no way to do that. Believe it or not, they don't mark it was cash until after it's processed. Once it's processed, like a day later or two days later, then you can find out it's cash. But by then, it's kind of too late. The, the, these people on local Bitcoin don't want to waste two days. They, they want 
the money immediately. And you say, well, what if you just wait? Well, then they'll get mad and give you bad feedback, and people aren't going to want to trade with you. So to people on a site like local Bitcoin, you got to keep people happy by by trading quickly. So if it's something like uh, not on local Bitcoin, if it's something like just uh, someone who, who's buying Bitcoin from you that, that can wait a few days, or someone who's buying something else from you that can wait a few days for it to actually clear as a cash transaction, then you'll see it as cash online. But in the in the pending stage, which is usually a day or two, you're not going to see that. You're just going to see deposit. You're not going to know what kind. A philosopher says, all this makes me way too paranoid to ever engage in a deal with someone I don't know really, really well. Yeah, I understand that. That's why you got to only take cash and make sure it's cash. And always believe that no matter how sincere the person seems and no matter how good their feedback is, they can always screw you. Here's, here's some messages that uh, I received by text. Druff, did you see the fire truck that flipped on its side on Mount Charleston? No, I didn't. Hopefully the rotary phone is safe. Well, apparently it is. His bad guy called on it. He said James Conn was in Honeymoon in Vegas as well. Played a high-stakes gambler too. He was also in uh, that show Las Vegas. He also asked, how come Marty's always a dick? He's not always, but I will say a lot of times he is when he calls in. I don't know why. I think it's drunkenness. It's from the 505. This time charge may be better with an auto shuffler, referring to a time charge for uh, poker games. But with slow World Series of poker dealers, it sucks paying $7 a half hour at a 1-2 game. So he's saying that if you don't get many hands in, that a time charge sucks at a low-limit game. I can understand that. He says, uh, by the way, Grimmer is for the Poker Stars player Grimstar, who would set on the button, play one hand, and then leave at nosebleed stakes. That's interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> I thought it was like a UK term. And let's see from the 314. Jesus, get rid of that fool. How many times can he say goodbye and then drone on? That voice makes me nauseous. I wish I knew who he was talking about. I think he's talking about bad guy. <laughs> the only call, real caller we had tonight, aside from the syndicate calling from Matt the Rat's place. But I know he didn't do that. The guy who wanted to talk about the Maryland Live thing that was going to come on last week and fell asleep, he wanted to do it tonight, but I didn't get his text in time, so he's, he's asleep. Uh, oh, Texas Fugitive contacted me, but not about the 20 He must have not heard about the $20 I couldn't collect on, uh, on Bluebird that refused to give me an account. They said I don't qualify for some reason. It's pretty insulting. Not by Texas Fugitive, but by Bluebird. No idea why I didn't qualify. I could have called them and asked, but it's not worth it. So he said, don't forget that my $11 from third place last week, roll it back into the free roll. Actually, I'm going to roll it back into the $20 that I couldn't collect from Bluebird. <laughs> so I got, you got to still pay me nine here, Texas Fugitive, though I appreciate all the donations you did. Just gotta, maybe I can wait until you win another $9 and just take that off. Uh, I guess that's it from the text we received on seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. But you can still text me anytime. You're listening right now to the archives. Go ahead and text me right now. Right now, I may be sleeping. I may be doing something else. You can still text me. I may be drowning in the flood. 
on Friday. I'm going to take a look right now. I'm going to take a look at what they're claiming. Because it keeps changing. What they're claiming is going to come down as rain on Friday. They're finally starting to give warning on, on the weather apps about this. Before they weren't even doing that. Oh, it's actually gone down. Before I was seeing 5.55 inches. Now I'm seeing 4.72 inches. Still a lot of rain in one day. It was going up and up and up. And now it's going back down. Hmm. It's looking like the storm is going to go from late Thursday to early Saturday, then taper off. And then just as L.A. is starting to dry out, it's going to rain again on Monday. (laughs) And Wednesday and Tuesday. But not as much. Kind of a smaller system coming through at that point. Hmm. A lot of rain in the L.A. area. Bad guy saying it probably won't even rain. No, it's going to happen for sure. There's going to be a very, very heavy rain on Friday. It's just a matter of if it's, it's going to be four inches or six inches, but there will be a whole lot of rain on Friday. I guarantee that. I'm not scared of rain. It's just like a top of a massive storm like that, dropping six inches in one day. That's that's pretty big. All right, people. Feels like the show was short, but the show actually was six hours. It's not short. It's kind of typical these days, but do you know anybody else who does a six-hour radio show with no break, no commercials, no pausing, no playing cutesy little songs in between as they go take a break to go to the bathroom and go get a drink, go rest their voice? No, you don't. You don't know anybody who does that. Only this show. Remember that. Remember that this show is the one that just broadcasts live without hesitation. And we fix things during the show. If we have a phone line that doesn't work, we fix the phone line during the show. We don't edit that out. We don't make you wait during annoying commercials or or breaks. No, 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 no. I just sit here and talk and talk and talk for six hours in your ear. Sometimes seven, sometimes eight. You think it's easy? You think this is easy to do? You go try it. Try to start your own podcast or internet radio show. And try to just talk straight for six hours without a break. And actually have something to say for those six hours. Not have long pauses or confusion. You're not going to be able to do it. I shouldn't say that. It'll be harder for you to do it than you'll expect. You might be able to do it. I think Brandon can do it. He's done that before. Will Brandon have a show? Probably, but that's a wait a little bit. Still haven't gone over the settings for the server, but it's kind of just we haven't spoken on the phone about that recently. We will be back in eight days, February 23rd at 7.45 p.m. Pacific time. We will have a free roll. Thank you very much for listening. I will tell you how much rain did fall on Friday the 17th. Until then, good night and shalom.